We're live, PKA episode 294. Kyle? Yeah, we've got a few sponsors tonight. We've got Dollar Shave Club, Movement Watches, CISO again. I'm a big fan of them. And Loot Crate. We'll uh, talk about all of those later on in the show. If you're interested right now, check them out. There's a link down, down below in the description. Use our codes. But uh, for now, let's get to it. Got Hutch on the show. Hutch, what like, are you up to? Like three years or something. Same old shit, man. I've been going to the same party for seven years now, and in no way is that depressing. <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm doing like uh, I do. I do a lot of streaming now. I'm still doing YouTube stuff. Uh, I'm I'm still at it, man. Where's still, the money? Where's the money? Yeah, it, it, I feel like a lot of people are well, doing no, better think, on Twitch I, than YouTube nowadays. I think it depends on like where you're at. For me, it was it was a good transition because when you do YouTube, you guys know when you do YouTube for so long, it's like really really easy to burn out and not feel like you're having fun with it, but. When you're streaming, it feels like there's a lot more organic interaction and a lot more opportunities to like make jokes and just have fun and all the witty banter. It um, must be nice to have fans that like you. That's not my experience at all. <laughs> well, we, we had different, you know, we had different channels back then. You were, you were. I think if I would have done a channel t- channel similar to yours, where it was like COD tips and stuff like that. I mean, I did do that, but it wasn't. You got, you guys, were, or you were more. Uh, what do you say, surgical about it? And so I think you're just going to attract like a younger crowd. Maybe, maybe that's it. I don't know. Yeah. The internet is a cruel <laughs> mistress. To answer your question though, there's, there's, there's like now it's, it's different. It's weird now for, for me because my money, my income comes from like five, six different places. So it's not just like YouTube is, is a part of it, but it's actually kind of a small part of it. And it's nice when, when you diversify like that. Like, I don't know. There's a little more security in it. Whereas, like, yeah. maybe 2010 Hutch, I, you might have been a machinima then, but hypothetically, like, whenever you just first branch on your own, um, you know, like, if you get a strike, all of a sudden, like, holy smokes, you know, like, stop everything. This could be a big issue. Now it's like, yeah. oh, no, income down by 20%. Like, let's sort it out. And... Yeah, you can, you, can, you can figure your way out of a lot more problems when, when you have more streams of revenue coming in. Yeah, yeah. Are you still doing because, gaming content? Okay, because, because I, I feel like I can't hear myself with this headphone. I don't know if I'm loud enough. Am I talking loud enough? I think yeah, you sound great. Yeah, yeah, okay, I yeah. think you're good. I'm sorry, um, Taylor, what did you say? I was saying, I apologize. I haven't checked out your channel in a long time. Are you still doing gaming shit, or are you transitioning more into just you as a person yeah, out? Because those are always the videos that got the most traction for you, or the ones where yeah. you just kind of were yourself. Uh, there's like, there, it's still mostly gaming stuff, but I'll do stuff. Like I got into cooking recently. I started cooking like a madman in December or November. It was like the first time I got into it. And I've done a few of those kind of videos too. And they've, uh, I just did one yesterday with, or the day before with Gassy Mexican and, uh, it was received like really well. So yeah, I mean, I think I've always been like, I've, I've always treated my channel to as, as a, as a, as a way of being creative in like a lot of different ways. So like I still do lots of gaming stuff, but every once in a while I like to throw in like something that's. My personal flavor. What I don't want to talk about me right now. Me's a boring topic. I, mean, I, I want to play. talk about you. Here's, I got a question. You made a conscious decision. This is back before really Twitch was a big deal. To share yeah. less of like, I don't know, the, 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 the who Hutch really is. Like your background, your vulnerabilities, etc. And just keep it more surface Hutch. Is that still the same deal? Or how do you feel about that call? I don't know if I rem- did, did we talk about this before? Or is this something that, was that an observation that you made? I feel like you talked about it um, at one point. I don't know if it was via Twitter or Facebook or what, but it, it came from I think, you. I think maybe. I think like, I think you, that's just, to me, that's just like a normal trajectory when it comes to social media. Like, 
for people that have become popular on social media, there's this initial uptick time, and it's really like it induces a lot of adrenaline and excitement, and it's intoxicating. And then after a while, you start to see the negative side of social media. Maybe you say something that you didn't quite mean in a certain way, but then people take it out of context, and all of a sudden, you literally have thousands of people yelling at you. So <laughs> once you learn those lessons, like enough times, then you kind of slowly, naturally start to pull back. I'd still think I'm pretty transparent for the most part, but there are some topics that I won't touch. And that wasn't the case. Like when I first, you're right. When I first started, it was like, I would talk about anything. I would bring on an ex-girlfriend and talk about maybe having a threesome or like what, (laughs) nothing was off limits when it came to that sort of thing. I just don't feel like I want to do that now. I'm kind of, I feel like I'm more of a grown up now too, though. So I want to ask you about this. You said you were going to watch Suicide Squad later, right? Did I hear that correctly? Yeah. So, So are you are you up to date that uh, with the the early Rotten Tomato reviews and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Does that I'm worry not, you, or you you don't give a shit? I don't know, man. Like it, 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 it's it's a bummer because I want the DCEU to be awesome. I really liked Man of Steel. Do you guys like Man of Steel? Yeah. I did, I did, and I watched the extended version, and I felt like the added half hour of content fleshed it out well and made a lot of the a lot of it make sense. And I like cool. Zack yeah, Snyder. I like Zack Snyder, and I like very dark, gritty, um, graphic novel-feeling uh, movies. Yeah. As much as I like the feel-good Marvel stuff, I like them both for are different reasons. Are we talking about the same kind of movie? Yeah, did you, are you talking yeah. about Man of Steel? Batman v Superman right now. I think oh, I'm talking about Batman versus yeah. Superman. Yeah. I saw Man versus, yeah, I saw Man of Steel, too. I liked it as well, though. I mean, yeah. it was very dark. It was probably even darker. It was very dark. I liked it, too, yeah. It was yeah, it was really dark. Yeah, I I really liked Man of Steel. I thought Batman v Superman was flawed, but I still enjoyed it. In the extended cut, you're right. I thought it fleshed out a lot of the plots. Like Lois's plot is just inexcusably bad in the theatrical cut because it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense what happened to her in the desert and everything. But then when you see the extended cut, it's like, man, like why did you not just like add that extra twenty minutes or something or however much they added? The Watchmen is uh, is kind of flawed in that way too. That when you watch the extended version of the Watchmen, not only do you get like 18 no. more seconds of Blue Dong. Dude, I love the extended cut I, of that movie. I, I love thought you were going to say you love the Blue Dong right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It, that's one of the few movies that, you know, like full frontal male nudity happens. We you know, you go back to Gigolo with uh, uh, Richard Gere um, and uh, uh, what's his name from Mr. Uh, the Wolf from Pulp Fiction. Um, uh, whatever his hey, fucking name is. Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel. He's done plenty of uh, full frontal male nudity, but it's not often that you get it just right there on the swinging dong for like long uh, extended shots. They need shots. to do that more because <laughs> the way they do dick shots most like male nudity is they'll like have the post sex and the guys of course immediately flaccid. You know how sex is. You finish and you're already you're already good to go. <laughs> like and then it's just kind of a game of you looking like is there going to be dick and it's just carefully placed thighs and blankets. I like uh, the Game of Thrones approach which is just the scene starts on cock. <laughs> and it kind of pans out, and it's like starting here. Now you don't even have to look. We got to, we took care of that for you. Now pay attention to the dialogue. You, you know? should watch a movie called Shame, starring Michael Fassbender. It shows his dick a bunch. And uh, yeah, actually, I don't know how we even got in this conversation. Yeah, but let's keep. Have, have you seen the? Have you seen the Orlando Bloom stuff lately? It's a. It's like yeah. trending oh, on yeah. Twitter. Yeah, if you don't know, I, I I um, you know, I did my research for science and. Uh, uh, I, the the shot I saw was him on like a paddleboard with some girl, but he's on his knees, and uh, there it is. Rock out with your cock out. Yeah, and, he's got like a half chub. 
Probably about 60, 60 to 65 <laughs> yeah, percent. I just assumed he was gifted. I don't know. Yeah, you know? I think so too because the shot I saw had it was in no way like yours. He's just naked running with like some palm trees behind him. He's like outside running with like six or seven inches hanging or something like that. Um, so, so I think the whole the whole Twitter sphere is applauding uh, Orlando Bloom right now, but but completely forgetting how like uh, if if this were uh, a female celebrity's nudes that were out there, there would be so much shaming going on immediately. Oh my god! But, but because it's Orlando Bloom, it's it's funny. Everybody's like, look, and everybody's making jokes about it. And and hey, we are too. I just I, I just uh, think it would be a, the think, shoe would be on the other foot. I think there are two like there are two groups in both of these situations. You have the group cheering it, and you have the group calling it immoral and. Equating it to rape, uh, and like the only difference between the two situations is just like um, the uh, the uh, proportion between the two. But I still think I think it's probably not that big of a big of a deal. Probably. He doesn't care. I saw yeah, Justin I don't think Bieber. He cares at all. The Be- Beeb, you know, his his cock got shown. Uh, I don't know, maybe nine months ago, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And um, that guy. I don't know if he I think was Orlando Bloom has more cock than Justin Bieber. I mean, you know, the Justin Bieber shot wasn't very good in my memory. The Justin Bieber cock enhanced was, was like Enhance. at like he's a top five percenter or something. The Bieber, if I recall correctly, and um, he, he talked Serious about it. You catch about a dick in the right light with their, with their cocks out. I haven't seen the Orlando Bloom pics because I saw him trending on Twitter. I was thinking like, oh, maybe like. He's in a new Pirates movie or something, a Legolas spinoff, yeah. you know, the, just the elves. No, uh, first story, Orlando Bloom's cock is out. And it's like, oh, well, God damn it. So I, I didn't look at it. But I think tra- if these guys are famous enough to know that people could be watching, they might be doing a little bit of a little bit of fluffing beforehand. So you Bieber know? talked about it with, and he did the 55%. So I was trying to get out that James Corden, you know, the guy that does that like carpool karaoke thing. He had Bieber on there, and he's like, yeah, you know, like, he's like, it's a real invasion of privacy. I kind of didn't like it, but all you can do is laugh. And then he went on and said, uh, he's like, I was really worried because it was by the pool that there'd be shrinkage and everything. And by the way, he was, like I said, rocking a horse dong. And he's like, and it turns out there was. And everyone's like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) That wasn't shrinkage. So it was pretty funny. I would have turned out far worse if I was Justin Bieber. I think we should all be like, Saluting Justin Bieber for not being way more fucked up than he, he actually is. For having as much money and power and fame and wealth that he had at such a young age, him pissing in a bucket and making fun of Bill Clinton is like a it's plus like nothing. He's, he's passing with flying yeah. colors. Yeah, he, he egged a house. I mean, I've egged a few houses. Yeah. I mean, Have you ever going to say that you've blood. never peed where you aren't supposed to pee? Everybody's peed where they're not supposed to pee. It's just nobody gives a fuck when we do it because we're not Justin Bieber. You're talking about yeah, public he's... urination. He's yeah. probably a little shit, you know. He probably is, but like, I don't know. I stopped. I stopped judging him in my mind a while ago. I'm like, you know what, man? You do your thing, pal. I would do the exact same thing if I was you. I, I think I a little shit. Yeah, that's the perfect definition of that guy. I think he's a bit of a shit. I think, you know, what a neighbor complains about noise, so he like throws eggs on his home and something like that. Yeah. Now, that's not a good response. Having said no. that, hey, there are worse people out there. I yeah. pe- we peeled out that like there was this one girl in high school. She never fucked with us. She never did anything wrong to us. We just decided one night that we didn't like her, and we peeled out on her fucking lawn, like her parents' like front lawn. <laughs> you asshole! <laughs> yeah. like, they almost called the cops and uh, like you know press charges and stuff like that. It was like, but kids just do stupid shit. And if you add the immaturity of youth with 
several million dollars, then, you know, I don't know. I think he's doing fine. I think he's... And, like, we were all little shits at one point. That's my point. It's like, we were all little shits, so... Everybody, everybody needs time to kind of get their shit together, and some yeah. people take longer than others to get their shit together. And there's nothing wrong with that, really. When I heard he egged the house, I, I just couldn't have cared less. It's like, really? That's, I mean, they were making a really big deal of it, and they were talking about deporting him back to Canada and things like that. And I was just thinking, like, look, it's shitty if you egg someone's house. Howard Stern always tells this story at length about how how much he hates houses getting egged because when he was a kid, someone egged his father's house, and he remembers his father on the ladder washing the egg off and how it ruined the paint and how they couldn't really afford to repaint the house and it was a big burden on them and that that night at dinner his father was stressed about it and you know ah oh, these kids why why have they done this and you know he's kind of looking at howard like maybe howard inspired this this egging and he's just talking about how <laughs> awful it was that his house got egged so when he when the justin bieber thing came up he was like ah oh, this piece of shit <laughs> this motherfucker <laughs> But, you know, I mean, we egg strangers' houses and people we didn't like's houses when I was 17 years oh. old. I mean, that's it's, still it's in the appropriate range of egging. There's no appropriate age. It's a shitty thing to do. You should find it's a, you should find a more victimless like hijink to get up to. I, at least I'm it's hard. It's really you're gonna... hard to get it off the house too cuz it cakes on there. You got to get like fucking tools and then repaint the whole It sucks, man. We got egged as a, a, when I was a kid too. If we have 17, though, if you're egging at 17, I don't think that you're a lost cause, like a degenerate fuck. I think you're probably oh, yeah. just a douche at 17. If I went out at 25 <laughs> house, they'd be like, sir, what the fuck? Like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Like, I want to I want to back up a, a real real quick just a minute and say that I don't I don't uh, I wish that I had not have peeled out on the. I just. I, I feel. I feel like when I said that, I don't want to make it sound like I was glamorizing it. Because no. okay, no, if I could no, go we, back and not do it. I would never ever have done that. I think we all feel that same way about so much that we did. You know, especially as teenagers. Like for me, especially. Like like I got up to all kind of hijinks and little pranks and uh, things that I saw as pranks. But you know, there was probably some some situation like Howard Stern described when we like sprayed Roundup all over that guy's perfectly manicured lawn, where he was just like. Why? Why did I, they do this to When I was to, to a freshman in high the, uh, school, I was app. 13 years old, and I slapped that girl who tormented me. Here I am at 43, right? 30 years later. I still don't have a better idea. <laughs> you know, I don't. <laughs> I don't know how I could have handled that situation any better. You know, she tormented me for ages. Not like I tried to talk my way out of it. This happened for three months. I say ages. Three months. That's a lot of high school that this girl, if... Hutch might not know the story, but she followed me from like gym from this uh, like the we had to run so from the track back to the uh, high school was like two blocks and she would just follow me saying you're a fag you're so gay look at you she'd do this <laughs> thing with her hands like a shape of Man, a woman you know and she'd do that behind me like like because he's like, got wide hips I got wide hips and I like puberty just wasn't very kind yet I had not broad <laughs> shoulders and stuff and like, uh, la yeah, la. yeah so she's telling me gay she's it, Month, day after day after day. And by the way, this girl, beautiful, right? She's dating a junior, captain of the wrestling team. Like, like she just, Sucks. she's in such a power position here and she's tormenting me constantly. And I slap the daylights out of her. And 30 years later, I'm like, ah, what was I to do? You were 13 years old? Yeah, I, I think so. So I graduated high school at 18. I would have entered it at 13, you know? Yeah. The thing with the thing with bullying and getting bullied is that everybody has a threshold, and like even if even if it's not the re the appropriate response, you can only push someone so far before you 
You get an like, inappropriate response. If you don't expect yeah. a snap, then I don't think that you'd understand human psychology very well. Everyone yeah. has a break. Yeah. I yeah. just I got picked on by this girl. I don't know. Yeah, what were you a... gonna say about what were you gonna say about burning out, Taylor? Oh, the story of uh Hutch ruining that poor old woman's lawn from years ago oh, uh, reminded me <laughs> of when did I ever tell you when we ruined Joel Quinville, the current coach of the Chicago Blackhawks yard? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, so when I was much younger, I so Joel Quinville used to be the coach Can of the St. Louis. Prosecuted for this? For just oh no, no. Okay. So Joel Quinville at the time was the coach of the St. Louis Blues, the professional hockey team here, and we knew him from the rink because we played hockey, and hockey's just a community that you get to know everyone. And so one day we were driving his son back to his house because my mom knew his mom and whatnot, and they were friends. And so we drive to Joel Quinville's gigantic palatial mansion just beautiful beautiful home in one of the most expensive areas to live here my mom pulls up into the long long driveway like a woody style driveway and drops the kid off starts to back up and within i don't know four feet into this hundred yard backup i feel the van go like and and we're in the yard and I'm like, Mom, Mom, we're in Joel Quinville's yard. You need to get, you need to get back onto the driveway. She's like, It's fine, Taylor. It's fine. You don't need to worry about it. This just happens. Sometimes adults don't hit the driveway and they back up. And she backed up a hundred yards, pretty much. Just and and it was wet. You know, it's humid and it rains a lot here. So every once in a while, you have to give a little extra gas. You know, into the yard. And when we got out, I looked back fucking mortified because obviously i'm a huge blues fan and i just like i'm talking to this guy all the time like oh you know like what are you doing with fucking chris pronger now like oh this is so sweet and i just look up as we drive away and there's a huge basically a straight moat all the way the length of their driveway and we just drive away as my mom's like it's fine they won't even it's notice fine. it and i just was like oh my god and i told my dad when we got home and he's like your mother did what <laughs> she ruined joe quinville's yard Joke! Oh Jesus Christ! And he had to do damage control, but that, oh, that was so humiliating. I didn't even do it, but I don't know. That reminded me. Of that. That's awesome. So, <laughs> so the um, I just got back from uh, from Texas. I'll, I'll talk about the the trip more later in the show. But um, I was there doing explosives training and demolition work. And uh, on the first day, I, like a moron, I left my uh, my uh, sunscreen in the car. And so, like, no sunscreen, 100-degree Texas heat out in the middle of the sun, like, digging holes and, and blowing up ordnance all day. And I just got baked. And I didn't drink enough water, and I got really dehydrated. So the next morning when I got up at, like, 8 a.m. to go back at it again, I felt like absolute dog shit. So I stumble into the local gas station, and I'm getting my Gatorades for the day. I got, I got like, a gallon of Gatorade for the day. And I'm wearing my Game of Thrones shirt. It's a white shirt, and it's got a big red dire wolf, and it says, The North Remembers. And uh, the lady behind the counter goes, North Remembers, huh? <laughs> and I immediately, oh. <laughs> I immediately do the math in my head. Like, I'm already on the same page with her. <laughs> like, I don't, need, I'm not, I don't need to catch up. I'm, I know what's going on, and I have a decision to make. Do I... <laughs> Start telling her about the Starks and uh, the Lannisters and Westeros. Or do I have a little fun here? And I was just like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> what exactly are you remembering? The war. <laughs> well, down here in Texas, we remember plenty good, too. And uh, things was almost turned out a different way. I, I was like, ma'am. 
What did I say? Oh, I said, oh, the Bear Island thing. I said, ma'am, every man from Bear Island is worth 60 of you Southerners. <laughs> <laughs> just remember that. And I walked away with my Gatorade, just laughing, and it made my whole day. She was steaming red. Her face was so red trying to figure out what the fuck Bear Island was. <laughs> but she was, she was so mad about that shirt. She's like, North remembers, huh? Oh, I see how it is. <laughs> Texas is a great place. I like Whataburger. I like the uh, the environment. I like uh, I like the way the the landscape looks. Their geology is even cool. They've act, they've got actual rocks here. We've only got like granite here in Georgia, but uh, the people sometimes can uh, can can surprise you a little bit with uh, the way they see things. Uh, she wasn't a Game of Thrones get, fan. I guess you they don't get have HBO there. In Texas, though, like you can find the you know South will rise again kind of folks, and then you can go to Austin, and it's just phenomenally liberal. Like so far left lean, like they have everything in Texas. Like it's just, I don't know. It just seems like when people who live further north characterize it, it's always by those people instead of most of them. Like of course in Houston, it's a lot of fat people. That's true. Like even more so than other cities. If you walk around Houston, there's a noticeable difference. I feel like. Have, have you been to Houston recently? Yeah. Uh, the day it sucked to Houston unexpectedly. Because there's a huge pull there. Yeah, <laughs> the fatties, like a, a high concentrate of gra- concentration of gravity there. Uh huh. So yeah, I landed in Austin, and uh, as soon as I landed, I'm like on Reddit, and I'm like, oh, there's a shooting on Sixth Street. Like, like four people shot by this guy. Like randomly shot into a crowd of women apparently and killed one of them. I'm like, wow, that's fucked up. And then the hot air balloon thing just had happened there too. And I was like, wow. This, these great. are bad omens. These are bad omens because I'm going great. to do all this explosives work. I'm just thinking like every step of the way. My, my, my plane ticket was uh, 13A, you know, just little, little omens like that every step of the way. I was, I was a little worried I wasn't going to come back from this trip. Texas, I went to Dallas one time for QuakeCon for a few days. And I, had, I, I grew up, I hadn't done much traveling at that point. I grew up in Northern California. And in Northern California, it's a little bit snobby, like kind of, pretentious some people are pretentious but there's like a pride there's like a there's like a pride of northern californians where it's like we're so much more laid back than ever like that is accurate when people make that stereotype so going into texas i had all these preconceived notions but you can find silver lining in these these places that get a bad rap because what oh, i found definitely was, it was just that one one shithead gas station attendant like there's a shitty gas station yeah. attendant just right down the road from me i can't go to that gas station anymore something about texans that's fucking annoying they they let you know immediately within like two lines of meeting them that they're from texas like that's the same thing california texas and new york anyone from one of those three states you could say hey do you have the time uh, in fucking new york right now it's four o'clock but it's only two here and you bullshit central time or like whatever they would say like they it's they always bring that back when but, people from jersey we keep that on the down low for a long time yeah. <laughs> we don't have those native new jersey in yeah. place like, right from 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 well what I, what I was gonna say about texas is a couple things that i really liked about texas is that the food was really good and the, and the people were so nice like it was it was such a culture shock to go into a restaurant and have strangers making conversation with you, the waitress making conversation with you, like everyone talking to you, asking you where you're from, like, and that it's not just like a quick little, hey, how are you, boom, you're done. It's like they make conversation down there, and I found that like super refreshing. When you live in certain spots in California, everybody tends to keep their head down, not talk to, not talk to each other. So, no, I'm sure there are a bunch of shitheads in, in Texas. Like, yeah, uh, it's like that all over. But yeah, but no, but I did find some really really nice, hospitable people when I was there. Yeah, and Texas is such an enormous freaking state that, like, to even generalize Texas is like, 
Well, you're talking about like, I don't know, one-tenth of the contiguous United States at least, right? It's huge. It's freaking huge. Yeah. We use this language when we talk about each other. And nice. th- th- like that, we we use this language that's that's overly simplified because that's how we have to like that's that's the only efficient way to communicate is by yeah. generalizing and stereotyping people. But uh, you know, you take a look at like the political climate now. For example, you have one side screaming at the other side, and you have the, the, the like really specific insults like you're a racist, you're a fascist, you're a this, you're a that, and then on the other side, it's you're an idiot, you're lazy, you're looking for a handout, and that's Cuck, the only way. Yeah. That's the only way we our little our little Cuck. mind can. <laughs> A cuck, yeah. <laughs> That's a great one. Oh, I hate so much, man. You hate that one. Hate that one so much. Like, I, I hated it more. Now I think it's funny. Like, if someone calls me cuck, I laugh every time. Because I know that, like, most of the time they're being serious. They think it's a serious insult to call me that. Whatever. I, but it's, it's, uh, but yeah, it used to piss me off. Cuck to me <laughs> is so far off target that it bothers me less. Like, if they called me, like, clown shoes or something, I'd be like, that just. That, that one doesn't really hit home. You know, I don't wear clown shoes at all. You know? <laughs> you know, like, well, it's, it comes from this idea that, like, some people, and I'm not saying you guys feel that, some people think that if you, that if you speak up for social justice or women's rights or whatever, it makes you... It, some people think that the primary motivating factor in that thing is that you're trying to get a hand job. And I think that that's a really unfair character, characterization of... Of people that sort of like certainly some people are typing out feminist stuff on Twitter to look good to girls, but some people actually believe it. Though. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. they're really trying to focus on that really specific group of like beta males that that they feel like are oh let me defend you, my lady. Did you let me come in here and white knight this and yeah. like oh you all norm all guys she's like a girl makes a Facebook post all guys are dogs and he's the first one in there. Woof woof. <laughs> like, you know <laughs> yes they uh. are. You see that too, man. You see, and and that behavior, that behavior is stupid. I don't know about stupid. It's it's cringeworthy. It's cringe. It it's feel very, bad. very cringeworthy. You see it all the time. But, I got yeah, called out for white knighting about two months ago. I don't. We didn't really talk about it on the show, but but here's what happened. Chaos Silencer started a new series, and this was the first video of the series, so I didn't really have a flavor for like what it was, and it was like. I forget the name. I gotta get the name wrong, but it was something like notable chaos. moments in COD history. What am I saying it wrong? So about unsilenced chaos. Uns- the- no, no, no. Oh. This was this was on his main channel. It's actually before chaos unsilenced, and um, it was something to do with like great moments in COD history. And, and the first one he brought up was the uh, the one v one that Wings lost against Syndicate. And <laughs> yeah, and I was like, man, I love Taylor's immediate number reaction. One. Yeah, that was the that was the first video he made in the series. So I perhaps it turns out wrongly assumed that the whole thing was going to be like one sore spot after another, like one embarrassing moment followed by the next. And I was like, and in the comment, I'm gonna try and get it right. It was something like, "Hey man, you know it's great to see." I hadn't uh, like kept up with him. He's over a million subs now, and I I was going for a compliment. I heard through people that it came off like an insult but i was like it's really cool to see like what used to be the jv team now leading varsity you know like this guy's got a million subs he's doing all these you know he's doing great on youtube and i was like but i feel like the the idea behind this series might be a little mean-spirited you know i know that wings doesn't like it when we talk about this and and now there's a whole video devoted to it and uh i got blasted for white knighting and my first response was like what me white knight like you couldn't be further from the truth and then i processed it and I was like, yeah, t- 
totally guilty of that. Like, I, it I wasn't def- white knighting though, because you weren't trying to get laid. That's what you, you think. Know? <laughs> 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 okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, was trying. Professor Joe here, pick painkiller already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I was, I guess, I was defending wings and and saying like, hey, the idea for this series is is mean spirited. It turns out, I, I forget whatever. I, I I looked at the titles and like the next three of them weren't mean spirited at all. It just got off uh, to a source. Yeah. To, 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 to I don't, the I don't think watch. of that as white knighting too bad. Like, what I think of is white... Like, there are, like Hutch said, a lot of people out there who just really think they're saying the right things and that they're being supportive. What's white knighty and just embarrassing, and people should not call them cucks. They should just leave comments like, holy shit, that was, that was hard to read. This is humili... You should be humiliated. It's when people apologize and it's always white men because those are the two groups that aren't bad to be a part of. Um, you know, oh, I'm so sorry for, for uh, on behalf of men, let me just tell you that you're 100% right, and we're just a bunch of dumb apes. And it's just, it's so, just so blatantly pandering and pathetic. Where it's like, do you think this makes that woman respect you more? No, it makes her kind of resent you, because now you're co-opting that little bit of hatred that she had toward a group, and not letting her use it against you, and so she's going to resent you for it. Like, that... The people you're appealing to in the first place with that kind of statement aren't aren't people you're going to convince. Like, it, it's I just... think a little, I think a little bit of white guilt is okay, even healthy. But like, if you live in white guilt, I, I you know, I'm not, I'm not. Here's the thing, though. No, like, I'm, I'm honest with myself. Like, I'm not saying that you guys aren't, and you guys know your truths and everything like that. But like, yeah, there's some guilt there, and and that, but that doesn't make me. That doesn't make me a beta or a cuck to acknowledge uh, see, uh, my predecessor. Like I, I my, like my 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 ancestors owned slaves, and when I think about that, I'm like, do you think? Oh, mine didn't. Oh, I I know they did. Like we we did a family tree, and we figured like, <laughs> you figured it out. You, you did checked the books. Yeah. Oh, oh I actually, and and, and it's like sad. something. Anyways, that's a whole different okay. topic. But like, no, no, that was interesting. So it was uh, something I, like, what? no, I, I don't know. That the only thing I know is that they were slave owner, the slave owners. They, or, uh, I don't know if they owned a plantation or something like that. I figured my family would have been much like more wealthy if that barn. was the case. But yeah, maybe something like that. I'm not sure. But the, but yeah. they what had did Kyle say? Like that. a uh, sale barn. They, they, the the the, the Hutchinsons were probably like principal offenders. They were the ones bringing the Africans in <laughs> and like, like literally putting the chains on them and like dragging them out and like bidding, you know, auctioning them off you know hey, bit, 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 five, bit, bit, ten. They, that, those are the hutchinsons i bet uh, 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 i've never I, looked I, back i, I, I want to do okay. that i, I want to do okay. that not just to know i really want to me i think it's okay i think it's okay to acknowledge that you have it a little bit easier than some groups there's nothing wrong with that I don't agree. I don't agree. Like, here's my thing, right? For starters, on the has my family ever owned slaves? On my father's side, it's really clear because both of his parents were immigrants. And he was a first generation American, so innocent. On my mother's side, we don't really know the history there. I, I like, I'm not. Maybe, maybe not. Probably not because I heard like one percent of people own slaves. But I've never owned a slave, and you've never picked any cotton. So let's move on. Like that. That's my thought process on this thing. And, uh, and well, it's a weird, a false equivalency of, you know, like if you know your ancestors owned slaves, I, I still don't think that the sins of the father should somehow, you know, indict the son. That that seems as inherently unfair. But like, what? Well, how would you say to like, like my family? I know we came here after that. Like they were in, and you know, Sicilians, people from Italy, they they were treated fine, I guess, not great right away. 
not, not, but like, I don't. We know the I truth about you people, guilty. just so you know. Like, like <laughs> me and Woody, like we don't talk about it much, but we know what you Sicilians really, really are. Just we're keeping sneaky, an eye on you. Do, 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 do you trust? Do you trust other other groups of people when they come forward and say, "Hey, listen, we're having a hard time in in this society around this one thing, and we think you guys are getting maybe preferential treatment. Can you take a look at that? Like, can do, would you trust oh, a group yeah. of people and 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 like and yeah, and, and honor and respect their point of view, or do you immediately dismiss it and say you're fine? There's no glass ceiling. Oh, I'd love to I, see guys. I'd love to see evidence. That's my thing. Yeah, what I don't want to hear is a lot of broad sure. broad generalizations. Like, oh, sure. it's so hard for me. I have to wake up in the morning and like go work hard, and then sometimes things don't go my way, and people treat me. I it seems that people are treating me unfairly, and I'm like, yeah, that happens to me every fucking day. Yeah, that's life. Sure. But sure. if they're like, look at these statistics. Look at the, the, look how this guy was treated versus how that guy was treated. I'm like, oh, you got a fucking. That's right. Yeah, let's get to the bottom of this. Like, like I'm not yeah. blind to that there are differences in society, but I don't want to take any of the blame for it. No, I'm not saying that you yourself should necessarily feel guilty. Like when I talked about white guilt, like I, the the white. When I think about white guilt, it's more of an acknowledgement that other people have a hard time because because they're not white. And you and I think it's okay to acknowledge that. I also, I also think that. You're right too, Kyle. I mean, like, like in hockey, you need to, you need to, <laughs> sure, yeah, hockey, whatever. You need to back, like, you, you should. There, ideally, there would be some facts or statistics or some like body of evidence or data to to help support your claim and to help other people understand why maybe you're a little bit, I don't want to say disadvantaged, but you have a little bit harder of a time in this country than other people. And of course, there's also the argument where it's like, well, now compare the United States to Saudi Arabia and then compare or and then try and complain about. This other stuff here, but that argument doesn't really like hold a lot of water. Yeah. That's the same thing. Well, the method the... to go forward with it is like what you're saying. Like, I don't immediately give respect and credence to an argument that I hear. Like, I'd like to know more about it. But you know, if they feel like it's not like a perfect example, like institutionalized racism is a ridiculous buzzword. Like, every I, unless you're a real racist, then you you really would like to get rid of racism. So, like, show me what institution is racist. Like, let's say there's a, a racist university that only lets white people in. You know, that's a racist institution. That shouldn't be allowed. Show me a golf course. That's an institution that isn't allowing Jewish people and black people. We need to fix that or do whatever needs to be done. Uh, but then that brings the whole argument of should you be able to tell a private business? Well, in a, who's in a free market, what happens is nobody want, no sponsors want their balls to be used at that racist golf club. Nobody wants to put their tournament at that golf club. The white guys are like, I can't be seen at at Three Rivers anymore, or like or White Rivers anymore, because yeah. you know, you know, like like my my boss is Puerto Rican. Like like, how would it look if I were up there golfing with all those whiteies and he has to go to the you know the public club? Yeah, the club. That's bullshit. The thing for me yeah. is like, I, I feel like I've I've been around, right? I've I've worked in Fortune 500 companies, mid-sized companies with a thousand employees, and tiny companies, and I've never seen the racism. I've been in hiring positions, and I. I haven't seen the racism. I, I, Hang I, on, yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. Don't I you have in that only white guys got hired. Dude, they would only. Uh, by the time I was hiring, only Indian resumes got to me. Um, that. Well, oh, okay. But can I can I interject and say how yeah. would you how would you know that? Uh, I, I want to be careful because 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 mm -hmm. I, I I don't want to say that uh, I think that white or, or black people can't be racist or Mexicans only I don't I'm not saying that only white people can be racist but how do you know what you're looking for if you've never even had that experience in the first place so like you might not even know what to look for when people describe 
their experiences with racism and your mind may, might not be able to connect with that and so the, the, your first instinct might be to say well that's obviously not racism because I don't understand it but unless you've lived your whole life in the shoes of people from all the all over, all over these places yeah. that come into the, the country it's even it's really then though us to say. Like, it's not to say that white people are incapable of observation we you know we're not dumb we can see what's in front of us just like everybody else but it's just a really awkward time in, in our country's history man i think this facade of unity is really kind of wearing off and like some the story that we all told each other about how you know all this stuff had been eradicated and there was just so much unity and Do you remember after 9-11 how patriotic everyone was and how everybody was red white and blue yeah that's understandable as, as horrible I, I, as that was don't you I, I mean i we're all the perfect age to remember that and to remember it well you know all of us remember that well it just seemed like everybody really came together and it was a really cohesive time and yeah. what we did with that cohesiveness was terrible in a lot of regards with in, in regards to iraq you know imagine if we'd taken that cohesiveness and been like and, and like upped our infrastructure or like took yeah. that trillion dollars and pumped it in like like hey free college for three generations let's just do that Energy america's gonna be this I, I, yeah any of those things the, the see the thing they have we, we've talked about like you know whether or not i see racism what i see and that i really dislike is this what we've been calling the victim victim olympics right you know they, I, I worked in a place and i see you know black guys get ahead not get ahead etc and it all seemed like yeah that kind of matches their performance, you know? Like, I would say that this is a colorblind promotion process. And on the other hand, like, I see a lot of people saying, I'm not getting ahead, therefore I'm a victim. And that I hate. You know, I would I'd much rather have an attitude of, you know, huh, how can I smash this down? How can I improve this? How can I succeed? You know, and um, that, that's not what I get much. You do, you do just as much damage to someone's psyche convincing them that someone else is oppressing them as you do by by actually oppressing yeah. when they're actually not as you would as by actually oppressing them i think in some regards because yeah, when you, you just, do you get used to this idea of some outside influencing the uh, soft sport, racism sport, of low expectations coming, right that's what we're talking about the soft racism of low expectations when when you say hey it's not your fault man you know dude, of course you're doing poorly in school you're black you know like uh, c's are good oh. for you you know that that is racist that Anton, Anton, Antonin Scalia was that? What's what was his first name? Antonin Ant Scalia, right? I believe that's correct. Yeah, Antonin, Antonin Scalia. Yeah. Shortly before he died, he came out actually and you remember that horribly racist shit. He's like, this is what this I don't is what, remember. Uh, this is what like when you said it a moment ago, Taylor, you said that you don't believe in institutional racism. It's become like a bite word or it's a, something that the pundits. Yeah, you have to state the institution in order oh. to be helpful. Otherwise, it's just nebulous and you can't nail anything down. Sure, but okay, but then. Okay, all right, never mind. I misunderstood what you said. So, but but uh, you had hit, you had Antonin Scalia saying that of course black people are doing poor poor in these nice schools. We shouldn't we shouldn't have we shouldn't be contributing to them raising their expectations for themselves. Let's just recognize where black people are at academically and put them in uh, their proper universities. We shouldn't be focusing on diversifying these prestigious institutions. And of course, people came out and they were just like, dude, what? What are you talking about? There's no evidence that suggests that black people are less capable than than white people. Yeah, of but course. When you when you, when you look at a Supreme Court justice saying something like that, it's really hard. It's for frightening. Me to say, There's no such thing as institutional racism. On the upside, when he has the he's level dead. Of power. He's dead. Yes, it's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah. So that guy, he was not my favorite justice. Um, not not yeah. a very progressive guy. No. Hey, are you pro Hillary on this thing? Where are you, Hutch? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's about, like, my response right there is probably about the norm when it comes yeah. to... <laughs> right? 
I feel like I will. Yeah. I feel I'll like support her indirectly. By it's like if your girlfriend comes in and goes, goes, "You want a hand job?" And you're like, "Yeah." <laughs> yeah, it's better than you're nothing. Like, better better than nothing, you know. <laughs> is it though? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you honestly like? Like, all right. So the the choice is. It seems like a binary choice. And I I've said a couple times I'd go Gary Johnson if Hillary weren't running. And that's just that's just how I lean. Not because of any of the social stuff though. It's 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 the other shit. It's it's a whole thing. Um, I, I, I but but it, I think I would I would actually vote. And I think most people would for like I don't know. Two or three guys who have to agree. I, I'm tired uh, of this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we should have like a, a, a three-headed dragon running things. Right, let's try that out for a while. Sure. I, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't want like some like evil Imagine, conclave how about leading this? the country. What if, what if you did all three of them? What if what if you had if it was Trump, Hillary, and Gary Johnson, and they had to agree? Two out of three had to agree on something for it to happen. <laughs> that's better that's than a, any that's other terrible idea. Actually, yeah, that like, would be good because like, nothing would get done. <laughs> it's, like, it's like what you have now between the, uh, the yeah. executive House, the Senate, and the... Yeah, like, Imagine yeah. the, the desk chair, like oh. Trump sitting in the middle, Hillary's on one side, and, and uh, Gary Johnson on the right, and they're just like looking at each other, like State of the Union addresses and stuff, they're all up there, they're just trying to get in the middle, nudging each other like... out for camera time. To finish Kyle's probably... analogy, like it, it's like your girlfriend opens the door and says, "Hey, you want a hand job, Hillary Clinton, or the mystery package?" I don't know. Yeah. She <laughs> might have AIDS. She might be a <laughs> you know what? It might just be a monkey who's gonna go straight for your balls. <laughs> That's door number three, Donald Trump. <laughs> I think I would it could even be a hand job. You know, <laughs> yeah. if, if if the balance, if the if the scales were tipped a little bit more in in terms of equality, uh. With regards or with respect to uh, campaign financing, like if the Green Party had more money, if the Libertarian Party had more money, this would actually be a race. But it just there's just no chance that they can win. And like 18 year old self, like Ralph Nader supporting Ron Paul supporter, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Like yeah, you know, fuck the system, vote for the third party. And as a 33 year old man now, I just don't. See is an 18 year old self hilarious and stupid? Mine is. I know that. Yeah, well, not very <laughs> hilarious and very stupid. Yeah, you're, you're talking about like, like picking the out guy. You know, like isn't Trump the most out guy in politics ever to run? Like, just nothing yeah. else about him at all. Just the yeah, the uh, I, I think so. Yeah, I th I would agree with that. But but that that characteristic alone doesn't mean anything. Like. Outside of the establishment, that could mean a thousand different things. Could so, be a bad thing. So, yeah. so, so, so when was a Hollywood actor. I mean, yeah, exactly. He was super. Only outside one example. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, and he yeah. kind of like represented the same sort of anti-establishment because he was running. He ran against Ford at one point, I think, and lost. What was it? What did he run against Nixon or or, uh, Ford, or Ford? He, Ford was in the primaries with him or whatever. So and um, and I think he offered his VP uh, to Ford at one point, but he was running against um, Nixon, right? And then Nick, yeah, Nixon got impeached or he resigned oh, no, and, no, no. And, uh, because of Watergate, and then Ford took over, and then I think Reagan beat Ford in the ne in the, in the primary after that. No, that's not true. I don't know how it worked out, but yeah. uh, he beat Carter to, for the presidency the first time. Yeah, he's a he's he is a super outsider, but but when I see Trump appealing to Bernie fans, I just find it so adorable and so just kind of cute. I think he does appeal to a certain percentage of them. He he's not saying he doesn't think he's going to lasso one hundred percent of them, but but if he can get like if he can get thirty percent of them to 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 and, and say to them, hey, look, 
You've been disenfranchised. You've been misrepresented. You've been lied to every step of the way. Uh, At least over here, you're still getting an outsider candidate who has who doesn't like the system. I'm anti the system. No, I probably don't feel the lean the same way as you on social issues or or uh, and, and I'm, or or uh, overseas issues. But like anything. Trump doesn't talk about abortion or gay marriage because I really don't think he has a problem with it. He's spoke out in favor of those things in the past. Perfect. So Trump lies so much that yeah. he is water that will form the shape of any bucket you want to put him in. You know, he'll tell you he's pro-life. He'll tell you he's pro-choice. Here in North Carolina, we have that HB2 thing. It's kind of a big deal. And he probably national oh, news, but yeah. especially yeah. local. And um, uh, Trump has come out and said, oh, HB2 is terrible and lets Caitlyn Jenner use the bathroom at, at Trump Plaza. Now he's for HB2. He'll be fucking anything. So that's point one. Trump has lied about every position or taken both sides of it. You're free to choose any quote yep. you want. The second one is this. It, he lies so much that normally this is a problem. And I forget who said it first. It might have been Bill Maher or Colbert or something. But he was like... Normally, like if you lay down on a nail, that's a big problem, oh, right? Oh, that's John Oliver, yeah. Was it John Oliver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that nail punctures your lung and you've got big issues. If you lay down on a bed of nails, then it's really not that big of a deal. And that's Trump. Trump gaffes every day. Every day. He'll do six and of them. Of, and a lot of his gaffes are not important. But the fact that he is... But the fact that he's doing them so much is important. But what's even more important is, is what came out recently where he... Uh, he asked on th three separate times in one hour with military advisors why we're not using nuclear weapons. I think at, at that point, if that doesn't disqualify him as a candidate for you. Well, all right, so, let, let's be clear. Is he to, talking about trying... ICBMs or is he talking about maybe some mini Here's, nukes we can shoot so, from artillery pieces? I'm up to speed I mean, on this one. I think the, the way I heard it is what he actually like, said is if we have them, why can't we use them? Right. That's what he asked. And, and it was two or three times in an hour. And. Someone Without knowing the context, policy would never ask that question, though. They would never ask that question because they're enough of an outsider. Because the thing about Trump is, like, if I had to pick between Trump or Hillary, I'm going to vote Trump 100% of the time because no more fucking Clintons, no more fucking Bushes. I don't want this almost like this pseudo king queen thing we have going on with the con the same fucking families. But he's, he's just an idiot. Trump should be winning at this point. He's had so many opportunities to strike, and every he time he, he misses winning. the mark. Oh, he's not. I, what yeah. I saw today is that he was down. I don't really care about that, but I'm saying he should be beating her. She's the most fucking corrupt politician to ever run. Literally a felon. Like, comes out on news all the time and will. And, you could say literally a felon. She's a felon. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I don't know what felon. She, she, she should can. be charged with a felony. I don't know. I if say. Literally She's, a felon is okay. There you go. She should be charged with the felony. She committed a felony. There you go. That's true. She committed a felony. Uh, and that's she did. She did. That's not what the head of the FBI said. He said he, the head he said of the FBI said that anybody else in the organization would have been punished if they had done the same thing. He was but clear he also, about that. So really the only... But he also okay. said there's no precedent for this, and any any prosecutor would take a look at the evidence, decide there wasn't criminal intent, and move on. That doesn't mean she should go to jail. Should she should she have been reprimanded? Sure. Like I agree with that. I'm not I'm not going to defend Hillary's ineptitude on some levels. Uh, you, but you know, you know but what, you, know. you know, don't ask me to be enthusiastic about my candidate. But but what what but what baffles me is when I see enthusiasm for Trump. That's the thing. No, like I can, I can understand like lesser of two evil, and I can understand a lot of other things too. But I have a hard time 
understanding yeah. enthusiasm. Oh, you're from California. Don't you want a wall? Because a lot of people probably think I'm, you know, in the tank for Trump. Like, it's what Hutch said, the lesser of two evils. If it were anyone else but Hillary, I'd probably, you know, I'm still pretty conservative, so I'd probably just abstain from voting. But Trump himself is a boob and an idiot. And I don't want him to lead this country as much as, you know, some people on the alt-right really think it's a good idea and that he's really going to change shit and he's going to really build a wall. He's not going to build a wall. He's he not might build that wall. I no, think he needs Look, look, I, I think he's... Look, I agree with everything you've said so far, but he might build that wall. Oh, he's, he's so not really building a wall. <laughs> not, there's no wall going. He's not going to deport any Muslims. I still he say he's... Build, he, well, he never said he's going to deport him. I, I think he's going to build that wall. No, he said... Well, he said not deport Muslims, but he did talk about deporting, like, illegal, like for, forming a task a task force and deporting all illegal aliens with, like, a 90-day window or something like that as soon as he takes office. Just absurd, happen. absurd claims. And when you measure the cost of life that would happen and the inhumanity that would go along with something that, like, imagine what that would look like. And if you, and if you support like that. the SS going door to door. Bring out your Jews! Hard not to label someone a sociopath if they're going to support something like that. You got yeah. any brownies in there? Yeah, there's a middle ground there. That nobody's really like there is a serious problem of border security that sure. needs to be addressed. But there's also a middle ground between that and oh, we're going to give it from fucking January, uh, February, and March, and by then, you know, tens of millions of people will just be back in Mexico to live forever because they sure. had a great time there before, which is why they came here. Like it just doesn't. It's illogical on every level, yeah. but. It's just such a bad decision between these two. I don't favor open borders or anything like that, but just but yeah, but, but but the but the anti-immigrant. Did you guys see the um? They, they came out. There was a New York Times or New York Post. They went. This 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 these reporters went undercover at Trump rallies all over across the country and just recorded people in the crowd. Did you guys see that video? It's like yeah. Uh, I saw is he that. the one that held up the sign of the opposing party? No. It just no. this is a video okay. that just came out yesterday or the day before, and it's mm -hmm. just just gives you samples of the kind of racist or like hateful shit that you hear at these rallies now hang on i i gotta so i've been to one of those rallies i went to see the shit show and i really enjoyed it oh, i heard about that i wanted to ask you about that yeah. too. yeah so yeah i look it was right in the middle of like the the the, the trump fever and i was like i gotta go see this shit this seems so entertaining because we're watching these these rallies on, on youtube went, and stuff I, I almost went too in california just out of curiosity because i wanted to be witness to that yeah we we me and my girlfriend we we uh we drove up to hickory north carolina spent the night overnight um because the doors open at like 8 a.m and, and we got in line at 5 30 a.m or something like that and there was a line of 100 people in front of us 5 30 a.m um, yeah, like Jesus. it's nighttime. It's nighttime. Like we're you're hunting. Star yeah, we're drinking Starbucks, standing in line, and the entertainment never. The entertainment started then, and it didn't stop until noon, because yeah. the protesters were showing up, the Trump supporters were there, and like the 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 T-shirt button salesmen were coming around with wagons full of stuff. Let me, let me ask you something. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Did you did you hear people screaming racial slurs? Did you see people? Nothing. You know, the you didn't closest, hear anything. I swear to God, nothing. The closest thing that could be construed as racism was there was about a 65-year-old white guy in the front row wearing an enormous decorative sombrero, the kind you see mariachis wear, and it just said Trump on it. It had a big <laughs> Trump sticker stuck to it. That was the closest thing. Um, I want to say I want to say that I'm not asking that because I think all Trump, not even close to all Trump supporters, are racist because I don't believe that that's true. But yeah. I do believe that he attracts a certain extreme. Uh, subset of racists. Sure. That I think that's definitely fair. 
I feel now, emboldened by his language. And, and now they had that reverence up there. Fault, Trump has this black um, pastor, pastor something or another. I don't know. He's this big, heavy set black guy who's very he conservative. At the he, he spoke at the convention was screaming, all lives matter. Yeah. Yeah. No. So that guy came out and he like fired the crowd up before Trump came because Fogg had delayed Trump Force one from landing in time. So we've been sitting there in like an auditorium packed to the gills for like an hour and a half. Like they got some chick from American Idol out there singing songs. Just she's just like, you guys like Bob Dylan? You know, like she's just like she's just like winging it. And uh, and and Pastor whatever comes out and he really starts getting everybody fired up. You know, he's he's firing brimstone, kind of like black preacher. He's great. He's 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 a good motivational speaker. But then he start, he goes, Bernie Sanders don't even believe in God. Y'all know that? Bernie Sanders don't even believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what that's oh. And Hillary! Hillary! Oh, oh no, 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 Hillary. I, let me hear. No Clinton! And the crowd goes, no Clintons! You Hillary. sound like you sound like Michael Scott from The Office impersonating Chris Rock. A black man! A black man! <laughs> well, yeah, no, but in this video, man, you can hear some, like, it's not the fact that these people exist that really bothered me. In the video, you don't see anyone, like, saying anything to him. You had a dude screaming out, like, I don't know if I can say, can you bleep it out maybe or something? Like, say, I don't know. You can say whatever you want, honestly. Yeah, knock yourself out. There's a guy, there was a guy, um, Trump said something, he starts screaming, and then he says, deport them all, get those fucking beaners out of here. Oh, I did no see shit. this. No I one around that. him said anything shit. to him. And I don't, that's what I don't understand. I could never imagine going to a Bernie rally or a Hillary rally or anywhere on the left and saying something like that without every, without everyone in the area turning in on that person and collectively shaming them. Like, now, what are you well, doing? Well, I don't know, because, like, like uh, did you see the one with Skill Rex that. and that, uh, what was, what, Kyle, what are the two guys' names? They became a meme. There was, like, Aid Skill Rex and Carl the Cuck, right? Skrillex. Did you? Skrillex, my bad. I'm not hip. Yeah, he's like long, black, skinny. Yeah. Hair. yeah uh, do you know this fun. video that I'm talking about, Hutch? Oh, what? so all right. So there's a there's a Trump supporter, and the Trump supporter is like the perfect Trump supporter. I think he's dressed in like a lumberjack flannel. He's handsome. He has a beard, and he just looks like a man's man. And he's reasonable, kind of calm, and he's asking like, "Hey, you know, what is Bernie's plan for dealing with ISIS, for example?" And they screech back at him, "You're fucking a white male, right?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm it's, with it's, you on that one. Okay, yeah. yeah. There are a lot of people in, in Bernie's camp that act reprehensibly, and I was embarrassed. To, like, I, I think I'm a, you know, I'm a pretty proud liberal in mm -hmm, a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, I would say I'm conservative in some <laughs> respects, but I'm pretty proud. And uh, uh, what, what were we just talking about? I lost the the cuck guy, about the reprehensible Bernie behavior on both sides. So yeah, no, no, yeah. So like, when you see that sort of behavior, it's like. Like, what can you do? You know, like that many people, when there's like 50 to 100 people, some of them are paid. Outliers. Some of them are paid to be there. They're not, they're not even there, like protesting out of their, like someone paid them to be there. <laughs> I'm glad and you yeah, said that. Like, it's yeah. really, it's really hard to, to police that sort of thing. But if it's one guy in a crowd screaming fucking beaners and shit, like, I, 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 I was really just, and it wasn't the only thing, man. You had, you had people wearing shirts saying like, fuck Islam and all this other stuff. Did you say anything to them? Yeah. Did I or would yeah. I? Oh, you saw it on video. video. Did you approach the guy and say that's not cool? He, no, 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 I wasn't a, there. At this the is a video he saw on the video. Oh, this is an. I thought you were talking about yeah. a, a rally you were at. So, so, so I saw that video too, and my my first thought was, 
obviously there's outliers in every subset. They're the guys who are to the far right of the far right. I'm I'm somewhere in the middle, I think. I, I classify myself as a libertarian. I don't vote libertarian because I'm a realist at the same time. Yeah, you uh, sound like a libertarian, too. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and so... Um, I, 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 I dig... Yeah, I took it as one. And, and so the, the, the way I see it is just that... There, so there's these guys on the outside. There's the racist shitbag who's going to scream racist slurs, and there's there's the guy who's going to scream, ah, you you don't even have an opinion. You're a white male. So those those guys are there. But you also mentioned the the paid protesters, and I definitely have seen the evidence of because it's photographic evidence that you would have the same guys who are like anti-Trump protesters that'll be at an anti-Trump thing will then go to a Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton rally. But then, like, put on their like disguise, like they're a Trump supporter, and do something really bad. You know, do something obnoxious, scream yeah. a racial slur, just to sort of smear his campaign. Sure. So, so I figure it's a when I see that video, I figure it's a coin flip as and to whether those, those videos as a whole, a like, flip, man. you think it's fifty-fifty, dude? I, you, I think I don't know either. That's nothing, why I'm like, saying. It, I think it's actually those videos are the best way to make yourself feel like you're 100% right are the ones where it's like, check out all these interviews from people at Bernie rallies or check out all these interviews from people at Trump rallies because they're going through and if they see a guy and they go, hey, why are you a big fan of uh, Bernie Sanders? And they're like, well, I think this specific part of his plan in regard to X, Y, and Z is really you know, based in his historical fact and we have a good chance of that being... They're not going to use that. They're going to use, why do you like him? I don't know, free stuff and weed, man. And then if they go to Trump and they go, why do you like him? And he goes, well, it's anti-establishment. I'm really tired of this borderline monarchy we have going on with the Clintons and the Bushes. They're not going to use that. They're going to wait for the guy who's shitty because they all have an agenda. When I, worry about the the editing rally, too. when I was at the Trump rally standing in line, um, for the, I would describe the, char- the crowd as like a Sunday afternoon church crowd like by their dress and demeanor. Like, like, being, like, like I don't go to church anymore, but as a kid I went and everybody's wearing polos, like button-ups. Or uh, like khakis, and it seems like uh, they all just got off from church or something, and they're and they're well dressed. Uh, I saw a guy wearing suits, suits and ties, and then there's casual dress too. There's t-shirts and, and jeans and stuff like that. But there was this one guy who was right behind us. He's maybe at 200 pounds overweight. He's wearing bib overalls with a dirty shirt underneath. He's got some sort of a skin disease, so that it's very peely and flaky and very bright red in places. His ears are peeling and hairs coming out of him. He's a very gross guy, and, and he's so out of shape that, you know, we were standing in line all morning, like three and a half, four hours, and he had to sit down literally in the gutter, to, and he was just like, just remember, I'm behind you. And I was like, cool, man. Yeah, yeah, cool, you know. And, and he is the one they pulled out of that crowd to interview. The, the camera crews, they're, they're look, she's walking around with her, report, with, her, with her microphone. She's just like, mm, respectable, respectable, respectable. That guy probably even went to a college. <laughs> oh, you, sir, in the gutter. Come over yeah. here. We want to be on live television. And I was just, I looked at my girlfriend like, I certainly don't want to be on live television, but I've got a paragraph in my, in my head right now in case they happen to bring the camera over to me so that I don't look like a boob. Because by standing here, I'm making some sort of a statement in general, I suppose, if you were to see me on camera. So I might as well say something intelligent while I'm here. I'm not going to look like a dumbass. But he got up and he was just like, well, I want to say hey to Karen first. Hey, baby girl. <laughs> <laughs> Trump 2016. All right. It was like it was WrestleMania or something. And I want everybody to know that The Undertaker and Trump is going into WrestleMania and they are coming out victorious. Trump Undertaker 2016. That's what I want to say. Hell yeah. And you're just like, oh, God. Why did they pick that guy? So yeah, the know. same way like respectable Bernie supporters at rallies probably felt when they were looking around and they saw, 
you know, dreadlock McPothead over there with this big hat with a pot leaf on it, and he just reeks, and he's got a way too big a t-shirt on, and they interview him instead. You know, like, that's, they all go into it with a little plan to smear him. Like, those, I've never watched a video that was on my, anytime I watch one of those compilations of interviews that's from my side of the fence, so further to the right, I'm always like, ha ha! fools i have it all figured out you know like it's just, that's what it's meant to do it's meant to confirm that you're already correct my uh my reaction to a lot of the articles and social media posts and news media outlet stories my reaction to that has given me a lot of insight into my personality this election season because it's so easy to fall into those traps you know those those youtube montage videos of all your your hated candidates worst yeah. moments it's so easy just to sit there and bask in yeah. the in the, oh, I've done it in the self-righteous indignation. I've, I've spent hours doing I that. I take it lightly. That, that's like, the West like, way. I do that now. I do that it's like now. masturbation. It's like, I give myself like five or ten minutes, and then I, I will I will set a cutoff point where I'm like, I, I'm done. Otherwise, I'm just going to sit there watching the same thing. Let me ask you this. Oh. Did you – because – so so maybe maybe because of your your standpoints and, and you know your basic knowledge of – anything watching trump at this point could be painful for you you could even be like oh, what is this bullshit how could i can't believe this but was there it was did you find him entertaining when he was doing all those hijinks to conservatives when he was making jeb bush look bad when he was making chris christie well, I, look bad um no, no? i can't say, like i i some stuff i got a kick it, out of it some stuff well I, I got a kick out of it. Some stuff made me laugh. So, so, the, so to answer your question, like literally, yeah. Like, but, but it wasn't like a laugh. Like, this is hilarious. This is a laugh. Like, this is absurd. Like, I, I watched every single Republican. That's a laugh. I, I watched every single Republican presidential debate. I watched those debates more intently than I did the, uh, the, the Democratic debates. And uh, when I watched all the name calling and stuff going on. Like, the, the biggest thought that I had was, like, okay, this is good for ratings, and yeah, it's kind of funny to watch it all happen. And sure, as a liberal, it's kind of gratifying to see the GOP sort of... Implode. Not, not imploding, but, like, yeah, potentially imploding. Um, but, then when I, but then when I really think about it and take a look at it, all I can think is he's really dragging this process down. You know, like, that, other, people, other people have to get down at his level. Marco Rubio tried to do it, and then a month later, it's like he's like... He I probably, messed up. Yeah, he fucked up, man. Like he might have really hurt his chances in 2020 doing that. And, Maybe uh, he had, but he had no choice. He couldn't have even competed if he didn't talk like that. And when I saw like him it. sticking up with Donald Trump for Do to Donald Trump, I thought to myself, I'm like, good for you, man. Fuck that guy. Um, and maybe it's no, just no, no. the liberal side of me looking for like, you know, uh, news that reinforces your own opinions. But the Democratic debates were all about policy. It was so much policy talk, tax talk, minimum wage talk, you know, it, it, globalization talk. And then you go to the Republican debates and it was all about like who can alpha who. Like what I, my takeaway was whose hands were bigger, whose dick was bigger. And, and uh, not, not to say that that was the only thing they talked about, but God, like so much of it was like, hey, this guy said that guy. This guy's a carnival clown. This guy's this. It, 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 I don't know. Man, the Republican debates were a popularity contest, and the Democratic debates were a rigged uh, policy contest. Uh, yeah, so it was, uh, I mean, with the Democratic debates, democracy. Though, it, really, it didn't matter at all what happened. No. Like, it, Bernie could have massacred her every single time. Same result. Like, the, yeah, I would be fucking, fucking I, I, 
I haven't watched them all, so that could be the case. I haven't. They'd watched have them. Fuck, They'd have fucking assassinated Bernie if he had <laughs> actually been been getting to the. He'd have mysteriously had a heart attack or a stroke, and he'd be fucking writing on well, a blackboard to communicate. I don't think so. If, if, if that was going to happen, it would have happened to Trump already, because he's. I think he's more of a disruptor than Bernie was. Hmm, uh, fair point. I, I yeah, I don't know. The that. Clintons he's, seem more likely to rub Bernie. somebody out than the Bushes. Bernie, <laughs> yeah. If you're into conspiracy theories from like right wing blogs, but like Bernie's, Bernie's, um, I write three of them. <laughs> I, 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 uh, yeah, the whole, um, yeah, the Democratic debates were really difficult to watch too because it felt like from the outside watching in that she was just getting crushed, but she has so much money and resources that there's just no competing with it. And then when you have the head of the DNC that just so clearly is biased in favor yeah. of her. Oh. That felt more like just the head. And as like soon as she got more people. voted out of the DNC, Hillary's like, oh, you know, you were my fall gal, so yeah, yeah. you got a yeah. new position well, in my organization. Three more yeah. people out of the DNC just resigned in shame, right? So it's yeah. not like it's just Debbie Wasserman Schultz. You know, it, it really went down the list. In particular, the guy who who brought into question Bernie's uh, atheism or, yep, yep. or he's out. alleged atheism, he was he's out. He's on the they list. were going to bring up that he was Jewish as though no, 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 he's not Jewish. Well, he's he's um, ethnically Jewish, but religiously he's a he's an atheist, or at least that's the what he probably. sort of hinted at. He yeah, probably. You know, he doesn't answer the question. He doesn't use the a word. That's not very intelligent if yeah. you're in politics and playing a big popularity con popularity contest. But you know, he, he uses that cop out. Oh, uh, I'm spiritual. Uh, you know, let's leave it at that. I'm spiritual. You know, Trump's campaign and, manager is bringing up. Uh, Obama's Kenyan descent and asking for his long-form college transcripts again. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up with the Kenyan Manafort? descent. Is that so, Manafort? I'm sorry? Is that Manafort? Paul uh, Manafort? Shit, I need to look it up again. I forget. I'm not sure. Well, he's, he's the, the manager, right? Yeah, some high-ranking Trump guy. Uh, he's just asking watched, for I that. Just, I just watched the White House Correspondents Dinner where uh, I just watched it last night. It's still so fucking funny. When Obama uh, comes out to, uh, I am a real American, and <laughs> and his his birth certificate is just pulsing on the screen. <laughs> he said, "Not only do I have a long form birth certificate, but I also have a birth video. Roll the tape, and it's the intro to Lion King." <laughs> <laughs> like, you gotta respect. He's got the gift of gab, man. Oh, I mean, he he does, he's probably dude. got a couple writers, right? Yeah, like, I'm sure. Like, but on. dude, Obama is gonna go down as a great president. But his, has. but his delivery is good. He's, it is. He's, yeah. he's, he's an excellent he's orator. He's the best since Reagan and JFK dude, for sure. Obama will go down as as one of the better presidents in history. I'm convinced of it. I, I like right now is the point where people look at him most critically. Give it two and a half years and they're going to look at Obama as oh man you know I wish we had him back now that's very possible if we don't find anything out about him but like what if like things start being declassified and uncovered and we find out that he did a lot of shady stuff that 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 really exacerbated things overseas and actually spawned ISIS on it and urged the 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 spread of ISIS what if we find things like that out little things like I read today right that what remember when uh, uh, our our uh, I think there were sailors were captured or taken into custody by uh, the Iranians, and then we, they immediately turned them over to us, right? Remember this? Well, it turned out Obama paid $400 million ransom for them, but That's he didn't use U.S. currency because no, that's didn't. against the law. No, he it's didn't. funny. This no, is what he... happens when you get your news from the not Donalds. I'm yeah. a, okay, well, then tell me the truth. What actually happened? Hutch, do you want to go? Do you want me to go? You go ahead, Woody. 
So in the 1970s, way back in the 1970s, the United States was going to sell arms to Iran. And then um, we just never delivered. Like they, they became bad guys to us, and uh, we had like an embargo, and and just didn't do business with them. But we freezed all these accounts, or froze all these accounts, and just kept the four hundred million dollars. Well, now we're working things out with Iran. It's a long time later. It was more than four hundred million. It was, and plus it was interest. They they had gone. Their it was exactly. Was, it was, I, their figure was as high as ten billion dollars, is what. Yeah. I, I, Let me lay this I, out. So it no. was four hundred million dollars, and then the Iranians are asking for it back with interest, and they're to them that's ten mil, ten billion now. That's what they're asking for, and the United States was like, no, 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 no. We'll we'll take it down to four hundred million plus one point three billion, so a total of one point seven billion. And uh, if you know interest at all, like if you do the math, we're not giving them very much interest. You know, that's from the fucking 70s. But there it was, 400 million. We just fucking stole that money from them from the 70s to now. And that's what happens when you... They, and we paid them well, back. So, well, let's at remember what happened in the 70s with the Shah of Iran and them taking all those hostages and them not turning them over until Jimmy Carter was out of office and Reagan took over and then they shit the bed and gave us our people back. Like, it's not like we just like went in, look at those shitty Iranians, let's take some money from them. All right, so we paid them that money back when, though? Just recently, I don't even know if they have it was, yet. But that, like just recently, was, go ahead, Hutch. That was deliberate. That the timing of it was was meant to coincide with the release of the hostages as a symbolic gesture. That's that's part ah. of the, that's part of diplomacy. But they did so, not pay four hundred million dollars for a ransom. They've never they've never done that. I don't think as a okay. matter of policy. Were they, they ever planning on paying? Can I this ask money back? why they? They okay, had been so, talking about it for months. They had been talking about it like... I was just asking. To, I don't know the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't yeah. either. So, I, I, so, I so clarify this for me, Woody. Do you know, is, is it true? Because what I read was that they paid them in euros, right? If was, so, why would that be? It was like three different currencies, and it's because, the, because of sanctions currently against Iran. They can't use American currency. So they kind of went around the law by using foreign <laughs> currency? Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I don't well, no, the sanctions are trade I, I, sanctions. I don't think I don't think that they had anything to do with like their ability to broker an agreement between each other. I don't think that that violated any sanctions. I don't maybe know. Maybe it did happened, violate the spirit of them. But what it sounds like anyway. to me is yeah. that is that we were, we found a very good excuse to give them a lot of money at the same time we needed to get some soldiers back. It's a, yeah, we've owed them this money since the '70s. Here it is, what 40, 40 years later now. And hey, you remember that. That that tab from forty years ago now seems like a good time yeah. to pay that off. And it's it's really interesting because there are a lot of people that think that Obama is under undermining our nation's security by trying to repair these fences with countries all over the world. They mm -hmm. think that it looks it makes America look bad or be have a position of weakness if we have to apologize for like dropping nuclear weapons and internment camps and things like that. But I I admire that sort of humility. I think it's important that America acknowledge our mistakes along the way. I think we should have dropped the nuclear weapons. Though. I don't yeah, think that was a mistake I, I, at all. I and, reserve and judgment. Like, like I, I got a whole thing about that because let me just throw these three little facts out there. So the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombs killed like less than 100,000 people initially off the bat. And then there's the cancer and the, the after effects that killed like another 30,000 or so. But if you look at what, what? was done in Dresden, no, no, no. in Dresden, yeah, it's less. If you look at what happened in Dresden and Hamburg and all the firebombings that took place in Germany and, uh, and, and, and in Japan, those firebombings where we would wait till the weather patterns were just right so that dropping incendiary bombs would create a firestorm. And they wouldn't just drop them at random. They would drop them in a very specific locations to create this firestorm that would encircle and consume the city, creating, creating convection air currents that would kill everyone. 
killed many, many more people with that. Civilian bombing was just a thing. No, no, yeah, we firebombed 50% of Japan before we even dropped those those nukes. And this was a country that was built off bamboo and wood, and so everything yes. just... Burnt. One, of the, one of the most brilliant weapons of the war, and, uh, and I won't say brilliant, but it fascinates me, they had these bats with, with uh, incendiary devices tied to their legs that they release over Japan. The idea is because of the bamboo construction of their homes, yeah. at, when, when the sun comes up, they'll roost in the homes, the time device goes off, and all the houses set on fire. Yeah, yeah, I wonder how well they back, work. Going back, to, going back to Obama, though, I don't, know, did he, I don't think he apologized. I don't think he said that it was a mistake. He did not apologize, and he didn't say it was a mistake. Only like conservatives sort of like saw it as a bit apologetic. I was okay with what he did, but I didn't want an apology. On him talking what? to our enemies, and like what well, you were saying, you're like, hey, I admire that Hutch was saying this. I reserve judgment. I'm down for it. Like I, I'm, I'm curious. I just don't know. I, I feel like it's going to take five years, ten years before we know whether this weakness was really a move towards peace, and now we have great relationships, or whether the show of weakness maybe bit us in the butt. We'll find yeah, out. Yeah, there's, there's, there's risk involved, but I think it's an important, I think it's an important topic to dis, to discuss. You know, this idea that that America isn't infallible and that we can make mistakes we have along the way and that we could like a hundred civilians in Syria last week. Like we're when, fucking shit up daily. Seven, eight years ago when he was running for office, they asked this question to Obama and they said, Hey, you know, would you be willing to talk to Iran? Uh, or maybe it was against McCain. Anyway, he said, yeah, I'd talk to him. And they came back at him like this was viewed as some sort of gaffe, you know, like, oh, look at this idiot. We got him on this one. He doesn't know yeah. foreign policy well enough to know that he's supposed to just not talk to Russia and Iran and all these other people. But he doubled down. He's like, yeah, I talked to them. This notion that we're not even supposed to speak to enemies, that we're never supposed to work things out, that we're just supposed to have embargoes and stay silent is not the way that he'll run his presidency. And it hasn't been. And... I'm down for it. We'll see how it goes. There's a, there's a difference between what he did and what Donald Trump is currently doing with Putin as well, where he's basically endorsing their acquisition of, what was it, Crimea? Yeah. Ukraine. Like, just completely just saying, like, well, it's there now, and they're not going to go. Like, what was that argument? I was heard a lot of them wanted to be part of Russia, right? Yeah. Well, then they you vote. You said that, Woody. I mean, and it does, don't, and it doesn't. But it, but it doesn't matter. Even if even if they did, and I don't know that, and nobody in this call, I, I would guess, really knows that. No. But uh, even if even if they did, it's still inappropriate. It's still uh, inappropriate isn't even the word. It's still criminal to expand your borders like that. You can't you can't just violate treaties and borders like that. I and I don't know why but, Trump has aligned himself with Putin like that. I, I I guess a lot of Republicans like Putin and his strong leadership because undeniably, look, look, you can love or hate Putin. You can't deny he's not a strong leader like that. He is. And, I mean, uh, I think if I think if you get Putin on your side, then all of a sudden at, at the UN, votes actually start going through. If you could separate Putin from China, I, I think so. so hmm. Putin, is, Putin seems like a real scumbag. He seems like he's definitely criminal. He's been robbing that government for many years. I've he I've heard all kinds of crazy estimates about he's the fortunes that he's amassed. Accused of you know, elections and rigging elections, killing, literally murdering and killing opponents. I've heard it's 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 billions and billions of dollars like, that he's set aside for himself like hundreds of billions yeah like enormous fortune that's what i've heard low um, hundred billion they like, i've yeah. heard that he is afraid of leaving power in anyone's hands except for a crony because he could immediately they could immediately say grab his assets take them away from him. he's afraid of that and that's why he's holding on to power so much but i do believe even though that he's he's a real shithead scumbag criminal despot leader 
man, it would be nice to have him at least in our pocket when it comes to dealing with Japan and the North China Sea, dealing with Japan when it comes to Taiwan and Japan and everything that's going on in that region. And Japan really seems, I mean, China really seems like what we should be focused on. I, 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 I mean, the, with the, from the cyber terrorism, this, all the all the uh, all the hacking, all the uh, the the entertainment. Uh, the Russians that att- that hack the DNC, though. It absolutely. Well, maybe. <laughs> I, I've heard it's the NSA. That's that. I, some uh, some guy who worked at the NSA thinks that they're actually the source of the leaks. I know nothing. Do I know guys, nothing. Are you guys interested in a non-politics topic? Yes. All right, Hutch. This one's on you. Okay. Have you seen the movie Inside Out? It's the cartoon Pixar yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. Oh, you... I love that movie. That's great. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So, Ooh, give me your core memories. What are the core memories that define who Hutch is and uh, and how he oh, reacts to uh, his day? Uh, so uh, now I forget. Are you talking about the core happy, core angry, core, or just or just the core memories? Just um, kind of general. I'm not going to ask that you actually categorize them. If there's four happies, I'll take it. <laughs> if there's four sads, because I, I, I did this exercise with myself and I'm not particularly good at it. But uh, yeah, some of the core memories like, that... So you're, talking, so you're talking about the ones that are like really formative experiences yeah. that really kind of shape your view of the world? Perfect. Um, oh, oh, before you go, for people that haven't seen uh, the movie, uh, there are these like core memories and they are things that have shit hutch nailed it they, they shape this girl's view of the world and in the movie she moves and forms all new core memories eventually uh but it, it just it shakes up how she deals with things and she goes wild uh, and happy and crazy so yeah the, the, the earliest memory i have is actually a a, a a sad one um i was don't ask me how I remember this. It doesn't make any sense that I remember it, but I vividly remember being three years old, and uh, my mom took me to drop off one of my sisters at at school. She was in kindergarten, so she was five, and I was like, I was three at the time. And uh, she she we walk in the classroom, and I I was a very social child. A very I, I've always been like pretty compulsively social as a child. I was always walking up to strangers and saying hi and giving my mom heart attacks in the process, but. Uh, but I walked up to this kid who was painting, drawing a picture and he was, it was just like there was a ground and a tree and a kid. And, um, I decided that his picture needed a sky. I said, this doesn't look right if it doesn't have a sky. So I just picked up a brush and started painting this blue sky on, on this painting. And this kid got so angry with me and, uh, and, and I was horrified. I'm tiny. I'm like three years old and this kid's like yelling at me. And I honestly think that, that that affected the way that I looked at how open people are. I think that was my earliest memory of really understanding that not everybody is friendly in the world or not everybody wants to interact with your you. input. Which yeah, is just yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why wouldn't you want to talk to everybody? Or like, why wouldn't you help you with this with this drawing? But that one that one I think like really I like really it. Give me more. Anything more current? Anything older hutch? I think like the stuff, the current stuff now, they're less like, less these epiphanal experiences, these burning bush moments, and more gradual realizations. So it's hard to it's hard to pick like specific memories. I don't know. You'd have to let me think about that for a little bit. Right. You know what I've been doing lately? So, lately, lately I've been thinking about like childhood uh, memories and like re rem- like like examining them with an adult's mind to try to work out what was actually going on and why things went the way they did. 
And and there's so many times where I'm just like, oh, what were you thinking? Or they, there was a I was thinking today, like like I drove past this spot where I hooked up with this girl when I was a teenager, and I remember that like things didn't go as far as they definitely could have gone. And I was thinking about like everything that went down physically, and I was like, she totally wanted me to bang her. What were you thinking, seventeen-year-old Kyle? <laughs> like, what were you? Thi- what did you think? Why did you think she was doing that and this and letting you do that other thing and saying that stuff? Like, she wanted you to fuck her. Why is it that the negative emotions stick out way more to me? The same thing happened to me too. That's a genetic response. Like it's important that negative things stick with you so that you survive them in the future, so that you learn that when that snake bites you, or or or, you know your your family member in the tribe gets attacked by the bear and mauled. It's important that that sticks with you for life. That you're traumatized by it. Well, that that makes sense. I fell down in the bleachers in seventh grade in front of fucking everyone. Seventh grade, not a very confident guy. No, I think about that once a week. Get out! It's it's, it's not a fear. Like I'm, I don't wow. see stairs and go, oh Jesus, how's this gonna pan out? Like <laughs> I, I just, I, why does that need to be remembered? So, Do you have Taylor, anything like that that you I think about? The, it? You the, have to go like, Ugh. just one second, Hutch. So Taylor, the question while you were gone was, um, you, you know the movie Inside Out? It's a cartoon uh, no. thing, a little girl and her core memories. Oh, with the stuff in her head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little uh, characters. So the question is, what are your core memories? I got a good one. I got a good one now. This one's All juicy. Right. So th- when I lost my virginity, I uh, I was responsible. Went to Planned Parenthood, picked up condoms. Uh, didn't. I'd never. I'd never put on a condom. Used a condom. Obviously, I was a virgin at that time. Uh, and um, I remember. Uh, I remember trying to lose my virginity, and uh, I was not using. I was not putting the condom on properly. Uh, or I was just so insanely nervous, but every time I put on a condom, I would lose my my, my boner. And this went on for, th- I was trying to lose my virginity for like three days. And it just, my, my dick just was not working with, with, a, uh, with this particular kind of condom. And so I became really convinced that I had like an early onset of erectile dysfunction. It became like a true... <laughs> It wasn't delusional because I had evidence. I'm like, there's yeah. something wrong. And and even when she went on birth control and we stopped using condoms and, and the sensitivity was a lot higher, the fear of having erectile dysfunction gave me erectile dysfunction for like a year. I'm saying one out of four times I tried Damn. to one out of four times I tried to fuck my girlfriend. I couldn't fuck her because my dick would not work. And then as and then like. As I got older and then into my like mid twenties, and then all of a, it wasn't all of a sudden. And then after some time, I became much more comfortable with with what I like and what I'm comfortable with, and like you know what excites me. All these other other things, the problem just completely went away. I don't I don't currently you know. Have um, you ever used I'm, Viagra I'm or Cialis or anything? No, 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 no. I, I oh. like that. I, I don't have that problem anymore. Like that's not. Uh, just, it's not a, people without that problem. problem. Not, yeah. Do it. Too. Yeah. So, so, so here's what here's the way I see it. Like when I I've got a I've got a Camaro. So when I go to the gas pump, I put 93 octane in there. And if I happen to be by the racetrack, I'll put 103 octane in there. I'll pay the extra couple bucks a gallon. I'll get the good stuff because my engine sounds good when I run it. It smells good when I run it. And I've got a few extra horsepower. So whenever I so I've got a prescription for sildenafil. And if it's going to be a long night, if it's a special uh, meeting of the minds, as it were, <laughs> I'll, I'll take uh, – how many milligrams do I take? I, I'll take 80 to 100 milligrams of Viagra, and oh, my God. Oh, you're you, a, you, if 
you, if you snort it, do you just get the most powerful erection ever instantaneously? I've or? never snorted no, it, but bloody nose. Yeah. I've never. What I have to, I've chewed them up before. <laughs> I've chewed them up before nose. to make them. <laughs> I've chewed them up before to make them kick in fast. But I've I have a question. Them. I have a question about about those pills, because I because I because I've wanted to try them, and if I had one in front of me tonight, I would, hundred percent try it and bang it out with. Anyways, she's gonna be home soon. I don't think she would like to talk about like that. But uh, like, um, so when you take these pills, okay, does it make your dick hard? And then like, okay, so sometimes if I have sex or if I masturbate or something like that, like even after I come for like a minute, two minutes, it's still like full mass sometimes yeah. for whatever yeah. reason. But if I try to have sex when I'm like that, there's not a whole lot of sensitivity. I got to give it like 20 to 40 minutes, like recharge my jets. When you take those pills, does it still feel good or is it just you, you're just rock solid and you can just so the, go. So you still have a refractory period. Um, but the difference is it's not at like it, you're maintaining 100% full erection and it won't go away if you keep going at it. Like if, if, if you come and then you don't you, – you like go back to foreplay, for example, and just let that go on for a while, you're good to go and 100% in like 10 minutes, I would say. Like, like, and, it, and, and the sensitivity is back. Um, my thing is that like, I don't know if, if in the middle of a sex session, like somebody needs to go pee or something like we're not going to need to warm things back up again at all. Like, like this thing is staying hard as long as it needs to stay hard. Um, but it's, it's never been what I thought it was when I was a kid in high school and like Viagra first became a thing and they're like, yeah, you get like a four hour boner, can't get rid of it. Let's give somebody some as a joke. It doesn't work like that. It just makes, uh, you know, if you if you think it's some dirty thoughts or if you see something that turns you on, you, you get an immediate and more powerful than normal reaction. And like, I don't know if you're. Here's what I, I'm going to do. I will do this for the for the show. I think I'm going to. I've got a very nice scale. I'll weigh my erection off the 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 Viagra, and then I'll weigh my erection on it, and then we'll figure out exactly what we what we got there. I don't think I would, that would I'd work like though. Because, <laughs> I don't think that would work, man. I think your boner would be pres- pushing on the scale and like. Well, I'm just gonna lay it on top. Oh, I see. You're gonna, gonna push up on it. That's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna lay my co- like. This is the, you're the going top to, of the scale. You're gonna measure its gratifi- gravity defyingness. It's weight. How much the blood in my dick weighs. How much more blood is in my dick when I'm on the the Viagra. I just feel like in that situation, that's what you're, it's attached to your belly you know like how can well, you yeah, weigh I won't, it? like pull down on it so my fingers attach my hand but like i could weigh my finger without pushing down i don't think you can yeah but what you All can right, do is the opposite test in clearly I, I, now i like the way you're thinking you'll get some sort of graduated cylinder dip your chunk in there see how much water it displaces no, with and without that won't be accurate enough first we have to take a cast and a mold <laughs> that's how, how Arthur <laughs> measured his cock yeah. <laughs> he, well, he was uh, Bragging to all the other uh, sophists about how much he displaced, but I just yeah, I'd like, like to try Viagra then if it doesn't just give you a boner that you can't control. Is it hard to yeah, kick? Not... You just go to a doctor and just tell them you have ED and they'll just give it to you. I went to my doctor and I, what I literally told him is, "Hey, I've I've got like three girlfriends. I'm having a lot of sex, um, and I cannot go three times a day with 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 these girls without like some serious mental gymnastics." And uh, I was like, I want some Viagra. I, I don't, I don't want to be sweating this because when you're like focused on, like you said, you can get into your own head if you're worried about it. If you're like, all right, all right, here we go, here we go again. Dude, don't I mess li- this up. Don't mess I, this up. I lived in my head, dude. I lived like I would, I would just feel my boner going away, 
and all this self <laughs> hatred just brewing inside of me. It turns you <laughs> off, and now you're not thinking about yeah. the sexy moment anymore. You're thinking about failure, yeah. and and like what will become? You know, what was she? What is she gonna think? Is she gonna think she's not pretty? Is she gonna think that I'm not a man? That I'm that I don't think she's pretty? Like what is she gonna think that this means? Because we know that women are terrible at interpreting like oh they're uh, the fucking worst the, when like, like you know we'll say something that really means oh, i had a bad day and they'll be like i'm ugly like, <laughs> what if a guy what loses his if a guy loses his boner and the girl starts going on a is it me thing it makes you feel so much worse you're just like can we just stop talking about this? Like, if you if we just stop talking about it for ten minutes, I'll probably be fine. But the yeah. more we talk about this, is the more. And then like, you have to like sit there and talk to her and convince her. No, it's not yeah. you. As you got a flaccid dick. I just have a disorder. That's all. It's me. No, I'm fucked I would, up. I, 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 it turns just, out okay. I didn't until what was it? Fifteen minutes ago. You know, like. <laughs> Hey, but I, yeah, thought of, I thought of, I thought of a good core memory. Go I don't on. know if we were on that topic, but uh, uh, um. Uh, I had a Spanish teacher in, in high school. I, I took Spanish my freshman year, didn't get very good grades. Took Spanish 2, didn't get very good grades. Took Spanish 3, didn't get very good grades. But my Spanish 3 teacher pulled me aside and said, hey, listen, it doesn't make sense to me because when you participate in class, you seem like you have a really good understanding of the language. You seem like you like to speak it, uh, but you got a C plus. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to petition that you go into AP Spanish 4 and you know and learn at a higher level because i think you're capable of doing it no teacher had ever said that to me before ever like i, I had always tested really high as a child but my marks were not very good i just you know add call it what you will i have no idea but uh no teacher had ever done that to me or, or, or for me and then the next year when i took spanish for there was only four of us in the class and we had this thing called baccalaureate at the end, end of the year where they would give out awards for each class like basically there was honors and highest honors first and second place in each class and um one person got highest honors and the other two people got honors and i didn't get anything and there's only See? four people i was really <laughs> bummed i was like fuck and then he like and then he looks at me and he goes now you come up here and he goes uh and he gave me a, a really really nice spanish to english dictionary a beautiful beautiful like what do you call it it was beautifully crafted Bound. and he's and when I when I opened it, he said, "You didn't think I'd forget about my most improved student." And that that lit a fire under me, and it ended up being the reason why I I can speak Spanish pretty well now. I pursued it throughout college. And doesn't that mean the most when someone says something like that to you? I so I was um when I was well, in this I was I was doing this trip in Texas, and I was with my friend Matt, and uh, we're on his ranch. And uh, when when lunchtime came, we'd go back to his house, and he's got two little boys. They're like maybe five and six, six and seven. And he's got a girl. His wife's pregnant with a little girl. She's gonna have it any second, literally. And uh, I don't eat lunch, but they're, they're all eating lunch in there. And I'm 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 listening to them talking, and uh, and I was just listening to what he was saying to his son. He was he was like Kelly, Mr. Johansson said that you answered the door the other day at grandmother's. He said that you were very well behaved and very well spoken. That makes me real proud of you, Kelly. And Kelly goes, thank you, Daddy. And I was just like. Like this, this hearing that in the living room, I was like, I hope that kid remembers that forever, because that was such a cool thing his dad just said to him. Who like, would have thought FPS Russia was such a softie, huh? Yeah, yeah, I like kids. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've always said, I, and, and I think Woody has too. I, I'm a good uncle. You know, I'll hang out with some kids for a little while. I just don't want any responsibility. I'm a, oh, like, I'm a fucking great uncle, dude. I am. I take pride in being an awesome uncle. But yeah, I'm not in any hurry to have kids. I'm 33 years old, and I. I don't think I want to have kids right now. I don't know if I'm that's the same. A, You're I'm a goddess. Time is unlimited. You know, you yeah. could 
decide at 51. 75, whatever. The you know, Donald Trump's got a little is, toddler himself. If you're responsible for your kids, which I imagine Hutch would be, then uh, you have to kind of look at your end date. You know, when do you stop taking care of kids? 22, maybe? You know, so if it were hypothetically today, he'd be looking at 55. If it was hypothetically well, 10 today years from now. Well, today it's 22. If yeah. Hutch has a kid right now, that kid's going to need help. Well, I mean, you know, that generation of children are probably going to need help in the 30s, right? But I'm you 30. You also don't want to be that dad who d can't even do shit with his kid. You know, like there was a kid in my oh. age whose dad was who, when he was my, we were 12 at the time, and his brother was 44, and his dad was 76. Shit. And he was a complete mistake. <laughs> like t total accident and he even knew it because it's like you think my dad wanted a kid at like 64 no of course not I i'm just here now like so he couldn't do anything with his dad like he just he's, he's like john snow he's a real bastard man. did you yeah. do stuff with your dad taylor did i what like it, I, I hear this story and i think well, my dad just worked all the time like Oh, well, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered if he was 300. He didn't do shit with still, me. <laughs> he worked all the time, obviously, but we would still, like, he'd take me to hockey practice, and we'd play street hockey in the in the driveway or whatever, and we'd go in the yard and build shit. And, like, so we did stuff like that. I remember like, I was on the t-ball team as a little kid. I don't know whatever age you play t-ball, seven, eight. And uh, I was the only kid on the team that would strike out in t-ball. If people oh. aren't familiar with t-ball, there's a stand <laughs> that holds the ball still. You just put it on there and you hit it yeah. maybe and you get like a little bit of movement on the wind but not not enough to strike out. no yeah. think no. golf think golf but the tee is about five feet or three you've feet got a bat off. yeah <laughs> that's right and uh and i didn't know it, like i didn't know anything first of all i faced like the players in the field you know when you bat you kind of line up sideways and hit not me i lined up forward and tried to hit right and um <laughs> no, yeah i couldn't throw i couldn't catch and, uh, and I would strike out. Now, sometimes if you hit the tee hard enough, the ball rolls forward slightly. But I didn't uh, know the rules the well enough. It, like, <laughs> do you run forward this time or not? It always felt random to me. Sometimes they'd have me run to first. Sometimes they'd say, no, that's not good. There's like a small area in front of you, I guess, the ball needs to pass. But I didn't get that. So, um, you know, so the they would, they'd the be lines. like, run, 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 run. And it's like, how am I to know if this is one of the run misses or the not run misses? <laughs> there are like, a lot of failures in your baseball training. And, and the coach <laughs> is probably, you know, suspect yeah. number one. But, I mean, you're, you know, your dad probably should have gave you some pointers or at least sat you in front of a Mets game or something. I feel like oh, he I, took me out there I, one time to, like, teach me how to hit. And uh, I don't remember how it went exactly. I, I, I didn't get any better. I know that. Yeah, clearly I, trained in the, <laughs> I trained in the backyard for years to, be, to throw a baseball and to hit a baseball and to fucking like, pull a double play from shortstop because I played shortstop for a while and, and just arm exercises. And that, that was my oh, bread. Oh, that's right. You were a real baseball player. I, I played no, baseball. I, I wanted to be a real baseball player and so did my dad. And uh, we, but it wasn't one of those things where like he was pushing me. I didn't like it. I loved it, you know. And mm -hmm. and and but but like I remember playing football though, and it was the opposite. It was what you're talking about because my dad had no interest in football. I had no interest in football. I don't even know why I was fucking there. And I remember <laughs> play after play being on like being on like defensive line or something, not knowing what was going on. Like Dude. they would, I'm just in the stance, and you know everybody goes. Rrr! And everybody starts pushing pushing each other. So I'm just like, 
I'll push this guy, yeah. And I, I, had the, I had the same fucking experience, man. I played baseball for 10 years. I loved it. I played basketball for a little bit too. I wasn't as good, but but I signed up for football freshman year because all my friends were doing it. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like fun. And and I hated it. I, 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 I lined up. like I didn't pay attention during practice. So I didn't know what the fucking what position were you? I don't even know. I think I was a tight. I was a tight end. I think I was a tight end. You've got and that I, build, yeah. It, no, they put me in as a tight end, and 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 I fucking lined up as a linebacker. Started one of the plays, and one of the the offensive coaches screaming at me from the sidelines. Hutchinson, what are you doing? I don't know. I don't even want to be here right now. And then he, and then he, they they put me in another game when we were up literally by like. 50 points and they were like fine we can put we can put hutch in and um i a play started going i just started running and avoiding conflict because i didn't want to get hit and the two running backs on my team behind me one of them was running lead block he pushed me as hard as you can push someone from behind and laid me out because i was in the middle of their lane <laughs> he, blocked, he blocked me it was fucking Humiliating. <laughs> I just remember to being be blocked in practice. by your own team. Oh god, it was oh, horrible. I just remember being in the first football practice with pads and putting the helmet on, and within three minutes having the most intense headache and cranial pain because <laughs> it's crushing like the sides of your. I don't know. Maybe I, they 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 told me this was common that you just get over it. and I did eventually like eventually it just stopped hurting yeah. but but something about it squeezing your head is giving you yeah. a headache and it was excruciating and I just remember thinking as I'm like we're doing that thing where you like stand in place and like 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 do like high knees and then you drop to the ground all, all the way flat and then pop back up and like do it again we're doing this rapidly in the hot sun all day and I'm just like this is awful this is uh, the worst played, thing i've ever done i played midget soccer as a kid and again like i dude you're probably pretty good no no i wasn't I, I i felt like i could have been good with a little bit of coaching uh, the coach was our next door neighbor's dad and like so i played midfielder and there's a spot where the midfielder's supposed to be. They would midfielder. always yell at me for being out of position constantly. You know, like, what are you doing? Out of position, out of position. But I didn't know where he wanted me to be instead. So he'd just yell like, Woody, you're out of position. And it's like, all right. So I would just like go to different places until like I, they stopped yelling at me because I didn't know where the right position was. Until the, a, yeah. the, the last game. He breaks out this clipboard that has like a soccer field drawn on it. And he's like, these, this is the area you're supposed to be in. And it's like, fuck, it's been two years. You didn't tell me that over the last yeah. two years. It didn't yeah. I needed 10 seconds of instruction and I would have I been in position God, all the that's time. That's so true. Our coach was such a numbskull. And I remember it because literally like, like my parents told me like in private and told me not to say anything about it. She's like, the coach is a little off. Um, he got hit in the head with a baseball bat a few years ago. And we all knew it was a thing that the reason the coach wears those really thick glasses is because he got hit in the head with a baseball bat a few years ago. And it was like a Gary Busey scenario where he was ah. just a little off kilter now because he scrab scrambled his brains. So, like, I remember literally, like you said, in, like, the last game of the year, I realized that I should be trying to get the quarterback. Like, guy that they keep <laughs> handing the ball to who's been throwing it over my head, you know, and I'm, like, trying to catch it or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's keep away. Uh, like, like... I should be trying to get him. And, and I remember getting back to the sidelines and being like, am I supposed to be getting the quarterback coach? He's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the only thing. You, the ball, you're supposed to be going to the ball. And I was like, oh, 
oh, okay. Well, I got it now. He's like, it's the end of the year. <laughs> like, well, well, but you know, you know you maybe said next year. I was going to say, it. it's his responsibility too, man. Like, it's yeah. a two-way street. What, were we supposed to read a book on football? Like, what was their plan exactly? No formal training. Such, such a shitty coach. My dad coached our Little League. He, t- mm-hmm. he coached my t-ball in, like, my first year of Little League when I was, like, I don't know, 10 or 9 or 11 or something like that. He was a great coach. There were a lot of, like, there were a lot of black kids who didn't have anyone to take them to practice. And me and my dad would every afternoon go, like, house to house and pick up all the kids who didn't have someone to bring them to practice and he'd always buy buy everybody food and drinks and everything and uh, it was a good experience for me growing up playing baseball you know um just real quick because i'm gonna i gotta go in about 25 minutes and you said something before is it okay if i um are we still talking about sports sure sure well no i was gonna i was gonna change the subject if that's okay oh oh, no no go ahead yeah feel free well no you you said something a minute ago about uh well he would be 55 now but you basically made this uh, a reference to how our generation is 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 softening up in some ways, um, or, or uh, not necessarily that it's because of them softening up, but because of a lot of factors. Now, yeah, at, at this point in history, like you're more likely to be at home at 25 or even later than yeah. you would have been 25 years ago. Well, what I wanted to say, I had a conversation with a, a, a few friends like a couple months ago about the topic, but I think it's an interesting one. But this idea of the older generation complaining about uh, uh, about my generation and, and millennials, I find it to be one of the most laughable things that's out in culture right now. When you take a look at how much more economic stability and security that generation had and how much better they had it than us in so many different respects, and then to look at what's happening now and to, to blame it all on this this supposed shift to a more lazy culture, I think is just completely short-sighted. Now, the flip side of that is that there are a lot of young, like you see it in college campuses now. Like the, some of the behavior is really childish, and and um and and unbecoming of an educational institution like that, such as that one. But to blame it all on 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 culture or somehow suggests that we're all becoming pussies. Like I have my own lazy generation. Like like so, my generation, Gen X, right? Um. Which used to mean I, young. I think I'm Gen X too, right? Or am uh, I Gen? I think you might be Y. Um, but so my generation, uh, they called us lazy. That was their thing with us. That they, 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 lazy, lazy, lazy. So the, the slacker generation is what they called us. And perhaps compared to the one before us, you know, that at the time the the term yuppie was coined, right? And everyone was like trying to make their money on Wall Street and driving their BMWs, and you know, greed is good with Gordon Gecko. Like that was the parents when my slacker generation uh, came to be. After that, it was this arrogant generation, and I felt like I worked with a bunch of them. You know, they, they came into the office having always had the internet. You know, they were perhaps more savvy in some ways with regards to like social media and, and the internet than um than you know the people that they were working for. And then comes this generation, and my knock on them isn't that they're, um, and I think it's a broad perspective. It isn't that they're slackers? It's that they're victims it's that they don't take responsibility for the troubles that they have you know i hate hearing the economy is bad fuck you dude the economy is incredible right now this is what good looks like if you're just coming into the workforce now and you think that this is a shitty economy you haven't seen shitty economies yet and you won't like it 
This is what well, good it's is. Not, it's, it's not just about unemployment rates. We're talking about interest levels. We're talking about the cost of college, cost of living, oh, cost of food. With the exception of, of the cost of college, cost all of those things are great, right? Like cost of food is not at an all-time high. Interest rates are very low right now. Um, so, unemployment oh, wait, rates oh, are very low you, right when, now. When you, but when you compare our prices to the prices of someone that grew up in the 50s or 40s or the 60s, after that, after that, after that uh, economic boom that happened after World War II, there, there, as far as what you could get with your dollar was way, you had way more options back then than you do now. The cost of a car, way more expensive now. Cost of college, way more expensive now. Cost of houses, way more expensive now. Even when you adjust for inflation, I'm not saying the economy. But you're getting is like, different things, right? Like right the, now, a but, car now. If a car doesn't go a quarter million miles now, then you know. It's it's garbage, right? Back when I was a teenager, you, you trade in a car with forty thousand, and they tell you that it's done. That this car doesn't have much life in it, right? Sixty thousand miles, and it probably actually was done. You know, way back then. Now, they, like things are way better. They say houses are more expensive. The median home price is higher. Houses are huge now. They're much better. You know, if you get some house that's built in like the 1940s or 50s, that thing is probably two bedrooms with no air conditioning. And it really depends where you want to live too. You know, if yes. you live in a metropolitan area, yeah, house, houses are so expensive. Look at, at San Francisco. It's shocking what, mm. what, what a small apartment in San Francisco right. costs. Now, three I'm not grand. I'm not proposing three grand that for like a tiny little studio a month. I'm it's, not proposing that where I live, which is kind of off the beaten path, is ideal for anyone or everyone, but you could get a 1500 square foot house here for about $40,000. If you if you if you're a basic carpenter and could do a little fixing up and knock another 5 or 10 but, off that. But, but regardless, when you look at what someone spent for a house in in even if they're even if houses now are better and and, and worth more for obvious for obvious reasons, okay, yeah, but but the point is is back then you could you could you could go to a you could go to a bank and get a loan for like 20 grand the equivalent of today, like twenty to fifty grand, and buy a house, and you you just cannot. Get, well, I don't, I'm not sure about the specific numbers. If someone was on the Google machine and they could figure it out, the, uh, I, I I have done like a little bit of research, but not like going to the library. It's just literally just wasn't the. Uh, and I'm just jumping in, so I don't know. We're, so, we're talking about we're talking about uh, older generation looking at millennials and accusing them of being lazy. And I was making the point that they're not acknowledging how much better off. They were uh, economic, economically than we are today, and how much oh. more they could get by on with with much much less. I think, I think that's 90s. a very that's a very fair point. And also, like if they had Twitter and social media and the internet when that generation was young, I bet the older generation would have noticed all the bitching they were doing on social media. So really, it's just more apparent that our generation is complaining because it's so uh, easy to put it out there. Well, and there's so, two hmm. there's two particular periods of time that I can think of, you know, that, that were just so easy to live in. One would be the 90s. It, like, like, it seems like if you were, especially if you were uh, uh, it, into guy. anything that had to do with a computer, any, uh, you know, anything that had to do with the peripherals of a computer or the internet or electronics, it seemed like you were doing great. But then until you go back bubble, to post... Until that bubble burst. Of course, of course. Yeah. But then you go back, but like, what if you raised your family from 1990 till to 2000? What if those 10 years were the the hard years, the the years where you had to buy house, car, and put some kids in college? Like, ah, that that would that would be real nice. And then going back to post World War II, man, those people had a myriad of advantages, right? First of all, most of the world except for us is in ruins because we put it that us and our friends did it to them. But even our allies, like the English. They they were getting bombed the whole fucking war over there with V2s landing in their backyards and bombing runs. You know, 
here on here on mainland United States, nothing happened. Of course, the, the you know the Japanese uh, uh, went to the Aleutian Islands, but that doesn't fucking count. So, and we've got this huge industry where we've been making these bombers and tanks coming off the assembly line constantly. It's yeah. already set up and running. The infrastructure's there too, and all the men come back with a GI bill. It was a perfect storm for a booming, never be seen, never seen before economy. And then they all had like six, seven kids, and you know, and ruined social security. It's, it's pretty. It's I, I just think it's an interesting topic to touch on with this. I don't this know. Culture. I, this culture clash between the older generation and the, and the newer generation it's, right now is... It's, it's always been there. But I'll tell you, like, do you remember the, the chalkening? Do you remember the chalkening when the kids wrote Trump on the college sidewalk in chalk? And, and they're screaming about how it's not a safe space, how that's a racial slur. Oh, do you remember yeah, the no, girls no, no, in... That, 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 oh, I hate her. That girl at Yale, true. right? Who's staying in a fucking dorm with the Steinway piano and a media lab full of computers to render their shit. And security guards blasting this Yale, uh, whatever he was, a director of something Professor, or other. I don't okay. think he was actually a teacher. I think he, he was like, Dean. whatever he was. And she's blasting him like, your job is to create a safe space. Oh my uh, God, you pussy. Like, you're safe. Your, your place is pretty freaking safe. And you're screaming at him because what? There was a Halloween costume you didn't like? Like, no, this, this uh, is a real thing. The kids now are using their victimhood. Not all kids, don't get me wrong. But there are people using their victimhood as a position of strength, right? Do you realize I'm offended? Do you realize that, that this is not okay? And they, they are cry bullies. And this is a thing that didn't exist before. And it has come into existence. And I swear it's one of the reasons Trump is doing well. Because Trump is anti-cry bully. And there is a, like a lot of people in America who are like, oh, anti-cry bully, anti-political correctness. Like, I, I like political correctness in that it has an attempt to be nice, right? Sometimes when you throw away political correctness, you're just being a jerk. And that's not where I aspire to be. But... You know, when you when you start bowing down to cry bullies, you've gone too far. Yeah, there's a difference between not being so on the nose that you offend people at every turn. And there's nothing wrong with offending people. You go ahead and be offended. There's nothing wrong with that. You should be offended every now and then. It feels good. Get your blood get your blood pumping. Yeah, I, I like to get offended every now and then. That's why I watch MSNBC. And sometimes but, sometimes it's good to be offended too because it, it it might change your perspective. All of a sudden you might you might reflect on that on that uh on that offense. You might realize try, you white knighted. <laughs> you might realize that you you were wrong, or you, you you might your 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 point of view might evolve. I've had that happen where like I'll get like massively triggered when I see like a tweet or something like that. And I'll be like, and like you know I'm good about containing that more now. Like you, you know I don't think I'm as emotional on Twitter or anything like that. But but um but yeah, when you see these kids at college, you you know it is a problem on college campuses, and you do, you have to be blind not to see it because there's evidence of it all over the place. It's the people. reason comedians won't do colleges anymore, or most yeah. of them won't. It's a know. problem, and I'm I'm really with you guys on that one, and I, and I'm sympathetic to people like Milo, even though at the I fucking hate <laughs> him. I'm still I'm still sympathetic to people that that drift towards him, and I get it. I understand when you look at the alternative. Milo is actually pretty fucking appealing in a lot of ways. We and, had him on this show. He was he was a blast. He was really had funny. Milo on PKA. He yeah. started going. Yeah, I was I was really enjoying him like 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 most of the way through the show, and then he started talking about his strong religious beliefs. You know, he's a Catholic, uh, yeah, he's, and, and it just didn't mesh with the rest of it. And I was just like, huh? He says some stuff, man. Like he him and free speech is like an interesting conversation because it's like 
and and free speech just alone is such an incredibly complicated topic. It's it's people think that just because you can say something, you should, and you're right to say it. And I just don't think that that's the case. And people like Milo, it's like he says some stuff that is undeniably compelling, especially with regards to his criticism of the left in college campuses right now. He's he makes some really compelling arguments, and and it's impossible to ignore them. But then he says some other sh- then then he does other shit like taking pictures of people in the gym. And fucking fat shaming them on Twitter, you know, like that shit. Mm-hmm. I, I think like you are going like way too far, man. And I get that your base thinks that's funny and all the, and all that, but you know where I'm stuck. Yeah, I don't like, like that. God, you're just you're surprised that he got banned off Twitter from like he's constantly, constantly, constantly belittling people. He's kind and, of and, a professional and, troll. I don't even know if what he says lines up with his values. Sometimes I wonder if he's just I don't think so. picking the side that will get him the most attention, whether that be pro-Trump or... I forget where he was on Gamergate, but that's Milo where he first got well-known. Yeah. He's definitely hamming it up to his audience. He's definitely... he called, He's a self-professed provocateur. It's, mm-hmm. He thinks... He he considers it his job to offend people. And, and for, you know, George Carlin had the same kind of job, you know? So it's like I recognize that, that people like that you know, need to exist in a, in a, in a society and, and we need to, we need to allow that conversation to happen. But yeah, but, he was, he was fun. I, I really en- enjoyed talking to him. Just the off the wall opinions yeah. that he had about things. It was just like, what? Like I said, especially when he got to his devout Catholicism, I, I it was very hard to make that mesh with just a moment before he was talking about how he liked to be submissive to black men in bed. And it was like, well, how do those do those two go together? Because normally it, it seems like you're mixing oil and and and, and vinegar here. I, I'm I'm well, not the, following. The, the, the Catholic Pope has recently come out and said that that Catholics basically need to get over their prejudice towards gay people, which I he, thought he, was... he he has. Although what he he made some comments about transgenders today. You know, he, he said that the the idea that children were being taught that they can choose their gender is terrible or awful or something like that, I think was his quote. I, the thing like, the Catholic Pope time. said that That's I loved another. was this. He's a pretty liberal Pope. Yeah, he said, um, if churches aren't taking that money and devoting it towards helping poor people, then they should lose their tax-exempt status. And I was like, Pope what? said that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the balls from that guy. Right? Well, now- <laughs> no, he lives a pretty, he's a pretty austere Pope. You know, he, he's driving around in a Ford Focus, you know. that. Oh, is that what uh, you're getting at, Hutch? Have you, see, have you seen his chair? His chair is just a regular chair, yeah. like the Pope chair. If you look at, like, John Paul II's chair, it looks like, like what you think God sits in. Doesn't, like, doesn't like, he live in his own opulent city? He he didn't build that city. What's he supposed to do? Yeah, I give him a pass. It's just it seems like saying that about Obama. Like, doesn't he live in a big white mansion in the middle of some great real estate? It's like, yeah, that's where our leader lives. To some extent, I feel like a lot of it is just for show, right? He's like, all right, I'm gonna need all new robes, make them less showy. That chair that's been in use for the last ten years, I'm gonna get me a new chair. This one less showy, and and it it's true. It, it's I think somewhat he did PR with the money from the old chair too. I like this Pope a lot. I know I do that, too. that maybe he's not uh, liberal enough for everyone, um, but but you gotta keep in mind who he is and who he represents. Yeah, it's a Catholic, what's it's a Catholic doing. church, man. It's a two thousand years old institution. This guy's doing a great job. You know, you guys went from the Inquisition to yeah, gays are okay, and just a couple hundred years. Good on you. Like, like <laughs> just stick with this guy. That's a, that is really good progress. That well, would be a very did. steep graph. No, not compare. Not compare. <laughs> Now, with with trying to avoid being controversial here, but now compare oh, that no. to 
<laughs> not, not compare that to Islam, which which came around, which which came to be around what 600 BC something or 600 AD um, something like that. It was like 500, five, yeah. it's like 550 years after Christ. And so when we look at the evolution of Christianity, it's I see so many Christians that are very kind of snobby about where their religion is when they talk about Islam being sort of backwards and they're nowhere near as caught up and progressive as Christian. Well, you have 500 years on them, like they mm. like this. this well, that's, buy a, that. that's assuming that that's also assuming yeah. that religion. Five hundred of those old time well, years don't count, though. Because that, that's also making the assumption that religions are all inherently kind of equal, and they start out on the same racetrack, and you'll all get to the same conclusion given the same amount of time. And I don't think that's true. I think religions all over, like you give, the, you know, a, Mormonism given a thousand years is not going to turn out the same as Islam given a thousand years isn't going to turn out the same as Catholicism. This you is know, true. I'm not making any guesses as to how Islam would have turned out, but I am saying that Christianity has the benefit of five centuries of... of I, I would say those people were far more advanced than the Christians at that time, right? Wasn't this like the birthplace of algebra and calculus and mathematics? Yeah. You know, the, what was happening is, is, at the time Islam, are you talking about? Uh, in no, the Middle East Middle I'm kind of talking about, right? Like it, the people there were very advanced, perhaps more than the guys they who hadn't were. figured out not to poop in their own drinking water over in England. Perfect right? example of that during the time when the, the, the Black Plague was destroying Europe. The uh, in the in the in the Arab community, they'd already figured out how to cure it. You you lanced the boils uh, around your lymph nodes, like around your uh, your your um, armpits, and then you hit them with a hot poker. That's yeah. how you cured it. Or you could make uh, an antibiotic. With, they took the dried scabs from the uh, the uh, the Black Plague pustules that would come up or whatever they were. You would yeah. dry out those scabs, and then you would snort them. And that would work like a little bit of a uh, an ant a, a vaccine for the black. Or at least then you'd wish you were dead. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, I don't think it's fair to give Islam a pass for getting you know for starting late on what? this racetrack. No, they were not ahead of the game and they paused. If anything, not, they. Not a, I'm sorry. Not a pass, but but not a pass, but not. I mean, Christianity is not an innocent religion either. There's a lot of destructive qualities about it too, and 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 has really, really we really real and and I'm sure you could. It's measurable too if you if you gathered some data, but like a really a really kind of uh, I'm 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 uh, I'm ranting a little bit. I, I I'm not giving Islam a pass. You don't like any of the religions here. <laughs> yeah, not a huge fan. But I well, no, go ahead, Kacha. I'm interested what he's going to get to. We've got a zero tolerance policy. For <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying that people people jet like uh, uh uh that people should allow. I'm not saying that you should look at like terrorist attacks or people that subscribe to Sharia law or um, or just the general amount of 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 hate speech or hate hatred that you see come from radical Islam. I'm not saying that you that everybody should just kind of hunker down and bear the brunt of that until they figure it out. I'm just saying that if you give people enough time, I think they will start to mellow out and and progress. And in a lot of ways, in some regions of the world, they're very insulated with their cultures, and nothing can really come in and change that. I think and the problem is that, that has to, and I, I think that has to come from within. I don't think that part it's of gonna... that insulation, though, is because of that uh, of the religious influence there. They don't want anything else coming out. So you could just as easily make the argument that, given you know a sequestered area where you can just do whatever you want to do, that eventually extremists are going to ruin the lives yeah. of all the people around them who are just trying to fucking live. You know, I, 
it, it's because I feel like that religion has, you know, you, you can say that it's been hijacked, but but there it's been hijacked people who are just enforcing its uh, its principles much more firmly than anyone else does. They, you know, they talk about the moderate Muslim, but moderate Muslim is someone who's not following the the teachings of the Quran to the letter. Now, I don't want to know the Christian who follows the Bible to the letter, but he lives all around me. I I, I promise you he does. Like like everywhere around it, they most of the the Baptists that make up my community, I, I, if you ask them, do you believe that every word in the Bible is fact? Do you believe that these aren't allegories, these aren't uh, uh, like tall tales to take, teach you a story, that this is fact? And they'll tell you, absolutely, yes, that's uh, the word of God. But they don't every, live that in way. The, Like, they won't go and beat they a will not t- when When they find the a child molester, they don't... Exactly. They don't enforce those laws to the letter of the law. Now, I think you've got a combination of what radical Islam is to me. What I think that, that, that drives it is a few things. One thing is that you've got people taking power and using that. You know, you take power. You go back to a movie like, um, what was that Denzel Washington? Z for Z, the, the Denzel Washington movie where he's in the future and there's no Book more Bibles Eli. left. Book Z of for- Eli. And they Book- talk about the Bible. Um, he talks about how the, he's like, if I had that book. I could control everything. Oh, uh, it's more powerful. Yeah. Gary Oldman is talking about how powerful the Bible is for controlling a populace. And yeah. I feel like the same thing has happened in that community. You've got these, uh, the, whether it's the guys who run ISIS, who are basically starting a caliphate, you know, a geographic uh, kingdom of their own sort of to, that's pulling in money and sex yeah. slaves and evil. You know, that's kind of, well, that's kind of their business. They're going broke and they're not going to win. It's like, it, it, like the, it, it, it's... It really sucks. That's the scariest part, though, because what happens when... Right now, I, I feel like ISIS is a big hornet's nest that everybody's jabbing, and eventually, at some point, somebody's going to come along with a big can of hornet spray, and they're going to pretty much wipe it out, tear the nest down. But there's plenty of hornets that are going to escape and disperse throughout the world. There's, if, if they talk about 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 of these fighters, how many of them are just collecting a paycheck to do evil, and how many of them are legitimately on board with this and believe that it's a way of life and are going to escape from that region and go into Europe, go into Asia, go into South America, North America. Who knows? I want to say a a comment about something Hutch said. Hutch was like, hey, you know what? This religion, we got to give them a little slack. They started 500 years later than us. No, no, I didn't say give them slack. I said, let's let's try to be understanding of, of, of the fact that we were not where we're at now 500 years ago. That's all I'm saying. It I guess that's really similar. But but make no mistake, I'm not talking about radical Islam. I'm not talking about Let me go ahead, Yach here. Let me finish okay. my thought. Okay. So, right. so um I feel like a lot of people, especially on the liberal side, give way too much of a pass to bad things, right? Like Bill Maher makes this point. He says, Look, liberals couldn't stand apartheid in South Africa for one fucking second. Right. The, the, the fact that there was apartheid, which if I understand right, is pretty much taking the black people and putting them. It, it's, it's not even separate, but equal. It's just separate. You guys are not allowed to play at our party. Yeah. Put them in ghettos. You guys have to form your own sort of country. You know, and, and by the way, the white runs the government. So you don't have the infrastructure and the good stuff we had. Right. Liberals wouldn't stand that for a second. Right. But when you hear, oh, yeah, women aren't allowed allowed to drive there. There are a lot of people that say, well, that's just their culture. Oh, people have to wear burkas. People have to cover their hair. People have to like all these restrictions. Oh, women don't go to school. There are a lot of people that say, well, you know, you got to understand culture's culture. You know, like they didn't. They, they yeah, started behind us. Some, all right, go ahead. Some things you can chalk up to culture clash. Sure. A lot of things you can't, and I'm with you on that one. Like, uh, it, it, there, it, there is a tendency on the left to be more forgiving of 
immigrant minority groups, whatever that looks like, if that's a Muslim or someone from Kenya or someone from... Anyone not white and male. Yeah, we can... Anyone not <laughs> white and male, there is a tendency on the left to be more sympathetic to, 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 to those groups and to be way more critical of... People yeah, should uh, be protesting Saudi Arabia in the same way that they protested South Africa. They should be like, what? You can't drive? You can't walk the streets unless your brother holds your hand and make sure that you're not like slutting it up at the mall? That is crazy. The Show an ankle to anyone who yeah. wants to see Right? It. The fact I that these so, women aren't this. given... Uh, five seconds. The fact that these women aren't given freedom is a huge, huge deal. Right? Yeah. And it is, to me, like unforgivably... Uh, undeniably bad yet a lot of times yeah. it's just chalked up or sort of overlooked his culture differences and real quick to tag on to woody like and that's not even uh real like just the is islamist islamist extremists uh, kyle's distracting me with his his, his your oh you quit that kyle but like it <laughs> what he was saying it's not even just the thing about women it's not just the extremists like and that's something that a lot of people especially on the left don't want to address in that area is that like just mainstream belief over there there's a lot of deeply troubling things about it especially regarding women where it's like like if if you i mean fuck people on uh, in this country are more likely to probably be upset about an amish guy having his wife wear a bonnet than they are about you know someone in the Middle East saying, oh, you can't drive, and you're completely beholden to me for all your decisions. You don't have any freedom. You don't, you, you're not in charge here. You don't get a you say. Know, this is know, the me um, show. Those bonnets are kind of sexy. We were in uh, Ohio, and we were driving through these Amish communities, and they were all out in the yard, like, I don't know, dancing around and playing and shit, like all holding hands, like spinning in a circle. Look yeah, they, they, without internet, you're really good creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, but like uh, the, the girls were all wearing these like dresses with the bonnets, and, but you could tell they were pretty shapely. And I was thinking like, could I, could I get her out of the Amish community? Because like I don't even have to show her a good time, right? Anything, oh, do. anything. Just wait, and she's wait just until fascinated. Wait until you know, like, like, I'm when like, they go on their trip. Let me oh, show yeah. you something. And she's like, holy shit! Yeah. Like, That's right. Anytime I want, right there. Come with me if you want. Come on, let's go. You know, That's that would wonderful be comments. Did you sew it yourself? You know? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I am Calvin Klein. That's my name. <laughs> so what I, so I want to say is that uh, I, I'm, I'm with you on, on, on the fact that being too apologetic for, for, for some things that, would, that should reasonably outrage rational people... Uh, is 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 a mistake and short-sighted but at the same time it's like there are some there are there are still i think there still exists some indigenous cultures where uh like like sexuality for example like go to sweden in the in, in the age of consent there i think is 14 years old which which if we say that out loud as americans it makes us like Feel uncomfortable, yeah. We, like it is hard for us in our American mind not to look at Swedish people and then not classify all of them as perverts. And I think I think it's a mistake to uh, to generalize the same way when it comes to Muslims. And on top of that, who is who are who 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 are who are victimized most by radical Islam? It's it's Muslims that are victimized most by radical I'll Islam. Accept that. Yeah. They're the they're the ones that are getting hurt more than anyone. Oh yeah. This peaceful Muslims. Yeah, they might they might believe in some really crazy shit, but that doesn't mean that they're acting on it much in the same way that a lot of Jehovah's Witness and Mormonism and Christianity and Judea. There's a, you can find a lot of crazy shit in all those religions, and some people will even say I believe that crazy shit, 
But most people are not acting on them. Most people are not like Westboro Baptist Church or. But I think they're sympathetic to it. I think it's. I think it's. A, I think if you drew the parallels between that and Nazism, you know, in the early '40s, you'd you'd see a lot of scary similarities. Like, well, not all Germans were into that. Well, you only needed three. Uh, you know how. Yeah. You only needed a very small percentage for also. For the, I would, the, I would the point that ten million people to get exterminated. All of those things, like I'd, I'd contend that, you know, unlike Sweden, where the age of consent is fourteen, I'm sure they have laws in place in Sweden where it's like, well, if you're thirty-eight, you can't fuck a fourteen-year-old, or maybe they really? have it different. I don't yeah. know. But it's fourteen. And yeah. I don't think that's fourteen okay. or fifteen. It's fourteen or fifteen. I, I, I bet those. I bet their. I bet their fourteen-year-old could run a small business while our 14-year-old is egging houses, though. I, I, like, like, I, I have the feeling that a Swedish teenager no, is just a better fucking kid than, I, our, than ours are. I don't know about or that. Or mature, probably better educated. But I'm <laughs> saying, that, like, just eat... I don't like that in Sweden. And even if I did think that was, like, hunky-dory, that wouldn't somehow equivocate to what's going on in the Middle East in those cultures, where it isn't just, you know, the extremists who are dressing up their women in uh, burqas and not letting them drive and not giving them freedom, or, you know, uh, there's literally criminal uh, charges for apostasy, leaving the faith. Um, like, that's endemic in those areas. Yeah. And to yeah. say, like, oh, well, it's not really, you know, no, they're not all practicing that. Well, it doesn't matter if they specifically aren't the ones who's enforcing it, but they live in an area where it's being practiced and they, they're, they're subjugated by that. It's a hey. very... It's a very loose comparison and a very weak one, but I'm just I'm, I'm making the comparison to, to or I'm, I'm drawing that comparison just to make a make a point, which is that uh, and it's a point that's that's already been made a million times in the media in in this election cycle with with respect with to Muslims, but most of them are not out there bombing us and even yeah of course not even if they are sympathetic, how many of those people do you think are sympathetic to someone who is someone who uh, uh, decides to drive a truck through a crowd in France or something like that. How many think? How many? Forty, fifty percent. Well, hang on. Let me finish my. Is it, and it depends where you go. Who knows what those numbers are? No one knows. But they took some but, polls. Yeah, they've taken polls so that you do know. But okay, okay. They look bad. I've got a quick thing. Okay. Uh, but, the age of consent in Sweden but, is 15. Wait, 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 I want to hear it. 15, okay. But what, yeah. but what I, what I wanted, to, wanted to say is how many, what percentage of those people you think are sympathetic because of the Quran and Sharia law and what percent do you think are sympathetic because their uncle got killed by a fucking cluster bomb meant for Taliban or something like that. Like everybody in that region has some awful story and they're all connected to each other. Like everyone shares um, uh, uh, in the, in the, like, in the squalor that they're living in, in some, in, in I don't, some I didn't see any of those nine elect nine eleven uh, victim survivors strapping any bombs on, going overseas, mixing it up with anybody. They all just mourned and and dealt with their in, loss. We live in a country that's not in a state of constant turmoil and war and bombing and drones and. Are you kidding? We've been bombing people for years, every day, constantly. Oh, I- we just don't listen. We're not on the receiving not end. Here, 100%. Yeah. That was yeah. one of the reasons why bin Laden said that he executed that attack in the first place is because the United States was bombing Iraq consistently. They, they were continuously bombing them even after we left through 1998. And that was well, they kept putting up those radar towers, and they weren't supposed to. And uh, and so we blow when we flew over, we'd blow them up. Like, you're not allowed to have that, remember? But, Boom! But, but my point is, how many people do you think are radicalized or are sympathetic to All of them. terrorists... Because of their actual beliefs, because of their religion, or do you think it's because of the geopolitical circumstances 
that that uh, I, that I think it's feeding. I think you're talking about a cycle that feeds itself. I, I yeah. think you know it started. There were bad people, and we tried to kill the bad people, and we accidentally killed some good people, and they became bad people, and they joined the other bad people, and it's a never-ending cycle. I've got an answer yeah. for I, Hutch too. But I, it is predicated I, on. Or go ahead, Woody. Yeah, you know, he says, "Hey, do you think it's the religion or the geopolitical part?" I think even if it was geopolitical, they're definitely using religion as their recruiting tool, right? They tell yeah, people absolutely. they're killing Muslims, so so there is. A religious aspect There's to that. There's absolutely a religious aspect to it. Yeah, totally. and that's undeniable. Totally. Yeah. Let's yeah. leave this. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not denying that at all. You want a whole new topic? I, uh, I've got one. Who, who's watching uh, Stranger Things on Netflix? I, oh, I, I, actually, I actually, I actually have to go. I saw that okay. show. And okay. I really cool. It, but I actually have to go. Thanks for having me on, guys. This is a yeah. Lot thanks of- for coming on. Thanks Where for coming on. Where can find all your? What's your your Twitch and uh, and YouTube everything? What if I know? Twitch is just Hutch, and the same with YouTube. I got a redirect now, so it's YouTube.com forward slash Hutch, and then on Twitter it's Oh my God, a touch. But if you just search Hutch on Twitter, it should be the first thing that pops up, I think. All right. But I hope the movie's cool. good. Enjoy. Yeah, I'll let you guys Thanks know how it is. Thanks for coming on, man. Take it easy, guys. Thank Have you. Good night. Mobile. Good night. See you later. But before we talk about Stranger Things, then, let me uh, let me sneak in a Dollar Shave Club ad or two. Um, let me just pull this up. Guys, we really appreciate you listening to the show and wanted to do something to thank you. So we contacted our friends over at dollarshaveclub.com and arranged for them to give new members this month. Uh, the, the executive razor for free just by buying, uh, just for buying a tube of Dr. Carver's shea butter. We're super excited that they're doing that for you. Now, let me remind you why millions of others have joined me as a proud member of the club. DollarShaveClub.com delivers amazing razors right to your door for a third of the price of what those greedy razor corporations would charge. That means that when you join the Dollar Shave Club, you can afford to shave with a fresh blade anytime you want, which feels fantastic. I get a first-class shave when I use the executive blade, and that's without even hurting my wallet. And when I use the executive with their Dr. Carver shave butter, the blade just gently slides for the smoothest shave ever. Shave butter isn't your average shave cream. It's a unique conditioning formula with high-quality natural ingredients, leaving your skin unbelievably soft and smooth smooth now's a great time to join the dollar shave club new members who buy a tube of dr carver's shave butter get a month with the executive razor for free so take advantage of this special offer today it's available by going to dollarshaveclub.com slash pka that's dollarshaveclub.com slash pka so what was the special deal again something about a tube of Um, shave butter what is it yeah, when you get the Dr. Carver's shave butter, you get uh, the executive razor for free. The 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 nice uh, the oh. nice razor, you know, the the handle part. Very shave cool. butter is an underrated thing. It is way better, in my opinion, than the foamy can stuff. Which it seems like, at least for me, I get one swipe of the can stuff and I shave, and like none of the hair's gone, and all of the fucking shaving cream's gone. The butter's really good at that. At yeah. Sticking to your face, binding to the hairs, and really getting it off. Or wherever you put it. Or wherever uh, you put it, yeah. Okay, now let me get you one more ad in here. The last few months, we've been working a lot with movement watches. We love them. You guys love them. So I ask myself, why do we only have one? I've got two or three now. You see, movement offers different color bands, different faces, and different styles for each of their watches. Movement watches start at just $95. Do some quick math. You could have a couple of movement watches, and it would still be a better deal than just one of those department store watches. Get a blue and a white one. Maybe sandstone is your thing. Whatever your style, movement has watches and bands to match for every outfit in your, in your arsenal. There's no hassles. Just order online with free shipping, free returns, and a 24-month warranty. So join their more than 1 million social media followers and get a movement watch today. Day. That's uh, mvmtwatches.com slash pka today, and they'll give you 15% off your entire purchase there. That's mvmtwatches.com slash pka. Yeah. Check Those out. are good watches. I uh, I gave my 
I gave one of them to my dad, and he actually likes the thing. He's been wearing it for a little while. And uh, my uh, my black one, I've kind of added it to my little watch holding thing upstairs. I like them. I like them a lot. They're heavy, and yeah. I like the heavy feel. I just want to say they have a heft to them. That was it was in my head. That that like you're like, oh, it's not garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah so it's just a rigging endorsement right there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so so Taylor, have you been watching Stranger Things? Uh, I that it's a mini series, right? Mm-hmm. It's no. It, well, it's a no. television show. It's only this one is the series. first season. One season. Well, okay, what yeah, so far? I've seen the whole thing. Seen the, I'm I've only seen up. two episodes, I'm afraid. So, oh. so that might handicap me a bit for the conversation. But um, my feelings on it so far, it feels like childhood movies. It feels like E.T. mixed with Third Encounters, uh, First Encounters, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind or something. I love the soundtrack, the music, the, the costumes are so good. The costumes are so good. Those kids look like real fucking kids. I love that, too. The actors look like kids. And they, uh, they're very good actors, all of them that I've seen mm-hmm. so far. I love the story. I love the sci-fi aspect of it. I love the, the scary aspect of it. It's, it's kind of a scary show. Um, it's very suspenseful at times. Um, the production value is, is definitely there. I heard it got shopped around to 15 or even 20 uh, different you know, networks and cable networks before Netflix uh, bought it or, or it went to Netflix. But I'm glad it did because, man... Uh, it's, it, it looks like another home run for them. Uh, the reviews are, you know, five stars across the board. Everybody's loving it. Um, what are you guys thinking so far? I saw it. Um, I liked it. The I whole, thought it the was whole thing. Or how much did you see? All of it. All of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, I thought it was good. I feel like it's right there with like season one of Orange Is the New Black. You know, in my opinion, some people say it's better, but it's not quite Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones. You know, those like elite, elite shows. Uh, yeah, it's definitely worth your time. It's yeah, it's really good, and it. For some, I don't know why it is, but Kyle, you hit the nail on the head with the whole like uh, kid mixed with fantasy thing. It has a real ET vibe, and for some reason, it makes me more willing to you know suspend my disbelief if it's a kid in there because I'm just kind of imagining myself as a kid and what I'd be thinking, and not adult me being like, oh well, there must be a logical conclusion for all this weirdness. Like I liked it. Like there's a bunch of nonsense sci-fi stuff you have to put out of your head but it's fun because it's like a kid's show in a dark place it's, it's a kid's show juxtaposed into a really dark reality and you see both and i so, like that it's not that it's a kid's show really it's that some of the main a- main characters are kids it's a, it's a regular adult That's drama yeah. but you've got kids thrown into a really tough adult situation one of the things that struck me that i really liked um was in episode one um, I don't think this is much of a spoiler, but someone gets kidnapped. A child gets kidnapped in episode one, or he goes missing. Let's just leave yeah. it at that. And from the time he sees his danger to the time when he sort of loses his battle to stay away from that danger, every step of the way, he's doing what you, the viewer, wants him to do. He's not he's an like, idiot. Oh, you see, he's smart. He's smart. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you see danger? No time for the bicycle. Run. Run home. Find your mom. Find your brother. They're not there. Oh, 911. Got to get some help. Lock the door. Good. Now check to see if everything's safe. Oh, it's not safe. Retreat further. Can't get 911 help. We need a weapon. And it's just like, yeah, that's exactly what a clear thinking adult would do every step of the way. I really admired the way that kid was like running around and trying to like home alone his way out of that situation. The kids um, crushed. I, oh, I thought there was break. No, the go kids ahead. crushed yeah, it the whole way through, and I really like that. Like, so um, you know the movie The Sandlot. I feel like a lot of people love it. Yeah. The oh, child acting in that was awful. 
it was really good such kid. shit. Yeah, <laughs> so no, it, it, maybe because I was older when I saw it. Like, you know, I was yeah. probably in my 20s or 30s. And I'm just like, this is all... The kids look like they were out playing, all running and just laughing and situated. Awful, awful acting. The acting in Stranger, is it Stranger Things? Stranger Things. Yeah, it was good. Like, it, it, as an adult, and you sit there and critically act the, the ability for these, like, 10-year-olds or whatever they were. Strong yeah. actors, yeah. even as children. I, I looked him up just because, especially the guy with no teeth, um, who's mm-hmm. got, like, I, I felt bad for him, so I wanted to look up at first to be like, he's got teeth in real life, right? And, <laughs> and then just confirm that, and he does. He does he? Yeah. yeah. But, um... They pull him out for the show? Act- yes. He's a method actor. Uh, so he's <laughs> on a, a mashed potato diet until the series winds down. But he's he's a good actor for a kid, and I actually enjoyed watching him on screen because I'm usually very critical of child actors because I know I'm like I've been eight before. This kid doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. They're just doing whatever that man over there, that woman over there, is saying. But they weren't committing any of those gaffes like in the Sandlot where it's just it's it's un, it's horrible. If you try and go watch the Sandlot again. I challenge you to get through it. Like you're relying a hundred percent on nostalgia juice to pump you through that piece of shit film. <laughs> but Stranger Things is great. I can't recommend it enough, and I want to talk about it more when Kyle's further yeah. into the series. I'm, I'm going to get on tonight, and I'm going to watch. You know, I'll, I'll probably get in. I might finish it tonight. I'm, I'm really into it. Um, got a girl over here; she's pretty into it. Um, so it, big, it, it's great. Uh, I'm glad oh. that I. If, and one of the barriers, I, this is what I wanted to say, um, I've been thinking about this since I thought of, that I wanted to talk about this show on this show, um, is that some people might be not interested in it because they think it's a kid's show, and, and there is a real barrier to getting into a new show, and I know what that's like with that show, The Night Of, I'm having a hard time getting into it, I know it's good, I believe it's good, but there's something about watching that first episode, and I see him making mistake after mistake, and it's literally the opposite of what that little kid did, does in Stranger Things. It's like, here's an 8-year-old, I don't know, 8 to 11-year-old. I'm bad at gauging children's age. Here's an 8 to 11-year-old who's fucking heads up and making good, smart decisions. And it's not like you're like, well, he never... It's not like he's putting together a zap, like, taser gun, like Iron Man or something. He's just making the right decision every step of the way. But then you go to... Um, I'm sorry, what was I just the talking about? Of. What's the other, the night, you go to the night of, and it's like... God, this kid is going to steal. It's not even his dad's taxi. It's a taxi that his dad is in partial ownership with two other men with. Could could ruin his whole his father's career. You know, his father could lose his medallion. I didn't over catch this. that. He wasn't allowed to drive that taxi. No, no. he stole that. So oh, so okay. he stole the keys and went out and then he, he he admits to her that like this isn't even my dad's taxi. My dad and two other guys went in on this taxi mm-hmm. and I've stolen it. And now I'm going to pick you up, random hot chick, and do drugs with you, This, which I, I, I guess that was acid they were dropping. Like, like, I don't know, when you put it on your tongue, maybe ecstasy. I don't think so, it was a pill. Well, I mean, you can, you can put acid on a, on a sugar tablet, I you know, you can so, drop yeah, it on yeah, anything. Yeah. It was either acid or ecstasy. I haven't watched enough, I would probably know if I kept watching. Well, he watching. wasn't still tripping when he got arrested, so it probably wasn't acid, right? Probably not, yeah, yeah, probably ecstasy. Um, but, but, but just... You know, I know where it's going, and I just—it's just such—it's like watching a train wreck happen. Like there's some movies that I rewatch, and I'm rooting for the characters to do something different than they're going to do. Like I know that nothing's going to be different on this uh, this next watching of the Lord of the Rings, but I'm thinking like, man, just get the eagles, just get them, just come mm-hmm. on, let's just let's just fly in there and get this over with. We can wrap this up in 50 minutes. Come on, <laughs> I know they're not gonna, 
you know, but but still, as I watch it go down, it frustrates me. So I, I will get into it and I'll enjoy it. But what I, what I'm talking about all this for is, if you're one of those people who's thinking of Stranger Things as like some some kitty show that you don't want to be part of, it's not that. There's a there's a big overarching storyline. Plenty of adults. The sheriff has strong parts. Winona Ryder, of course, is playing the best, like sketched out, burnt out mother of all time. She's very good in her role. role very good. Um, so yeah, two thumbs up from me for that movie. Yeah, being able to watch a kid do what show. Uh, a show. Yeah, being able to watch a kid do what I think I would have done, it makes it way scarier because usually the kid would just be like, oh, "There's the closest tree," and then go stand by it and go. <laughs> <laughs> that is and what they do. Yeah. And go, ah, and it grab him. But like, as and even me watching, I'd be like, "Ah, oh, I wouldn't have got caught." But this yeah. kid did exactly what I would have done, and he still got caught. And so it's kind of a reminder of like, "Oh fuck!" Like. Yeah, this this that's real. That this is what would have happened. Put the best kid in the best situation. Okay, it's not real. But <laughs> <laughs> put the best kid and some monster or whatever it is out there, and see how it plays out. And that's what'll happen. It would have happened to me. I can't watch romantic comedies to save my life, or a lot of shows about relationships, because every fucking romantic comedy, every show out there, starts on a bullshit premise or mistake that could be handled in a couple phrases or a sentence. Five-minute so, conversation, and we don't need to w do this movie anymore. Yes, all it is is a guy, oh, I'm stressed out coming home from work. I'm going to buy condoms and roses and stuff, and then uh, I'm going to bang my girlfriend when she gets home. And he gets there, and he throws it down, and she calls, oh, I'm going to be late from, from work. And he goes, oh, maybe enough time to beat off. And so he goes into the fucking bedroom and starts watching porn, and then he has his headphones on. It's really loud. And, I haven't you know, seen he this one. He <laughs> unplugs it, and it sounds like sex, and she walks in and hears from outside, and you're banging someone else, and you got her flowers and condoms and then she runs out and instead of going like wait i was looking at porn i'm jerking it I'm i just still am come on it's not over yet yeah, <laughs> instead of that he walks over and watches her leave and is like babe ah then he closes the door and it's like no you didn't you don't address it of course this is a problem now you made this a problem. You don't deserve to get... It, it drives me crazy when an entire show can be handled with a three-minute... Just hold on. What yeah, show was, have I, you I seen with this plot, Taylor? There's thousands of them. Every show. Yeah. Not a specific chain of events. But what he's saying is, like, those sort of scenarios that can be so easily solved by, like... That, that wouldn't happen to us. You know, it takes you out of it because you would be like, no, no, I swear, to, I'm not cheating on you. I'm just jerking off. Come look, search the fucking house. Where's our car? You think I'm fucking a ghost in here? Like, come look. <laughs> you know, that's all you got to do. That's what you would literally do in real life, you know? Yes, but, but, nobody but they don't that. do it. They're just like, you don't understand. It's, it's complicated. You, what? Enough is enough, and I am done with this. I am done with all the nonsense, and I'm out of here. But it's complicated. I got to let this be explained, and you'd understand, and... Ah, I just, you know, I love sex so much. And she's, and she's like, and he says something like that. So you could take it either way. And just, <laughs> she books it and then she dies or something. And that's the whole movie. It, it's shit. <laughs> but that's not what happened in Stranger Things. The kid was heads <laughs> up. He did what we would have done. He like, you know, home, family, police, yeah. gun. Like, like in that order, you know. And uh, yeah, love the show. Watch that show. What else we got? What do you want to talk about? I got a topic. I don't know if it'll go anywhere. But um, it's a UFC thing. There's this guy, Mark Hunt, and uh, he's a heavyweight fighter. I don't know if he's top five or top ten right now. And he fought Brock Lesnar at UFC 200. Anyway, yes. he lost, and it turns out Brock Lesnar gets popped for performance-enhancing drugs. I forget the specifics of it. I just call them all steroids inaccurately. So anyway, he's been sort of going off on social media 
about this because I'm going to get my numbers a little wrong. It's like his third guy in the last four or five fights that got busted for steroids after the fight. And he's pissed off because he keeps fighting these guys who are on steroids. And uh, some guy tweets him and says, Huge fan of yours, bro. But everyone in the comments saying you should stop posting about Lesnar is right. Lesnar got busted for steroids. Brock Lesnar. It's not a good look on you if you keep posting that juiced up cunt. You're giving him publicity. So they're telling Mark Hunt to stop complaining about facing cheaters. And he replies... How about you go fuck off my page then, you piece of shit? You think I need a stupid <laughs> fuckwit like you telling me about looking good? Who the fuck are you? Take back your worthless advice and get the fuck out of here. <sighs> Sour grapes, man. Sour grapes. That's the thing. I, I, I'm on his side. I'm on his side. Look, put yourself in his shoes for just three seconds here that you are a professional fighter. You go into a ring and face another man with your fucking fists and the other man, who happens to be the scariest human being most of us have ever seen, is cheating True. to make himself even fucking even scarier. scarier. <laughs> like, yeah. like it would, it, it's, it's like fucking, fucking some monster comes in, and but and he's cheating to. You're like, yeah, it's like if it's I set not up bad like enough, a... I'm fighting a cyclops. You got him on the juice too, right? It's yeah. like if I set up a boxing match with a third grader and I bring a brass knuckles. Like, it's like, there's, it, why add insult to injury? <laughs> That'll teach you to take my snacks! Like, like what the, no reason for it. So, like, but, so I saw this video, God, I can't remember, it was an indie game developer, and uh, back when he was on the forums, everybody loved him, because he would just give all the other developers shit, and they thought he was, you know, right and smart. Then he makes a game, and he acts the same way. He continues to give all the critics shit. And, and essentially, the, the conclusion is, he was being famous wrong. You know, that, that once you become famous, everything is supposed to be even keeled. You know, you, no one gets under your skin. You just you deflect it. You don't reply. And Mark Hunt, to me here, is being famous wrong. But I hate that there are different rules for Mark Hunt. That he's supposed yeah. to take this fucking jackass's um, advice on, on whether or not he's allowed to talk about the guy that she cheated against him. I, yeah, this is a Trump that doesn't matter video. one bit to me. I, I think this is a this is bullshit because like fuck that fan for saying that. Mark Hunt's a fighter. He's not a politician. Mm -hmm. He's not your local res representative. He, he can say whatever the fuck he wants, and and you're you're gonna you're still gonna be a fan of him because what he does is go, he go, go he goes out and beats people up for a living. Um, I, I I definitely feel for him. I would feel cheated and and so angry and not just because of like the bragging rights and the money and whatever shame there is with being beaten up on live television by this guy, you know, all those things, and you know, career-wise, the damage that it may or may not have done mm -hmm. to him. But hey, I went in the ring, and this guy could have killed me. Mm -hmm. This man could have hit me so fucking hard in my head that I never woke up. Like, he's already hitting so goddamn hard. <laughs> I would love to, you know those, like, box That's things true. they have at bars? <laughs> Where you, like, go up and you hit it, and, like, it goes up to Gorilla? That shit should go up to Brock Lesnar, motherfucker. This guy is a monster. And, and, and he's cheating to be even bigger and stronger and to recover faster or to have better cardio. God knows what. I, All of it, right? They, right. Whenever they tell you that, that there's a, they don't want to tell you what it is, it's, eight, it, it, it's always steroids because they can't test for HGH uh, appropriately. I believe he's on HGH. That's probably what caused that, that, uh, that, that disorder he had or whatever. The guy is a monster. He looks freakish. It, I mean, that's the sort of He's thing. He's one of the broadest. Like, usually, if someone Hi. has broad shoulders and they're like six five, like 
you'll notice like that's a big guy, but it's not like crazy broad. He looks like like it's it's obscene. His shoulders it's are gigantic. Not really and he's human also, shaped. Like, I don't four. like that he exists. No, he's not human shaped. He's shaped like a monster. And so, yeah. like, I understand this guy Mark being pissed. And I, the response back to the fan though is what loses me. Of like that, that you could respond to that so much better. You could just say, "Yeah, why wouldn't I be p- fucking pissed about my opponent cheating?" How about that? How about that response? I, yeah, yeah that be more much substantive. Better. That, that would have been a better reply versus fighting I'm, argument. I'm so sympathetic, empathetic, I guess, to Mark Hunt, though, because this is not the first guy telling him this, right? He probably has 5,000 people in his ear chiming about how he's supposed to be talking. And and that's why he's so fed up. You know, if you view it in just the context of, like, one guy trying to help him out, then perhaps he responded kind of crazy. I, I would have said something like, Barry Bonds cheated to hit home runs, and he was fucking indicted, and people went to jail over it. Brock Lesnar is cheating to hit my brain pan, and nobody seems very overly concerned with it. it, it that's what I would say. He said like, stuff yeah. like that, right? This was his blow-up moment. You know, he says, look, this guy's cheating. I'm going to get hurt. This isn't fair. I keep going up against cheaters. I've had three in my last five fights. Number's close to true. And, you know, and this guy's like, you know, I think you should stop complaining about people using cheating against you. And he's like, what the Fucking fuck? Shit. Right? Like, that's when he blew up. Yeah. I, I, to play both sides, the guy who sent him the message, screen capping it and sharing it, a private message, shitty, 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 shitty thing to do. Like I, yeah. th- of course, Mark Hunt or, or yeah, Mark Hunt should know that it's going to get out there because he's famous. But mm. that's I don't like that either. Yeah, what is like, this? Like, an and, and if he has been at? getting hundreds of messages about this, you'd think that he would have had time to formulate a response. You know, like if he hasn't addressed it like this before, then he's probably let some steam blow off. I don't know. I don't. I. I I shouldn't be commenting. I don't know enough about the story, but it doesn't stop me. Yeah, yeah it shouldn't, and it shouldn't. No, and it never, yeah, does. And it never will. I just, let, me, uh, let me sneak in an ad here real quickly at this juncture because we're, we're at about three-hour point. This episode is sponsored by CISO, the all-comedy ad-free streaming TV service made for the serious comedy nerd. And if you love community and or Rick and Morty, and you have to, then you have to watch CISO's new original series, Harmon Quest. Harmon Quest is a comedic improv animated live action journey into the hilarious world of fantasy role playing with Dan Harmon and his comedic, com, uh, comedy companions. Starring Dan Harmon, Spencer Crittenden, Aaron McGathy, and Jeff B. Davis, Dan Harmon, creator of Community, Rick and Morty, and Harmontown, brings you Harmon Quest. It's like nothing else you've ever seen on TV, streaming, or anywhere else. Dan Harmon and his team embark on an epic adventure of dragon slaying and chivalry as they attempt to save the world from evils and other such things. Uh, Fondue, Zubag, Bone Weevil, and Buero Shift, those are the character names, find themselves stumbling through mystical lands and treacherous monster-filled caves in their quest to defeat the evil heralds of the Manticore. You can watch every single episode on Harmon Quest of Harmon Quest on CISO right now, so go to CISO.com and use promo code HarmonQuest, H-A-R-M-O-N-Q-U-E-S-T, to get, fr- get, to get two months free. That is an additional free month on top of the already free trial that they normally pass out. CISO is stacked with new original comedies, classic series, and loads of stand-up specials. They have every single episode of Saturday Night Live, the entire Monty Python catalog. That's not just the television show, but all of the movies from Life of Brian to uh, Holy Grail, and so much more. So start your free trial today. CISO. So- CISO. Donald Trump vows to crack down on internet pornography. Is this a position that we can get behind? 
I feel like finally there's a good. Re- oh Jesus! <laughs> you can't just. <laughs> I feel like finally there's a good reason that, uh, that, that that to not vote for Trump. Look, I well, I, I, did something just come in? Uh, he's, I, Trump Donald said he's Trump. going to crack down on internet pornography. Look, here's the thing. <laughs> Look, oh my God! Right. He's he's fighting phantoms all around him. Yeah. That nobody just is. I feel like if there's something that PKA is for, it's guns and porn, right? Guns and porn. So there's just no winner in this thing. You know, Hillary or Trump? He's not going to get rid of porn. That'll never happen. See, that's why it doesn't bother me when he says things like that. That's like if he came out and said, we're getting rid of farts. I'm (laughs) anti-fart. No more farting around here. I'm solving the fart crisis. Yeah. You know they're always talking about the methane gas. You know how much methane is in a fart. Like, like what do you win against? Like, like he's anti-fart. He's like making everybody put like butt plugs in their ass that like filter the methane out and make a little toot or something like that. Like, like it's musical farts now. Uh, uh, well, what a jackass. A yeah, what a real, real asshole. He's. I don't. I would never vote for Hillary, but. I'm really fucking poor. I need to take a close that look. Guy at sh- that guy, he's hornier than anybody, right? right? How can he be anti-porn? This is a guy who's like fucking models his whole life. He likes I've seen his wife ass. nude. What's he thinking? <laughs> look, he's pandering. I see what Trump's doing, and, and, and I, I honestly know exactly what he's doing because I've been seeing him seeing him do it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Trump listens to anybody, but but I think what Trump believes will is going to win him this election is by firing up the 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 Christian. American base. Some of his Republican base, yeah. Specifically Mm -hmm. devout Christians. He says things like, we're bringing Christmas back. Christianity is going to be a power in this country again. You know, in God we trust. And then, and now he's saying this, you know, the morality police stuff. Now, none of this is substantive. It's not like you can legislate that effectively. It's been attempted in the 80s, in the 90s, in the early 2000s, whether you're talking about going back to Hustler Magazine and Larry Flint, you're talking about Howard Stern, you can't legislate debauchery well in the United States anymore. The debaucherers won all of those battles in the end. (laughs) Game fucking over Trump. You should know this. And he does know it. But he's pandering to to that group. And it's, you know, it just worries me. Again, you know, Trump is water. You can pour him into any bucket shape you want. And and that's what we're doing here. We're like, oh, against internet porn? That's one of the things he doesn't mean. You know, just, like before long, I, I, there's a I'm lot not, of things. It's not what are... I want. It's not what I want him to believe or, mm-hmm. or don't want him to believe. It's just what I truly believe based on like sizing him up and what he said in the past versus what he's saying now. And it just seems like he's really going after that the Christian base. He's trying to get those guys not just in the South but in the Rust Belt. I think that's his going in the Midwest. I'm sure he's worried about some of those Midwestern states. I think that's what it is. I really do. I don't think Trump's actually anti-pornography. I mean, this is a guy who goes on the Howard Stern show, and he's like trying to get Jerry Seinfeld to come to it. He's talking about all the beautiful – he's like, the most beautiful women in the world, brought them all in, thousands, hundreds of them. And Jerry – it was so funny to hear is this Seinfeld go down. Seinfeld single? He was then. This is an old show. Okay. So it's like, it's like Trump talking about this party he's having that night, and he's inviting Jerry, who's also on the Stern show. And, and Jerry's like, Really? Wow, you can tell that Jerry's interested in this yeah. like hot fucking party that Trump's putting on, and I, it, like, like they're talking about it, like, and Howard's like, I, I, I kind of want to get invited. Can I, can I get yeah. on? This? <laughs> like, like Isn't everybody's Seinfeld a pedo. Wow. You're tall so and you're Seinfeld, weird. 
Yeah, Se- that girl that Seinfeld was with was quite young. Um, I, I think that she was like, yeah. it would have been. She minus. was underage when they started dating. I think, or, or like maybe she was seventeen and he was like thirty-nine. It's something like that. I'm gonna guess, like, like, like based on my my memory of these events, that he was roughly thirty-nine and she was roughly seventeen when they when they like came out as boyfriend girlfriend. But there are many people who piece together like paparazzi photos and such to to prove that the relationship predates her um, eligibility for said relationship. Ah, so she was being groomed, is what they would contend. Exactly. Now that's a that's a a top tier technique that I only recommend for no no that, that that's uh, real for shit. pedophiles you yeah. yeah for pedophiles <laughs> well no not for pedophiles because if you're a pedophile then the last thing you want is to like be biding your time while this kid is going through puberty you don't want that you want to hit it early get in there quick but what what we're talking about is the exact opposite of that you, you see a potential in this uh this youngling and uh, you know kind of like a jet it's kind of like a jedi master you're like oh have m- nightmares about kids turning 17 he just yeah, spotted like, a triple a yeah. prospect right not quite yeah, in the exactly. majors yet he just pulled her out so i looked it up uh he was 38 she was 17 so kyle was pretty much on the money wow. and uh, uh yeah and then i guess you know he stuck with her all the way till 19 or 20 or you know what well that says something you know, <laughs> she got too big stuck with her through all three of those good years you know <laughs> yeah Dude. yeah the, the porn thing like it, it is easy to say like he does he, he does flip-flop on everything constantly mm-hmm. and but i also don't think it's silly to say he really doesn't believe that porn is going to go away like he's no no one who's realistic even those hardcore christians know in their heart of hearts they're not going to win fighting back against gay marriage. They're not going to win fighting against porn. These battles are lost. Get over abortion, it. Abortion could go the other way. And I liked what was it? Who was that guy we had on a couple weeks ago that he was a white gay man and he I, I can't I'm, I'm struggling with his name and, and he all I have is Milo. Oh, Dave Rubin. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I oh, right, he, didn't, right. he didn't dig into it, but but basically what he was saying. I hope I'm remembering this right. That it was him who said this, and this is how he said it. I don't want to misquote him, but but I think what he was saying was that on the issues of gay marriage, that'll never be overturned. And the reason for that is there's going to be no new evidence, no new research that is ever going to show any negative to gay marriage because two men marrying in no way affects the world around them. It's just their own little bubble there with two men in it. It's, nobody else is affected by that in any way. There's no negatives, not one. However, with abortion, what he was suggesting, and he didn't really say it out loud, but what he was inferring was that it's you know the more and more research that goes into this, the more that we find out about how a fetus develops and 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 how brains develop in the womb, the the more evidence there may or may not be that would suggest that especially late term abortions past 24 weeks, or in particular partial birth abortions where the child is partially delivered until the head has crowned, and then they insert scissors into the skull and open them to form a passage, and then insert a tube in. And vacuum out the brains. That's a that's an accepted form of abortion. Jesus Christ. Yes, and, and you know that that's and I, I know to some people that might sound like some Carly Fiorina fucking propaganda. Look, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't make that up if that weren't a thing. You know, it, it it's shitty. I'm not saying that then they pull the baby out and sell its arms to fucking like Japan to make like cyborgs or anything. It's not it's not devilry, but it's a form of abortion that seems awful, really awful, and. I'm yeah. not for that. I, I think that maybe the abortion needs to occur 
before 24 months and only in situations of rape, incest, or, um, you know, threat to the mother's life or um, certain congenital birth defects should abortions be allowed after 24 months. You know, you should probably figure that out and that you want the abortion within, you know, 24 months is a long time. Yeah, 20, uh, twice, more than twice as long as it takes to have a baby. <laughs> weeks weeks <laughs> and was she a llama <laughs> yeah. Elephant yeah, sorry. <laughs> gestation takes three to four years the calf will be born alive i, I checked <laughs> multiple websites it's like is kyle's description of this on target it is yeah unfortunately uh, yeah partial birth abortion is I, th- I think anyone who's reasonable can agree that's pretty reprehensible if they're letting the baby be born and the only difference between that baby being a baby that someone has and is a life and not is a pair of scissors waiting for it. Like, that's that's really fucked up. 24 like, weeks is pretty late. That's six months. So babies are on the edge of surviving at six months. Some make it, some don't. Uh, and I feel like people who want abortions, they're not waiting until that time where they're like, eh, actually, now that I've gone through this whole transformation in my body, now kill it. You now know? that like, I've wrapped up like... my second trimester, I've changed my mind. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I'm 70% of the way in. So I feel like most women who are going to have an abortion know pretty fucking quick. And, you know, I don't, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's a good thing, like abortion. Like, I don't think it should be like praised or lauded or anything, but I don't think it's, someone's place to say that you shouldn't be able to have an abortion if it's before a certain time period or something like it's it's a, it's necessary but it shouldn't be lauded as some great thing you know I think it should be lionized as like a, aha you know the freedom to get an abortion like it should be taken seriously and be like you know this is an important process explain don't do that whole thing that they'll do where they're like, oh, you have to take fucking a week to think about it because that's condescending and stupid. Like, at least respect the woman there enough to say, you know, you know what you want to do. Let's do it. But there's or definitely... making them notify their parents. That's that's one of the laws that a lot of states will put into play. And then the other thing is, is and, and conservatives will use this. They will say, oh, we're the ones looking out for women's health issues. We only want abortions to occur in clinics with X, Y, and Z. And you're like, Holy shit, X, Y, and Z cost like $15 million. And we've got a. It's like, you know, it, it, it reminds me of like, there's an episode of King of the Hill where like Hank has to look after this, this, uh, this veteran's cat, this soldier overseas cat. And when he takes it to the vet, the vet has this insurance scam where he's forcing it to be scanned by all these uh, expensive machines. And it's just bullshit. You know, it's an it's insurance scam. And that, an abortion is a very simple procedure that, that, you know, you get a doctor to do it. But you don't need like a, a surgical team. It's yeah. not like we're doing brain surgery, you know. I mean, the, what we're doing, we're, we're going in and 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 taking a life, you know. There's, there's somebody's gonna die at the end of the procedure, guaranteed. And, and that's the other thing. Like, I'm pro-abortion, but I think we're killing a human being in there. That, that's just what I think. Like, like I I think that that fetus is 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 a person in there. I just I, I do, and, and you know I've. I feel like a lot of people, I know I'm like that too. It's like, all right, I'm pro-choice. Let's, let's nail that down. But reluctantly, you know, and it, it definitely, it, you know, I think we can all admit, like, the moment the sperm touches the egg, it, it's not what most of us would consider a person yet, right? Nope. But that moment where it 
is considered a person is definitely, or, or maybe not as far along as abortion is currently allowed. You know, six months out seems too far to me. Um, it, somewhere along the way, I, I, the maybe brain is developing, I believe, at around 24 weeks. Well, it's months. developing long before that, isn't it? Or I is mean, there's something in there, but the complex brain is developing around. I, that. Yeah, you're I, I think it's a lot. Know. And, you know, I've, yeah, I, I the heart's I've... beating way earlier than that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. I, you know, maybe the heartbeat is the start. I don't know. I don't know. But um, it, it, even though I'm, I'm pro-choice, it's reluctantly so. I think we can all admit it's... It's a sad situation to have happened, and you're choosing the lesser evil, whatever you think that is, right? It might be bringing a baby into a family that's not going to care for it very well, or it might be deciding not to have a baby at all. Uh, it's a tough spot. Um, yeah, it's so complicated yeah. because, like, even only, like, the furthest, like, I guess some people will say, like, oh, it's just a fetus, like, it's not a baby until it gets its you know kindergarten degree or whatever the fuck <laughs> it is like there are people like that but i don't think most pro-choice people are like that i, I would I like to believe that most pro-choice people are kind of like us where it's like yeah this is a really serious issue we don't need to lionize it and act like it's a good thing to have an abortion no. but we can also no. say you know if you do need it and you think that's what's best for you and you know it's not halfway out of you with scissors in its head then that's understandable like it's not my place to tell you yeah like, you're talking about like a 24 month abortion now that's what you're talking when they gotta, gotta get the kindergarten before it's okay to stop <laughs> that is a 24 month yeah abortion. the 60th yeah, trimester different. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know he just keeps shitting them diapers he ain't waned yet let's just do him in yeah i'm <laughs> done with this i be, to be for the, the dad to be frank i've been over this since week two <laughs> yeah bring me the scissors yeah <laughs> Come here, Jimmy. Yeah, crawl on over. <laughs> yeah, it's arts and crafts time. <laughs> oh, that's oh. dark. That's yeah. sad. So I saw that um, um, Adult Swim uploaded a a good version of that Rick and Morty parody of mm -hmm. the uh, of the. I, I just want to throw that out there. If anybody wants to see a better version, you don't have to see it like a cell phone video over somebody's shoulder anymore. They it just the screen. You know, it's like it's animated, and it's, I don't know if the animation's improved, but they uploaded another version of it. That that thing's so fucking hilarious. I must have watched that six times this week. I've been showing it to everybody. So how was your um, your trip? Oh, it was so good. I I'm so glad I went. So I flew into Austin um, on Sunday afternoon and, uh, and met up with my buddy Matt. Um, Matt, um, I think I've said it a couple times, but a really nice guy. Um, he he's got a master's degree in chemistry from Texas A&M, and he's a southern guy with a really strong southern accent. And the those two don't usually go hand in hand. Um, and then you start hearing hearing him speak about chemistry, and he really is a real life like Walter White level chemist. He's a, he's a bit of a genius with his his just off the top of his head knowledge of chemicals and compounds and how they react with one another. And we just sit there in his laboratory, and he has like a legit laboratory, like something you'd see from a movie. And we made three different kinds of high explosives there in just a matter of minutes. And we made exploding um, 44 Magnum bullets in just a matter of minutes. And I'm sitting there jotting, making notes, you know, because I got the same fucking license he's got. I'm like, ah, this will come in handy. Now I know how to make exploding bullets. It's so fucking easy. Like, I'm going to make, I'm, 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 I already ordered the parts. Can, and uh, can you make explosives with things that, I might not be allowed to do it, but like, I'm always told like, oh yeah, this is just fertilizer. Farmers buy it by the ton. And you mix the fertilizer with the other fertilizer, I guess. And suddenly you've got a bomb. So with ammonia. So, so that's how like, Timothy McVeigh did it, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. So, so you, 
You can use ammonium nitrate, and there's a lot of things you can is, add to is ammonium that nitrate. fertilizer. Yes, it's, okay. it's 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 prilled ammonium nitrate. It's um, I think the it's like thirty two dot z. You know how uh, fertilizers have the three numbers for the like nitrogen and and whatever the yeah the those signs letters. Yeah. Well, anyway, they got the, the, the numbers in the it'd be like twenty 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 to to indicate how what percentage of each thing. But with ammonium nitrate, it's just all the ammonium. It's just all ammonium nitrate, and, and the others are zeroed and blanked out. But anyway, yeah, you can buy that stuff uh, anywhere, and it's perfectly legal. As far as I, uh, I don't, I, don't let me start saying. Yeah, that. don't get PKA legal advice. But as far yeah. as he knows, you, farmers buy it. You can buy it. <laughs> well, what I was saying is, you know, look up what what's legal in your area, because I don't know where everyone lives, but. Where I'm at, I, as a just a civilian, can can go order a bag of fertilizer, go on Amazon and buy a bag of aluminum powder, blue aluminum powder, not black aluminum powder, and make my own binary explosives at home for my own personal use, perfectly legally, uh, if I want to. I didn't know it was yeah. legal. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Now, can a lot anyone of the do that, or just you because of... Your... Anyone can do that here in Georgia. That's as far as I'm willing to to to, to branch out. But but I, I I want to say just about everywhere you can do that. Um. So so the other and and that's that's for bi most binary explosive compounds. It seems he makes an explosive called matinite, which is uh, um um a couple of co chemical compounds that are powder that he puts in a plastic bag and then he pours nitromethane racing fuel on top and sandwiches up like a sausage. And it's the it's the same equivalency as TNT. It's pound for pound the same power as TNT. So that's although he doesn't sell it to civilians, it's perfectly civilian legal for a civilian to make it and purchase it. I think. But what I was there doing is learning not to kill myself when working with explosives. We learned four different kinds of detonators. Whether you're going to light it with a fuse, or you're going to turn a detonator, or you're going to press a detonator, or you're going to use a, uh, a non-linear charge where you use like a, a, this little tool that uses a shotgun primer to send a little burst of fire through a long hose. There's a lot of ways to detonate things. And that's what I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn like uh, how to order explosives from various manufacturers, who's got the good shit, you know? Because some of these guys that have explosive licenses and uh, are, are just, they only make like one kind of explosive just for blasting and they only deal in like a million pounds at a time. And I need to know who I can call and get like a case of dynamite sent to my house. So I learned that, and I learned a lot of safety stuff, and I learned a lot of record-keeping stuff. And then we went out into the field, and we destroyed ordnance for two days, which is taking uh, – he receives them from the military, these 40-millimeter grenades, landmines, um, uh, explosive rounds from artillery guns and howitzers and stuff. And he doesn't blow them up. He uses shape charges to cut holes through them to ensure that there's no high explosive in them because sometimes an actual high explosive round – gets tumbled into the recycle bin and he's the guy who's got to be there to safeguard and make sure that you know once he signs off he's signing off that all of this shit I'm sending away is safe no bombs in there anything like that so that's what we did all day we took these shells that may or may not be like you know a 50 pound high explosive bomb we put our explosive charge on top prime it uh, get it all ready run our wires and everything get off to a safe distance and then detonate it and we did that for two days, like I said, in the hot ass Texas heat. It was. What percentage of the time is it uh, around that was live? Uh, we found two. We found two that were uh, that were live. We, we we probably detonated a total of like fifteen things, and two of them were a lot. And and these were things that we looked that looked suspicious to us. You know, like we dug through a bigger field of of stuff, and we found the things that that. 
you could that that we couldn't see the the inside of them. They weren't cracked open. They, they didn't have a hole cut in them. Or maybe this particular kind of round is notorious for ah, is it or isn't it? And then one round in particular, we could look on the inside and it looked like t- TNT explosive in there. He's like, you see that yellow? That's not a good sign. Let's check this out. And sure enough, when we set it off, it's a lot louder than it should be because we're just putting a cap and a little bit of um, um, a small charge on top to like blow up this. 40 millimeter grenade and when I hit the detonator instead of it going pow like a rifle shot which is about what a detonator sounds like it's whoom and like dirt starts falling from the sky and I was like well looks like we found a good one he's like yep save somebody's life again then we go back to work how big is a 40 millimeter grenade is that like a handheld one so so it's just like it's the noob tube grenade from Call of Duty it's the one you put in a grenade launcher um, I think it uses like a 38 caliber blank in the back to pro- and, and that bursts a copper disc and that propels this, I think it's like half a pound, uh, grenade really far. Like you, when I've shot them a lot, like the thumper from, uh, you know, Schwarzenegger had in Terminator yeah. 2, um, like, like we were playing around with one of those shooting just chalk practice rounds because when you hit shit with them, they explode in the big orange cloud and it's like, doom. And the thing fucking keeps going like three or four times as far as you think it would go. So, yeah, those things are um, heavy and powerful and, you know, just real cool. But we, we found a hot one, which was interesting. Um, i never seen anything like that before. But it was, it was a really, really educational experience. And that was the whole point. It was a demolition class. It was to make sure that I'm not going to, like, blow my fucking fingers off or, or hurt myself in any way. Because my fear was, you know, I don't know much about... The, uh, the detonation part. I don't know what kind of cap you use with this explosive versus that explosive. And we learned a lot about that. Everything from um, you know caps versus boost versus boosters, um, how to place the, uh, the cap into different kinds of high explosive. Um, we worked with C4, which was really cool. He's, you know, he's getting these explosives out for the day. He's like, yep, here's a pound of C4. And he like, hands me this big ball of C4 the size of a softball. And I'm like, all right, I'm holding this. He's like, here, take these shape charges. And I'm holding all these shape charges. And he's like, all right, now take this explosive tape. And it looks like on the inside of a car door, you know, if you pull it down, that rubbery gasket stuff that's yeah. bendy. It's like that, except on the inside is high explosive. So you just wrap this stuff around whatever you want. It sticks to it, and it's a shape charge, so it cuts whatever it's on, and it's very powerful. He had a uh, he had sheet explosive, which is about as thick as like I don't know, like half those yellow post-its. I don't know. It's it's pretty thin sheet that's sticky on one side, but it's high explosive again. So you can just put that sheet on anything, and it'll blow it the fuck up. He takes women's panties puts them on a steel plate, and then puts a layer of thin sheet explosive on top. And when he detonates it, it explodes the pattern of the panties onto the steel, and he makes artwork with that. <laughs> like, he, he, that's his other thing. Like, he, he, this guy works constantly. So when he's not scrapyarding, doing demo work, or, like, traveling around doing TV shows, he's, he's been on a couple of Discovery shows. He was on CNN the other day demonstrating how that C4 killed that guy in Dallas. Um, when he's not doing stuff like that, he's making wind chimes out of F-16 ammo and making these little, like, goblin men out of propane tanks and, like, <laughs> artillery rounds and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you, it's, it looks like a little man, but you put a fire inside the propane tank and, like, his eyes glow and everything. It's like a jack-o'-lantern, like, made for war, but it's made out of a propane tank with lots of, uh, you know, he doesn't use a plasma cutter, he just explodes the cuts into it. Was so. this one class, or do you have to go back again? Yeah, we're done. Yeah, yeah, I... 
See, I, I told him what I wanted to learn going in, and, and he did all of that, basically. Like, like, my concerns were, like I said, killing myself. I don't want to, because one of my fears was, man, when I set those charges up, what, is there a cell phone? Is there possibly a cell phone could interfere, and I just, you know, I'm downrange and I explode because Eric's phone rings, and he's like, yeah, yeah, that is a thing. Turn your cell phones off if you're going to use these, this transmitter and this receiver detonator system. And I'm like, well, I just won't fucking use that. He's like, well, don't. You know, it's it's useful sometimes. So he shows me, you know, the correct way to use it, and the the. But but still, I think initially the first thing I'm ordering um, should be able to order tomorrow. He should have me my contact details. He he wanted to get me like a direct contact so I could get in with these people. But I'm getting the old school cowboy dynamite, like you saw in cartoons, like Looney Tunes had, like Clint Eastwood had. That's it's awesome. a red stick. I think it's a half pound each, and with a fuse coming out the end. So you light it. And throw it or do whatever you want. And I'm mm. thinking a whole video just about dynamite. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a case or two of dynamite. Uh, and and I, I'm thinking at first, you know, just say like, see that out there? That's dynamite. And then it goes off, and you see what it does to something. And then kind of progress up. Now here's a bundle of dynamite. Let's see what it does. And you, you, know, you do that. And then you start throwing them. You Can start you make throwing a really them. long fuse, like one that's like 15 as long feet, as you want. 30 oh, that'd be cool. You, yeah. Not only could I do that, I could set it. I could set it off in a mere, in, in many different ways. However I want. It could be a button. It could be lit. However I want. Um, I, I picture the opening scene with like you talking, explaining what you're going to be doing today, and the fuse. Like in the like, is that is that a fuse going behind oh, it's him? Like burning. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like not a real fast fuse. We've seen fuses so fast, like dead cord that you like. You can, yeah, oh, you can't even. See. Like oh, like. If people haven't feet, seen twenty-seven thousand feet per second, I think. Yeah, like I, I saw uh, deck cord go. I'm gonna say it was like two hundred yards, and you can't see it go. It, it's like like a, electricity or something. Like is it that just, fast? I think it's twenty-seven thousand feet per second. It's not Jeez. actually as fast as electricity, but it's effectively instant. Electricity know? is one hundred eighty-six. Electricity is one hundred eighty-six thousand miles per second. Not accounting for the resistance of the wires running through. Yeah, yeah. But, well, it's but, probably not as fast as electricity. Right, right. But I'm no. just saying it. It in person, I can't. You know, they're both right away. You can <laughs> you know? barely fast yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. Over a long, you know, you can see in Richard Ryan's videos. You know, he slows it way down, and you can see mm -hmm. it moving around and stuff. But very fast stuff. But if you were to you do your intro that, uh, with the fuse going, and then boom, and you know, time it right, that'd be pretty neat. I, I also thought it'd be funny to get those with, Looney Tunes uh, detonators. Hydraulic press. The hydraulic press guy, if he had his FFL, he'd just be blowing up like gummy bears and pillows <laughs> and a bunch of spit nonsense that nobody cared about. It's Today so... we are going to blow up a, a couch cushion with <laughs> a quarter pound of dynamite. And it's like, God damn it, dude, this is so boring. It's just... Yeah, that, that's what he would do. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, he's got this he's awesome down. hydraulic press. He's like, watch me crush custard. <laughs> like, I'm going to crush a CD. It's already flat, asshole. So I didn't get to the best. I didn't get to the best part, and and I can't promise that I'm everything I just said. I can guarantee I'm gonna do because like we're ordering the fucking dynamite tomorrow, and nothing I just said is sounds dangerous. Nobody's gonna stop me from doing any of that shit. But what I really want to do, and before I do it, I'm gonna have to like Matt already said it was cool that I that I that it's safe and that he didn't think I was an idiot for doing it. Um, Kitty's pretty much pretty on the edge about it, and I'm gonna talk to Richard Ryan, see what he thinks, and I may I may call my 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 guy at the ATF and ask him. But I want to use one of those rubber water balloon launchers that you pull way back and launch water balloons like a hundred yards, and I want to shoot sticks of dynamite out of that motherfucker. I want to stretch that dynamite back, pss, 
aim at a car, boom, fucking blow the car. And if it misses, just readjust. Just readjust. And you can Have aim you for Have you ever seen the clip online of the lady doing the same thing with a watermelon? And she, she pulls it back really hard, and then she lets go, and wouldn't you believe it, the watermelon comes right back and concusses her. Is that a concern, that you'll literally die? So let me tell you what my thoughts are on that, and, and it's a good point. Good so first point. of all, the watermelon... Yeah. <laughs> what do you agree? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So first of all, the, I feel like this watermelon, the, 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 the tubing that like supports it, Needs to be going in four directions to so make sure we got a centralized firing point. And and how the, the, the dynamite goes into the cup, as it were, is important. It, it doesn't need to be any bullshit where it could like grab it and it goes back and just throws it back at me. Also, the fuse on this dynamite is gonna be quite long. These aren't gonna be like landing and then blowing up. There's gonna be we're gonna have to edit a little bit. You know, I'm not gonna cheat. I'm not gonna like Pretend like I shoot it and then go out there and place some dynamite and then back up and start again and be like, let's see what it does. Like, I'm not going to shoot road flares and pretend it's dynamite. I'm going to shoot dynamite through the rubber, the, the, the launcher. But, you know, that, that's just going to have like a 30 second fuse on it or something like that. I, so that if I, something happens, we just pick it up and throw it. I think what goes wrong is that the pouch flips upside down. So they pull that's it. That's why I want it going from four different directions. So if you can imagine. But that hurts it too. Here, she had four, like 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 a cross going. If everywhere. I remember right, there are two posts. Because then it can't turn. Yeah, two posts. But but I'm talking but, about four. Right. Well, I'm talking let me about, finish my is... thought. So there's two posts, and then there's elastic mounted at the top of each of them and the bottom of each of them. Ah, so, so that's no good. That seems like four, right? It it's not an X good, though. Yeah. It's it's not this. It's it's like that. We want this. We don't want it to be able to turn or twist at all. It's a square, like, right? There's there's two coming here and there's two coming there. Yeah, but they're they're coming from the corners down to the center, and right. instead they should be coming from the sides to the center. You think that makes it less likely to flip over? I think it makes yeah, it more likely. Yeah, I don't likely. think it can flip over. I think it makes it easier to flip over. Well, there's going to be a good bit of trial and error. Yeah, and yeah. We're not going to start with <laughs> like dynamite. Yeah, shoot, a few re uh, shoot a few water balloons before you. Yeah, we'll I have an idea flares. that's also neat Definitely. and perhaps safer. You could have somebody else use the same setup, right? Like a big <laughs> sling. Safer. Hear me out. And um, shoot a binary compound. And then you shoot it out of the air like skeet. Ah, I also have... I, I'm, I'm with you there, too. I, I, I have that one in the, in, in, the, in, in the back. The problem with that is this. I know it. It Am could I... explode when we launch it because of the sensitivity of 22 sensitive uh, binary compounds. Like, like, if it's sensitive enough that a shotgun pelt is going to set it off, What's going to happen if when I let it go, it hits the cross ties in front of me, or it hits one of the supports, or it, or yeah. it does that double back? I was going the other way. Just acceleration of being released. To me, yeah. the thing is, you can't use a shotgun, right? You use something that a shotgun wouldn't work on, like a Tannerite, for example, right? You'd have to hit it with, like, a two-two-three. See, the problem then is I'm firing a two two three into the air, mm -hmm. which is very dangerous. That's you know, a faux pas. Your victim will be pop. very far away. They won't. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, Aim you know. towards the sea. You know? <laughs> and if we had that, that would be good. Like, and there are places where we could go where that might be a, a – that's a legitimate idea. That's a good idea. I, like, I would really like it, and I would be much, it would be much easier to hit for me at least mm -hmm. if it were being thrown straight up. Like, if, like, like those targets are easy for me because you're just working in one dimension up and down. It's do you shoot under the target or over the target, you know, as it's flying through the air. Whereas if it's going left to right, it could be rising, falling, flying away from, flying 
toward you, flailing like uh, away from you, and it's you know going left to right. You know, it's you're working in three dimensions when when you're trying to hit a left to right target. You need to make sure that your bullet lands in a bad part of town. They'll never trace it back to you. I could go out to the desert and do that. There are places where you can go where 30, 40, 50 miles that way, there's nothing but desert, and, you know, it, it would be safe. Then. But then you got to do a disclaimer because of, you know, the, the gun Nazis, you know. No, and I don't blame them, you know. I, I, don't, yeah, I, I, I yelled for, to. what do you want? <laughs> that doesn't work. Well, I yelled it loud. <laughs> what do you want? Like, that was all I had. That's as loud yeah. as I can yell. I fired it. I mean, they didn't hear the gunshots coming. No, they're going faster than the speed of sound, you asshole. Like, so, so yeah, that's a concern. I, I, I would, I would go somewhere where that were safe. We're going to do that, um, but it's a little scary, you know, shooting into the air. I don't like doing that, well, especially with a rifle. Um, but, but yeah, I love the idea of. I'm coming up with lots of ideas to do with these explosives. I think, um, I know putting high explosive inside of a barrel of water is incredibly interesting to watch because of the hydrodynamics involved, the way that water is conducted by the, the explosion, the way it's moved, and the force it has. You can create a water jet with a little explosive, some water, and a pipe that will cut right through steel. You know, you put your explosive here, your water in the pipe on the other end, the explosive will force that water with so much pressure, so much force and speed, that it'll cut through steel like it's not even there. And I started thinking, let's forget about water, let's just look at liquids. Mercury is a liquid. What happens when you use you know, a, a, a liquid metal as your uh, as the the liquid thing that's being projected by an explosive. So I'm looking at lots of things like that and trying to come up with things that haven't really been done before, but won't kill me. Or that'd you be know. really cool. But no, you probably couldn't do it with mercury though, because there's got to be some sort of environment thing where you can't just fire gallons of mercury around. You You'd know, goddamn um, hippies. Yeah, you know? the, <laughs> the, the the blasting caps are, are used like lead. Azide or something like that. That shit's incredibly carcinogenic and toxic. Like most of the ex the explosives industry seems to have to kind of get away with that a lot because like every time we're setting something off, he's like, "Don't breathe that! Don't breathe that!" He's like, "Let's let this clear out before we go in there." He's like, "That's lead. You see that cloud of smoke? That ain't smoke. That's lead." Um, so you know, uh, we'll see where things go, but I've got, a, I've got so many fun ideas. I want to launch things. I want to dig holes in the ground, put lower the explosives to the bottom of the hole and then fill the hole up with a liquid. What if we fill it up with jello? You know, what if we, what do we, what do we, what do we just eject all that jello straight up in the air, like a jello fountain? How about milk? Maybe the extreme heat will cause it to, to super curdle. Yeah. And you get cheese. <laughs> yeah. it probably it, it probably wouldn't work like that but i'm uh, psyched for the cooler weather which ties into you making videos in oh my head. so big yeah I, yeah every time i go out like like today i put a mailbox up i you know i'm using fence post diggers and if any of it you guys have probably both used them they it's a it real workout to use those it's very hard work even if you're just digging one hole you know if you're if you're digging it for yourself and you want it to be the right depth and the right mm -hmm. size and everything you're doing a good job, and it's laborious. It's laborious. It's 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 rough, and uh, I was sweating, just sweating balls. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It, the people that don't watch PKN, you really should check out Patreon. Watch you get to watch PKN, and you can see how fucking emaciated I look yesterday. Yes. Um, yeah, you can tell you drank some water between then and now because yeah. you look like normal Kyle now. Yesterday, <laughs> you really did look like. You know, we were in month seven of your HIV diagnosis, and we were all waiting <laughs> yeah. for the inevitable. In the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, my immune system had already failed, and it was shot. 
soon the the sores would start. I looked I looked pretty rough because I, I just sweated out all the liquid in me. The first day, I, I I'm really polite when I'm in other people's company. Like I'll just take whatever you give me. I won't complain a bit. Like and you know I'm drinking. I don't drink water. I just don't. Not not normally. <laughs> I, I mean I I certainly don't drink tap water. But you know he pours us some glasses of water and I'm just like you know I drinking them fucking down. I'm not gonna say a fucking word. But I only drank those two glasses of water all day. We were out there all day, and I'm just Ugh. just dripping sweat the whole time. When I say dripping, and like I'm from Georgia, you know, I've worked outside before. You, you, I, I'm used to seeing puddles of sweat on my arm, but I'm used to also taking like a sleeve or a collar or like another shirt or something, wiping it dry, and then it just stays dry then. Like maybe after another 30 minutes of hard work, it'll be puddled again. But no, in Texas, it would puddle up, and I'd wipe it off. And it was like when you're in the, if you try to dry off with your, you ever been without a towel coming out of the shower and you try to just like flick it all <laughs> off you and like yeah. shake like a dog to a little no bit. Yeah. yeah. It was like that. It just kept popping up off me and I was flicking my arm like that and I could see it spraying off of me. It was so humid, a hundred degrees. Um, but yeah, the, it was a very good trip. I, uh, I felt like I learned a lot, um, not just about keeping myself safe and running the business, um, appropriately and correctly. But some theatrical stuff that I'll co- that'll really come in handy with what I do. He d- he taught me how to make explosive bullets, and up until now, I've had such a hard time getting those. When you see me with explosive bullets, shooting them fully automatically like they're candy, those are all that I have, and they cost me three, four, five dollars a piece, or I had to work some weird deal to get them handmade. Those things are rare, unique, and expensive, and I'm usually getting a special version of them made just for me that the public doesn't even get. But fuck all of those ammunition makers now. I'll make my own if I want. I'm going to make my own. I might make my own and s- sell it because the, the, the ingredients are easy. It takes a drill, some super glue, and two chemicals that you order off the Internet that are perfectly legal to put on my shelf in large quantities. So I, I'm really looking forward to, to starting to tinker. I, I mean, the wheels are already turning. I, I started today with moving stuff around and uh, getting that dynamite. I'll buy some of your munitions. Certainly, sir. I don't. I don't think they're legal there, though. Yeah, oh, I don't know. This is great. So, do you guys know what happened with the governor of Missouri cutting the funding for the public defender's office? Oh, I heard about oh. this. All right, so let me lay this out there. Okay. The governor of Missouri cut the funding for the public defender's department office. Whatever. Now, these are the people who, when you're too poor to get yourself a lawyer, I know th- that's what a public defender steps in. You know, and and he's a he's a he's a free lawyer for you, provided by the state. So the governor cuts their funding, I think by eight eight and a half percent, it amounted to like one point seven million dollars. Those are loose facts. But what's important is what happened next. The guy who is in charge of the uh, public defender's department, smart guy, he knew this little known statute, this little known Missouri state law that says that he, as the leader, the president, whatever his exact position is, of the public defender's office, can assign any lawyer, any any lawyer in the state of Missouri, to be a public defender in any case he wants. So <laughs> he writes the governor. He writes the governor, and he he says, you know, you took this money away. We needed this money. Blah blah blah. You, you know, we needed it here. We needed it there. These are our costs. This is what you've done to us. And at the bottom, it's like, uh, so. I would just like to inform you that according to statute 600.24R of the Missouri State, you know, Constitution, I hereby notify you that you will that you need to, sh- you know, <laughs> that you, you need, need to show, show up and represent this guy. To defend yeah. this guy in this court because the governor is a fucking lawyer. He's like and he like names him by name. He's I can't call him, you know, Jay Smith, 
Jay Nixon. Um, um, yeah. You know, and then he gave his like uh, um, bar number, his number. You know, bar number six zero zero two six R. I hereby notify you that on J on you know. September 17th, you will appear in court to defend attached case. And then at the bottom, he CC'd in, like, the whole attached case, you know, the presiding judge, all that shit. Professional revenge. And it was on the pro-revenge subreddit. You know, I'm mm -hmm. not I'm coining that or anything. Professional revenge, literally. So good. So good. And he That's has hilarious. to show, I think. I think he has to show. And I wonder how especially plays out. Now, oh, I can't wait to see. This is all fresh stuff. Mm-hmm. Nobody really likes our politicians here too much. Everybody's had a sour taste ever since the uh, illegitimate rape guy, Todd Aiken. <laughs> Remember that from a couple of years ago when he's like, well, if it's a legitimate rape, the female body has ways of shutting uh -huh. that down. Oh, and that like, was wow, you, that's huh? really interesting. Is he uh, the one who was that, telling women to urinate on themselves? And rituals? What was that? I think he was re recommending that women urinate or defecate on themselves in, in case of rape. It's like, all yes. right, well, keep a load on deck at all times, ladies. Nothing <laughs> sexier than that. Like, <laughs> Although I gotta say that would really turn me off if I'm a would-be ra rapist and she immediately shits herself, like I'm out of there. I I'd rather Melissa have a gun. Than <laughs> have to have a gun the other side of the fence, which is I'm gonna blow a whistle to notify surrounding area rapists that I'm here, and then I'm going to shit myself. Like that, no, Melissa's that's, like, that's I'm, dehumanizing. You almost be like, like oh, you're gonna rape me? Oh, not anymore, motherfucker. Melissa's like, I'm going out for the night with the girls. You're like, oh. You got your X-Lax? Yeah, right here. All right, good. Have a good time. Be safe. <laughs> Taylor, can you stop making nothing but plum pudding for Friday night? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and these uh, taste weird. <laughs> let me uh, let me sneak this ad in here. I think I got. Oh shit, that's right. Because of because I got disconnected, my ads fell away. I'll pull it right up. Pull it right up. All right. Great. This episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for the epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get four to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. Make sure to head on over to LootCrate.com slash painkiller and enter offer code painkiller to save $3 on any new subscription with Loot Crate. Loot Crate is more than just a subscription service, however. It's an entire community of fans that share their experiences and interact with each other around the unboxing of each month's crate. And they guarantee $40 plus in value in every crate. Sometimes it's a lot more. Every month there's a different theme and all the items are curated around that theme. Previous crates have included items from franchises like Star Wars, Marvel, The Walking Dead, The Legend of Zelda, and many more. From bad guys doing good things for the wrong reasons to good guys with questionable tactics, August is the perfect time to explore the anti-hero. Walk the hero-villain line with this 100% exclusive collection of items from DC Comics, Archer, Dark Horse, Kill Bill, and... and uh, uh, Kill Bill that include two great collectibles, a wearable, and of course their monthly tee. And don't forget the pen. Remember, you only have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com slash painkiller <laughs> and offer code painkiller to save $3 or more. To save $3 on your <laughs> subscription today. You're, I, like, I look up in this little box and I see like Taylor like going to town over there. Over bitches. Dude, you know, the last thing that fucking Loot Crate wants are all you lazy people showing up on the next day. Oh, I, I missed the deal. I missed the deal. It's too fucking bad. Loot Crate doesn't care. You need to do it now. Now. These offers don't show up every month. <laughs> you idiot. You know? Like, <laughs> check it out. Expires the 19th. 19th. Get it. I've always liked the anti-hero. That's a cool thing for them to kind of put their premise around because I think 
you know, any of us who didn't grow up in the 50s are a little tired of the goody two-shoes version of Superman. I liked when Superman cracked that guy's, Zod's neck, when he broke his neck Mm -hmm. in the movie and all these, like, Superman purists were like, oh, woe is me. I was like, no, I would like a little bit. Why did they say woe is me? I don't get Superman doesn't kill. Of course he doesn't kill people. Superman's always going to, like, put you in some kind of galactic prison because, uh, oh, was it Superman who said it? There's some, he says something like, when you kill a killer, you don't. You, the world doesn't lose uh, a killer; it just gains one more. You know, he said something like that, and it's like, oh. yeah, but Gen- isn't General Zod like an alien, like general who's coming to destroy the whole planet? Didn't he like like destroy half a city? Like, also, Kyle, it seems like that would only be like, true the first time you kill a killer, right? Yeah, if I kill lots true. of killers, then then suddenly there's a net gain here. Yeah, if he if Superman only killed one guy. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But he's got laser eyes. He could fucking take out the whole prison system mm-hmm. at a glance. So I, I like I like a dirtier Superman. I would like, and this is what DC should have done, and DC's really shit in the bed, I think, versus Marvel. And I hope it continues because I like seeing major, huge corporations, billion-dollar titans of industry just do something stupid that us in the general public kind of see why it's going it's going poorly. But I, I would love to see if they did an alternate universe Superman. Not Bizarro Superman. I don't want that. That's I didn't like those comics. I don't like the idea of Bizarro Superman. And the whole thing is that you've still got original Jor-El fighting Bizarro Superman. Like, I don't want any of that. I want alternate universe Superman like they did with Star Trek, where he's just a little darker. He doesn't go to the Kents. He goes to the Carls or something like that. And, you know, they're kind of shitty. Maybe he grows up in Russia. I think maybe there's an... I, I, ha- I don't know this for a fact, but I would, I would, I would bet... There's a there is a like graphic novel series, and if there's not, there should be where instead of landing in Kansas, he lands in Siberia, and he grows up in Soviet Russia as like the Red Titan or something like that. That's the superhero comic I want to read. I want to read about the Soviet Superman. How about the slums of Rio de Janeiro, right? Like I don't know. Uh, he'd leave and find a better place. Away! <laughs> say that about Siberia. Ah. <laughs> Looking for a place that raises a hard I mean, hard Kansas man. wasn't a, wasn't a very nice place, but oh. at least in the slums of Rio de Janeiro, he doesn't get beaten, stabbed, raped, robbed, and Zika virus. <laughs> you know, See, I the can't U.S. Believe... basketball team is staying on the boat. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe you I'm bringing this up, up. But are you guys still playing Pokemon Go? Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Because on Reddit, they're acting like it's over, it's dead. They're making fun of people still playing. Well, they all, Reddit's not one for measured conversation. That's true. So um, I still play not as much as I did. I'm waiting on the PvP, and I think Taylor is too. I know he said that. Um, I'm waiting on the game to grow some and, and to be doctored up a little bit. It's not a bad game. It's, there's, there's a lot of potential there. It's, but I've kind of gotten through the initial part of the game. That's um, And, and I, I'm done with that, and now I'm ready for level two. You know, I feel like I've I've mastered single player in Call of Duty. Yeah. Now it's time for multiplayer. It's just not out yet. I'm on the same page. Like I got to level 25, and I haven't played much in like the last really all week, just because like I really realized like man, I most of this like if this were any intellectual property other than Pokemon, I would not have put up with this nonsense. I would not have put up with this horseshit. Like it's just the nostalgia of that was my favorite thing growing up that's letting me deal with it. So I was like fuck this. Uh, I'm going to play some Pokemon Red or Blue. And I was going to do that, and I was like, well, there's, like, huge amounts of Pokemon that I've never even played because I stopped playing the games. Like, what was Silver and Gold came out in, like, 1999, and huge amount. Well. He makes a good point. Huge yeah, amounts. I agree. Hmm. I think 
I think Pokemon Indigo Indigo was the the real showstopper, though. I'd like to go back to that. Uh, that rule set, um, the way those cards played, it just felt natural to me. Um, I wish I really wish they'd go back to that. No, but yeah, I haven't been playing it as much, but I certainly played when I traveled because I was at the airport, and an airport is oh, like yeah. a playground. I sent you that picture, and it's just mm -hmm. like Pokestop after Pokestop. So I'd walk the length of the terminal and come back, and I'd get a bunch of eggs. And then, of course, in an airport, you're always on escalators and trains and such, so just hatching eggs nonstop. So it was fun for the travel trip. I, I liked that a lot. It, it worked well into the travel, and it helped me kill time at the airport. Um, but I'm not playing as much as I used to. I'm not going out on adventures to get Pokemon because I've got so many. I've kind of caught all the ones I want. Now I need something to do with them. That's what it's about. Now it's like, all right, I got them. I got my Red Dot, I got my Silencer for my MP5, I got my Dead Silence and my Juggernaut. Now we're the bad guys. Like, that's what I'm waiting on now. It's not that I've lost interest in the game, it's just that I want the game to expand now. And I wonder do something. how much you guys would have played the game if you were in my position and were never into Pokemon earlier. Like I, I wasn't either. Oh, you weren't? Yeah, because I... No, I was cheesing about that Pokemon Indigo stuff. I don't know anything about that shit. <laughs> I, yeah, I... I don't know how old I was when Pokemon was big. It was probably 20s or 30s. Yeah, Definitely 20s. not the right demo. And uh, I, I would say you were like 23, probably. You know, you were right in the middle of school. Yeah, you know, right. Working hard and stuff. Oh, every waking minute. And, yeah. Uh, so, and I was in middle school. And to be honest, the kids that play Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! or shit, like, I didn't want to... That's not going to raise my social barometer at all by going getting in that corner over there with those kids with the cards. That's the, how I looked at that, and that's mm -hmm. how most people looked at that. Um, I, and maybe that, I think that was just our age group. Like I think if we were three or four years younger, or maybe even three or four years older, we had been cooler for, for whatever reason, but it just didn't seem like the end thing when it was a thing, uh, and I was in middle school. Gotcha. I'm going to try and fix your camera. Sorry yeah. Oh, this. one of the, one of the drawbacks that I've got is this, and I it, it's not unforeseen, but um, I can't store blasting caps and uh, boosters. You know the things that are on the other end of the wire that initiate explosions. I can't store those with high explosive. That makes sense, of course. Right. Right. Um, so I got to get another magazine. Um, I, I gotta. <laughs> I'm gonna get another. You're right, right. <laughs> How much so, is another magazine? They're ah, you know, like thousands. five grand. Yeah, yeah, like five more grand. So for the time being, um, I think what I'm going to do is, like, first I'm getting that dynamite. Right, that doesn't need a detonator. You just light it with a fuse. So I'll I'll get that okay. case of dynamite. I'll make a video with that dynamite. Use it all up. Get it all gone, and then I'll order uh, detonators. And, and, you know, now there will just be detonators in the magazine. No more dynamite. I used it all. And so now there's detonators in the magazine, and I'll use binary t uh, matinite, which is the equivalent of TNT in power, but I can store right here in my, in, in my little room right here on the shelf because it's different components that are mixed. Only when they're mixed together do they become an explosive. So I can mm -hmm. store them here, take them to my job site, mix them up together. Now I have high explosive stick my detonator in that was all the while kept safe and logged in in my magazine and rig up timed so, explosions. Is there... I'm guessing one of these things is much smaller, right? Like, for a... I'm making things up, but let's say that you wanted to store your explosives. Maybe you need, like, half a Connex box. But you want to store your blasting caps. Maybe something the size of a coffin or gun safe would do the trick. Is, is, do you need another $5,000 magazine? 
Unfortunately, the five thousand dollar one was the little one. Um, I've got my magazine is is a is a square cube is a um, a square yard or cubic yard. It's three feet deep, three feet high, three feet wide on the inside diameters. So, you know, on the outside, it's 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 the walls are very thick. There's three inches of hardwood, and then there's uh, five eighths of an inch of of hardened armored steel, and you know that takes up some room. But on the inside diameters, it's it's, it's a cubic yard. Um, I'm going to need another one of those, most likely. Can you make a magazine? You can. Cost just about the same as buying one. Um, but, but you end up with a much bigger magazine. See, see I, could, I could build a very large magazine for the same cost as, this, as a, you know, a, a cubic yard one. The, the difference is this. Our mag makes those, that, that company that we both have looked at on, on the Internet. I went up to their mm -hmm. place and looked at what they did. They're, they're, they're known very well in the industry for being the best at what they do. When the ATF inspectors came out and they looked at my RMAG magazine, they went, oh, you got the RMAG. Well, our work here is just about done. Let's just go over some paperwork. Because the dimensions and the specifications of an RMAG are a known quantity. You know that they meet or exceed ATF recommendations just by definition. It's what mm -hmm. they do. So there's something to be said about dropping five grand and in five days having your thing versus buying $5,000 worth of supplies and having them delivered on different days and getting a crew of men to come work and convert a Connex box uh, into a ATF specif specification magazine. So what I'm just going to do is just, you know, for the time being, either have explosives in there or detonators. And that'll mean that if I want to do C4, I'll have to get Richard to come and, like, bring some caps or something. But he's just up in Tennessee. That's not a big deal. And I'd like to have him here for, C for C4. But um, I'll get one eventually. I'll get one probably within the year. Um, but for the time being, I can do all that fuse lit stuff. Um, and uh, I can make my own high explosives that are also fuse sensitive. And there's lots of stuff that's shock sensitive that I can just shoot. So I'm going to be able to do a, a big variety of stuff anyway. I'll just switch out whether it's the explosives in the mag or the, uh, the detonators in the mag. It's really fun to learn that stuff. Like, I, I, like it, it felt just like... Uh, you know, it's like, it was like, I mean, I'm taking notes the whole time. He's writing on a marker board and I'm, you know, writing these rules down and fucking making tables and stuff and trying to memorize. And I really loved every minute of it. I especially enjoyed the chemistry. I, I'm very ignorant when it comes to chemistry, but I know the basics. And so watching him is just so nice, so fun. It's, it's, it's like, you know, when Walter White would kind of start talking about chemistry and you'd become engrossed in his passion for it and it made you almost feel the same way. That's how it is with this guy. But he's putting it to practical use. You know, he, he's like, ah, this right here is urea. He pours the urea in the container. He's like, this is 22% ammonia. Now, you can't buy this at the store. I made my own. Hmm. And he, he, when you pour it in there, you start getting these dark indigo purple crystals. And I sent you a picture, and it was blue. But as he added more ammonia and let the reaction take place, it turned darker and darker purple. And we were filtering it through a coffee filter. So when we pull the coffee filter out, it's just full of these high-explosive crystals, just just a whole handful of them, and we made it in just a minute. Uh, and we made we made three different kinds of high explosive like that, um, just just adding one chemical I, I to the other. I wonder if he can do Breaking Bad like ninja shit. Like, oh yes, you know, I asked him. The I, I said the I RV said, won't start. You know, yeah, sure. Well, fuck, we got like a spare tire around here, some bubble gum yeah. and cellophane. <laughs> yeah, I, I can make a yeah. battery. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would believe they could do that. Like, like I asked, I, I said, you know, Walter White, he, he's never seen Breaking Bad, but he watched the first episode and he's got like a general knowledge because people come mm. to him a lot and mention it. Mm, yeah, and yeah. I asked him if he could make meth. First of all, he's like, you've seen the people that make that stuff. Of course I can make meth. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, and then I was like, do you, what do you know about mercury fulminate or fulminated mercury as some people call it? Cause that's what Walter White used in the, uh, the episode, like a bag full of ice or some bag full of something, bag full of money maybe oh, where he, he takes like that crystal it. and throws it behind Tuco's head and blows the windows out. That's fulminated mercury. You take mercury and you dissolve it into nitric acid and then you add ethanol. There you go. You're done. You get these big, pretty crystals. If you do it right. I was like, how hard is that stuff to make? How sensitive is it? Would it blow that window out? He's like, if you had it a big enough chunk, yeah, it probably would. And I was just like, oh, oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and it's, it's like, yeah, yeah. Because we, we, we had basically just Let's done add that. Add that to the syllabus. We did. We, one of the other explosives that we just had made was the exact same process, except without the ethanol being poured in. We just had dissolved uh, copper sulfate, I think, Maybe not sulfate. Maybe it was sulfide. I get. I'm not a chemist here. Mm. He dissolved uh, copper copper sulfate, I believe, into nitric acid, and uh, and that's how we made one of our other explosives. You know, it, it was um it was a lot of fun. We did everything from like I said, make explosives from scratch in a laboratory with you know in, in this like controlled environment and everything. Uh, we made explosive bullets by hand, and then um, but the explosives training was really what I was there for, learning to set detonators safely, and you know because there's a protocol to do things the right way. Um, and he mentioned to me something that really sparked my interest. Uh, he said that I could go to Texas A&M and they have a four-week class. It costs 10 grand and I would get certified to do UXO work, which, if I'm not mistaken, is overseas uh, bomb disposal for like the government. And he talked about how well these jobs paid. And immediately I was like, could I go and film these jobs? Could I bring the camera crew along <laughs> with me? Because you're going and like detonating 2,000 pound bombs in like the jungle and shit. And the, he's talking about how well these companies treat you. He's like, your per diem is like $200 a day. And your hourly rate is this. He's like, you're clearing $750 a day. You'll work for four weeks. He's like, it's hard work and it's hot, but you're blowing shit up all day. He's like, and then you get two weeks off. And they'll send you home. They'll fly you home for free and fly you back for free. And they'll pay you the whole time you're gone. He's like, but what, what I, I had my wife with me, so I just have him send me somewhere else on the globe. I just make that a two-week vacation to somewhere else on the world. And I, you know, I went to this beach and that beach and went spearfishing here and surfing there. And it was just like, wow, that sounds cool. So not saying I will, but I'm strongly considering this class. And I, was, I asked him, I was like, how difficult is this class? You know, am, am I embarking on some college level stuff here that, that's going to be over my head? I was like, I was like, how hard is it? He's like, oh, they start off with decimals. You learn decimal points first. <laughs> so, okay, a kilometer is a thousand meters. So what is, what is, you know, 500 meters? Point five K. He literally explained, he's like, now that's not, I want to disparage anybody who does that for a living. They, there's tons of technical learning that would be, you know, practical learning. You know, the, the things like what I learned, but four weeks of it. Um, so that kind of sparked my interest, the idea of doing that, especially if I could film it, if I could work that into YouTube videos, you know, if I could go to Guam for, for a week and blow up, you know, lots of old military ordnance from World War II or something and film it and get that free footage and all those free explosives and stuff and get paid. That sounded like a that really sparked my interest. I, I'm not saying I'm going to go through with it, but I'm definitely looking into it because that be sounds neat. Yeah, and it's a nice little qualification to have. I, there's there's so many little things, little clubs and cliques that I have to like join. Like I'm the member of like some sort of the, the Explosive Engineers of America or something now. 
Um, it's a hundred bucks. I get in a magazine yeah, and they give me a bumper sticker. Yeah, whatever it is. Um, yeah, there, there's two or three uh, things. Do you mind if I, because I was talking about Pokemon, and I didn't want to, it wasn't related to Pokemon Go. I wanted to bring it back up real quick, because I think I got Ooh. cut off when I yeah. got disconnected. Yeah, we were um, just messing around while you are gone. The, uh, so Pokemon Go, I completely lost interest in for now until they add PvP, because I just feel like I'm grinding for no reward. But I bought a, a Game Boy SP2, 2, uh, 2DS. A Game Boy 2DS it doesn't fold over. It looks kind of like a play school toy and feels like it too. It's got How much two is screens. it? 20 bucks? No, like it was like 90 bucks maybe. And it was like 140 bucks for the 3DS. But I didn't want to play the game in 3D anyway. That seemed stupid. But this Pokemon game, I thought it because the Pokemon are a little bit dumber. Like there's one that evolves into basically a washing machine that's water type and you can have one that evolves into a lawnmower which is grass type like it doesn't make any fun it's so much more far-fetched wait, wait, than it tell was. me more about this lawnmower pokemon i know finally oh, catch it. Now, now woody's in this conclave but, um, they call it, the it woody. is so much more fun than pokemon go it, it's not even funny like it, you have to actually like pokemon to play it and i'm really enjoying it and the thing they did that's also good is in the first games red and blue if you like, they'd have, like, super dope Pokemon, like an Aerodactyl, which is, like, a giant flying rock uh, pterodactyl-looking Pokemon, and you'd always want to use it when you were playing, but the problem was, it's like, well, fuck, I can't catch this Pokemon until I've done everything in the game, and by that point, it's like, what's the point? Like, I, I can't even use it for anything. In this game, you're getting cool, awesome, fun-to-use Pokemon early in the game, and so you can use them, like, your whole way training up, which is great, so... I'm sure people out there know way more about it than me, and I'm not playing it that well, but there's one that looks like a T-Rex, and I'm a huge fan. So <laughs> so that's about that. Anyway. Well, that sounds fun. I never, I haven't had a handheld game since the original Game Boy. Because to me as a kid, I, was, I, I didn't understand. Like, portability, I didn't care about. Because if I'm, if I'm going out somewhere, I want to do that thing. I never cared about bringing the video games with me, really. I, I always wanted, like, a station that I could, like sit back, relax with my food and my snacks and my video games and stuff. So, like, handheld con stuff never really appealed to me. It was fun me. to battle with your friends. Like, that was the point, though. Like, you'd bring it to school, and then you'd battle over recess until the teachers would come over and be like, you're not allowed to do that. Or even crazier, like, they, those Pokemon evolve. It's a satanic message. <sighs> and uh, right. I heard that quite a few times. My mom, when I was little used to be like, and she's not like this anymore, but she was way hardcore <laughs> Christian, and she'd be like, you can play Pokemon, but you can't raise any psychic-type Pokemon. And I'd be like, yeah, right, Mom, like, you're going to check out my lineup. But I'd just be like, yeah, sure, whatever. But um, that was just, looking back, like, as a kid at the time, I'm like, well, th them's the rules, kid. Like, that you just got to listen to your parents, kind of. But I didn't. But looking back, it's like, god damn, like, that was fucking stupid. That is yeah. stone-cold stupid. Yeah, especially, but uh, yeah, the, the I, I really don't like that side of Christianity that when the part that is afraid of witchcraft and wizardry, yeah, um, <laughs> and, and and childhood fun things it like really, Halloween. You say wizardry, it hammers down how ridiculous it is, doesn't it? Doesn't it? You know, these people who you're, they're anti Harry Potter, and it's like, man, I like. I, I'm a little too old to, to to have read all the fucking Harry Potter books and to watched all the movies, but I did, and I loved every fucking second of it. I took a, two or three different dates to those Harry. You Potter read all the books too? They, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like like I consumed them. My wife's it's right not, there. She's read them all and watched it. Oh, all. it they eating. I, 
you can see what my brain just did. Reading a Harry Potter book is like consuming something that's delicious, and you and and the more you eat, the more you want to eat it. You want you just don't get full of it. It's like it's it's just so good because it's it's easy reading. It's a child's book, so you're not you you just you really going through it fucking fast, and you care about the characters. But he but J.K. Rowling does this thing a little bit like um, um, shithead that that, that writes uh, Game of Thrones, and that she describes all the food really well and and harry potter food is really nice food because it's magic food for children right so of course <laughs> think about that you know everything's succulent and sweet and just the idea of butter beer this this caramelly buttery out al- alcoholic beverage that these children are consuming it sounds so good um all the meats that they're eating when they have their feasts they have these big banquet feasts constantly in harry potter and even just the the you know the meals they're having it's always puddings and pies and chicken this and it's everything's always delicious so her writing style is very good it's very descriptive she you know what the room looks like you know what everybody looks it, it we've said all these things about um about the game of thrones author whose whose name's escaping me right now gr martin gr martin yeah yeah so um yeah, I, I love the Harry Potter series. I, I really consumed all of that. I, I would, I, I should probably read it again. I own all the books. Was it one of those series where, like, when you get towards the end, you start to get stressed out because you're like, oh, it's ending. Oh shit, I've only got I think I, more pages. I can make I, it last. I definitely mm-hmm. cried in the movie. Um, I definitely cried when uh, I won't say which character, but in in the second to last movie, I, I um, a really cool, nice, cute character bites yeah. it to save someone's life. He gives his life to save another. And it is sad. It's like a puppy getting ran over or something. Cecil except, Dickersby, or except whatever the hell that guy's name was. fucking Dobby is his name. And, and Dobby is just the most I selfless... I was thinking it was Dobby. Dobby is the most selfless character in the whole story. And every badass. step of the way, every step of the way, he's sacrificing not just his time, but his life. He, he's like... He's like, Dobby's here for you, sir. Whatever you need. He's, you know, he's a house elf, and you know, Harry Potter's giving him, giving him his freedom with the clothes, and like, you know, freed him from slavery. And, and so he's just he gives his life, and it, it's just such a moment where he's just like, got like a blade in him, and he's dying, but he's still worried about like his friends, and it really heartfelt moment. Oh, let me tell you what else is heartfelt. Felt. I watched a, I watched the commercial for Hacksaw Ridge, and it made me cry too. Uh, maybe I'm just getting a little emotional these days. So Hacksaw Ridge is the new Mel Gibson movie. He's directing this thing. It's a World War II uh, story about... Uh, it's a true story about this guy who was a... Um, he, uh, he wanted to go fight. Uh, he was supposed to be a doctor. I think he had a medical license. And he was a doctor, and he was like ready to start his practice. But he even says in the, in the previews, like, it doesn't feel right, all of, them, all of them to go over there and fight for my freedom while I stay over here. And his dad's telling him, you know, don't go, don't go. But he, he joins the Marines, I think. But he won't touch a rifle. He tells them, he's like, I can't kill another man. And the, so they just, they beat him. They humiliate him. They just, he, he, I think he has to go through some like court-martial proceeding where finally some head poobah says, if you're willing to step into the fire of battle without anything to defend you, then so be it. And so he goes into battle with just his medical kit. And there's this scenario where his men get massacred up they have they climb this cliff and then the battle's up there and his men have been massacred and they they get pushed back and everybody's down below fucked up and the next day they look and the wounded are all piled up at the hospital they've all been brought down and they say who did this who did this and they're like the coward he did it he's been crawling up that rope all night 
and lowering the injured down. He's been crawling into enemy territory and dragging them out. I'm a little choked up now thinking about it. He says, <laughs> he's got this line in the movie. He, he's, oh, man, I'm going to cry. He says, please, because he's got this southern accent. He goes, please, Lord, just get me one, just help me get one more. Please, Lord, just one more. And he's just digging, trying to get, and there's this one part where, like, the enemy's coming, and the guy's laying there. He's shot. Maybe his guts are out or something. He's bleeding. He's like, help me, help me. And he's like, just trust me. And he's like, buries him alive. And he buries them both alive. So the, and, and like the enemy's coming, and you just see like an eye looking. And then he, you know, uncovers him and, and lowers him down the cliff again. And I don't know how many he lowered, but it's a true story. And it's dozens or something like that. Um, I can't wait to see it. Because, you know, the battle footage is, you know, it's, it's, it looked like Saving Private Ryan. People being blown around. Mel Gibson is an incredible director. You look at Apocalypto, Braveheart. Um, um, there's another it one. Uh, kind of, uh, Passion of the Christ. It sounds kind of like. Have you ever seen Schindler's List? Yes. Where at the end he's like, and like all the Jews that he saved are standing there, and it's like all heartbreaking because they're like thanking him, and he's just like, you know, this watch, this watch. I could have saved three more with this watch. You know, I, I should have done more. I should have like. Yeah. That was a heartbreaking and, and scene. And the guy's That's like, really similar. He's, he's like, look how you, you save so many. You save like, so many. It could have been more. Like this watch, three. You know, this suit, two more. Like, on hmm. it. It's a really, really good movie. It doesn't yeah. compare, I, but I saw a movie today. What'd you see? The new Star Trek. Ah, I ah. loved it. I laughed. Good. I cried. I freaking like Star Trek. I'm, I'm coming to realize this. Is or it Anton sad? Yeltsin? Wait, you what? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy, the guy that plays Chekhov, uh, he dies in real life. Not in the movie, it's not impacted, but um, he died in real life. And uh, but dude, the, the I, I so Star Wars right is like space pirates, right? They've got their lightsabers, they jump around, they literally swing on ropes and stuff. It, it's whatever. And Star Trek has always kind of been like the office version of Star Wars. Like they all seem to be in cubicles making decisions. That's changing, man. Since the reboot, I really feel like Star Trek is, is like, that's the one where people swing around and go skydiving and shit like that all the time. They always seem to be defying gravity and... Extreme sports meets, meets space. It's, it's like the entire bridge crew just left the X Games, and they're applying that knowledge and that skill set to fucking space exploration. Perfect. Well, we need to get down there. We could either, uh, I don't know, use some space rope, or maybe we could beam down, or maybe a shuttlecraft would lower us. And Kirk's like, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah! yeah! You're just handling space it. Space wing! Like, somehow like, bungee jumping is involved in solving this problem with that they're rock having. music playing in the background. I, I can't give away like, any spoilers, but rock music literally plays a major plot role in, in like the climax of yeah. this thing, and uh, and then you know like they they blast the rock music, and the other people are like we figured out the frequency for dealing with these guys, and it's <laughs> it's fucking Beastie Boys rocking in the speakers, and I loved it. I ate it all up. It was it was fantastic. Sabotage, and they're fucking like. Blasting it through the vacuum of space, and, you know, <laughs> and it's it's the greatest greatest thing. And I think about that in comparison to Star Wars, which I also enjoy. And you've got like um, 
Uh, who, who who plays Han Solo? I can't think of his name right now. Harrison, Harrison Ford. Thank you. You got Harrison Ford, who I think is like 112 years old right now, like limping around in, in like you know, like oh, is it okay for this guy to walk on like you know um, uneven, uneven ground? You know, like you like Chewy. You think we get to go another sequel, Chewy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> And Harrison Ford is just like gingerly walking, like watching every step, like an old man on the ice. And uh, just by comparison, it's like, dude, my medic alert works out here in space. Yeah, <laughs> Star Trek. All senior citizens should have life alert. <laughs> Does your Wookiee have diabetes? <laughs> Star Trek is the awesome series right now. I, I they. I, Star Wars needs a reboot or something. Like you've got to get rid of Han Solo. You've got to get rid of Carrie Fisher. They're getting Fisher. one. Come on, Rogue One coming soon. Our filming's already wrapped. Hell, they filmed it twice. It can't be bad. Did you know that? Rogue One is a is a, is a new chapter in this whole thing. And the thing about it is, they filmed they filmed it. They got it done, and then they were like, no, no. They re-filmed seventy percent of it. They 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 filmed it, looked at it, and were like, not up to par. They did 70% of it over again. It took months and months. It's wrapped. I wish They're I could starting... do that with my vlogs. I never know if my vlog is going to be good until I edit it. And I'm like, ah, oh, you really gave yourself shit to work with today, Woody. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. So they just... like I'm going to be spending eight minutes here at the dryer waiting on my yeah. shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a time lapse while it spins. It was a really chore-heavy day. You know? <laughs> so, Lots uh... of quitting dishwasher to finish <laughs> it's a pain in there yeah but uh but yeah they reshot it that's cool i'm glad that they've got the budget for that yeah that's a good oh, sign yeah, yeah they know, got the I, budget. I heard if, um if they didn't have it i'd be upset i forget what it was it might have been batman versus superman one of the dc things after the success of deadpool oh it was um suicide squad well, suicide that's marvel i'm sure you probably know that i'm sorry yeah, yeah. so so deadpool came out everybody loved it and i think it was suicide squad who was like you know there's no funny in this. Like we, that's horrible. Twenty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I've heard that. I'm still gonna see it. Um, so, but uh, but yeah, I heard they like they they went back and shot some new scenes so they could interject some humor in it here and there. Know. You know, um, what's his name that's playing the Joker in this? Uh, his name's escaping me right now. Um, yeah, Leto or something. Leto. Yeah, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Yeah. So he's an he's, so he's an incredible actor. If, if you. If, you, if, you, if you've never seen the Dallas Buyers Club and you feel like crying again, a lot of these movies are making me cry. Watch that. You know, AIDS victims and Jared Leto plays a transsexual very well. He's a little hot. He's pretty hot. Um, so he plays the Joker in this new movie. And I saw him on Jimmy Kimmel's show. And if you don't know, Jared Leto is a method actor. He takes it very seriously. He is the Joker the whole time. And the Joker's a real motherfucker, right? So the whole time, he's sending his co-stars all these weird gifts. Dead rats, live rats in boxes, snakes, rotten meat, that sort of thing. It'll say, it's from Mr. It's from Mr. J. You know, but it's a fucking snake. So, so he's out there on Jimmy Kimmel's show. He looks Asshole. deranged, okay? <laughs> he, his, he has the eyes of someone who is being overly medicated or not medicated enough, one or the other. He's wearing a Christmas sweater, like an ugly one. And this is recent. This is like last week. A Christmas sweater <laughs> with like a tiger in, 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 uh, like, like sewn into the front because it's like a knitted sweater. It's like a tiger's face in the front and its ass on the back. It, it's, just, it's just bizarre. It's not interesting or cool. It's just <laughs> bizarre. And he's just wild-eyed the whole time. He's like, and Jimmy was like, he's like, I brought you a, brought you. And he's not being the Joker. He's being Jared Leto. But he's being weird. And he's just like, I got you something. I got you a little gift here. And, and Jimmy Kimmel's like, he opens it up, and it's a fucking snake. 
the snake comes out of the box. Jimmy's clearly terrified. Uh, it's it's um Jimmy. He's it's not Jimmy Kimmel. It's Jimmy Fallon. I'm sorry. I've okay. probably been saying it all the time. Uh, Jimmy Fallon is terrified of snakes. He jumps up and is like trying to get away from the snake, and like it gets out on the floor. And Leto goes over there and just snatches it up, and he keeps fucking with him. He keeps oh you don't like it, <laughs> you don't you don't like it. And the snake it's a little snake, but still it's a fucking snake. And he's like no no I don't. He's trying not to be a bitch on live TV, but it's clear he does not like that snake that he keeps poking at him with. <laughs> so. I don't know. On one hand, I love Daniel Day-Lewis, and he's a method actor, and I think he's the best actor that there's ever been. You know, that guy's been in, like, seven movies and won, like, three Oscars. Gangs of right? New York. Yeah, if you t there will be blood. If you, uh, um, My Left Foot. Um, if you look at Daniel Day-Lewis' body of work, he, t he, he, he picks a movie every three, four, five, six years. He's been off for six or seven now, maybe. And then he wins an Oscar. Or, or he get, he's always nominated for one every time. Daniel Day Lewis is the man. He's our, he's the best American actor that that's alive right now and kicking, um, and he has been for a long time. He, he's just so selective. If if he picked more scripts, we we we'd all know him. He'd, he'd be a bigger name. But he's just, whatever. But and I really respect that he's a method actor. When he played Lincoln, he's walking around the set. He's Mr. President, right? He's got the beard, the hat, the whole thing. All right, you know that's not how I would have done it. But what the fuck do I know about playing Lincoln, Daniel Day Lewis, with your three Oscars? But when I hear that Jared Leto is, you know, being Mr. J and like giving people rotten meat and snakes and stuff, it's just like, no, dude, just tone it down because the Joker isn't even a big role in this movie. Let's remember that too. It's not like this is the Joker. It's not like it's the Suicide Squad led by the Joker. He's just an ancillary character. He's probably the fifth most credited guy on the screen or something like that. He's he's in the middle. He's not a main character. He's, he's just in there a little, and he's just taking it way too far. And from what I read, he really pissed off a lot of his coworkers, or at least some of them, that didn't want to get dead rats in the dressing room. Yeah, you shouldn't be sending dead animals to people as a way of making yourself a better... How does that help be a, him be he's a better actor? I think he was trying to creep... He's trying to get into the idea of being a weird, fucking creepy guy who does things just to mess with people, and I think he's also trying to creep out his co-stars. You know, you look back to The Shining... Uh, the whole time Stanley Kubrick is turning the entire rest of the cast against Shelley Duvall. So, and he does, and, and the film was filmed chronologically. So throughout the film, he's doing it more and more. So like, let's say um, um, there's a power surge and like the lighting goes down and we can't film today, but everybody's here in costume and everything, right? It's a real bummer. Kubrick would yell at Shelley Duvall. He would blame her for, for this, this like lighting mishap and like publicly shame, like, ha! Ah! Here we go again, Shelly. I guess we're on your time, huh? All right, everybody, let's wait. Let's wait on Shelly. And he just kept reinforcing this, and everybody started disliking her. So in actuality, <laughs> in real life, Shelly Duvall, by the end of the film, is feeling a little bit uncomfortable and unsafe and unhappy with being around the her co-stars. It shows, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I love I, – we, we, I bet you guys, if you're on Reddit, you, maybe you've seen it, but there's this scene of Jack Nicholson getting like – amped up for the big scene where he like puts the axe through the through the fucking wall and he is he's like, like high knee in it yeah he's like high knee in it walking around the room with the axe he's like ah, 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 like walking <laughs> around swinging it and there's some like sound guy or some guy like checking the props making sure it's all good trying to like get out of the room and he's like Ugh, like going around jack in like a weird way so he doesn't get near the axe in the handle because he's just like swinging it around like a fucking maniac getting like <sighs> so so he gets that thing. here's Johnny like he's just it's just every fiber of him. Uh, I love that movie. It's one of my favorites. If That's somebody about a show, who works right? at Subway always dressed like they did at Subway, 
to better prepare for being a sandwich artist. Like, I think that would be really douchey. And I don't really think that changes with, with acting. If you start studying the Earl of Sandwich to learn more about the history of sandwiches and when mayonnaise came into play and all that stuff. Yeah, well, just... we don't need to mulch over the storied history of sandwiches again. Trying <laughs> 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 uh, to. Oh, I got one more thing. Hope is starting to drive. Um, so Hope was, uh, you know, she was anxious about driving. It was something she built up in her head. I've, I've had things like that in my life before, but not driving. So I've, it's always been hard for me to empathize. And uh, she started taking driving lessons. She's had two out of the three so far. Her last one is Saturday, the day this video goes up. And it looks like Monday she'll take her test. And oh, yeah. Is she ready? Is she ready? Ah, uh, no, she's not. Like, I, I guess, I mean, like, I got to remember, like, when I got my license, I, I'm a better driver now than I was then. Uh, you yeah, know, we I, all are. I, I remember I was showing my father, I was like, trick driving. And uh, there's a red light, and then there was like a bar on the corner. So I went through the parking lot, like, you know, to get around the red light, because I had thought of yeah. something, of course, no other driver had ever thought of. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then as I'm pulling back into traffic, I cut this guy off. And it's fast. It's like 50 miles an hour or something. And my dad is like, whoa, 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 whoa. And uh, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. It doesn't usually go down like that. And he's like, you are lucky that guy's a good driver. Because <laughs> if he wasn't a good driver, he'd have hit you. And uh, it's like, in my head, I'm like, but I'm a good, uh, I guess, no. No, I'm not a good driver. <laughs> you know, I'm very lucky that. You're an aspiring good driver. Yeah. I think it's better that Hope is being cautious because a lot of people have the, like, gung-ho, I'm free, I, I'm invincible mm. attitude when they get their license. I definitely was more in that camp than the, oh, dear, I don't want to, you know, go too quick on the highway. Um, but looking back, like, yeah, I get nervous when I see someone on the road who I think is, like, about 16, 17, 18, just because it's like, oh, fuck, I know what I was like at that age, and I shouldn't have been driving probably. probably too cautious I, is better but there is too much of a good thing so for example she was pulling onto the interstate right 70 miles an hour on this road it's like four lanes wide and she's trying to merge at like 40 miles 50. an hour oh yeah, oh, yeah. Jesus. right so people are like zipping by and, and i'm like urgently like hope you have got to hit the gas right now you know you, you got to match the speed of this highway here and um and to her credit she did and she worked her way in but it's like the problem the reason you can't find an open spot is that you're going 30 miles an hour slower than the rest of the people here. Yeah. You know, you, know, you got you to gotta accelerate in the acceleration lane. And then we were coming off the highway, similar type thing. So people are like annoyed-ish, you know, being behind her, going the exact speed limit. So when the right lane opened up, this guy, and to Hope's credit, it was kind of his fault. He was being a douche. But like he tucks in, hits the gas, and passes her on the right in the exit lane. And, um, yeah, all right, that's not good driving. You know, she was going the speed limit. You don't have to start speeding in the exit lane past her. But I do. It's 70. Like, if she's doing this, like, all right, so my, my thing about driving is I always go really fucking fast. And I think it's safer for me to go really fucking fast because my relationship in, in uh, conjunction to the rest of traffic is only one way. I'm faster than everybody else, so I'm moving past them at all times. There's nobody creeping up in my blind spot for me to merge mm -hmm. into, and there's nobody passing me on the right side ever either. Uh, I always I pass on the right side a lot. I feel like and when you I drive like by a car, 
it's like scraping your blind spot. Like now you know it's clear. You know exactly what's there because exactly. as you're and passing I look for people, it in that, mm -hmm. and I'm looking for it. So so like I'm like all right, passing the red car, and then I can look in my mirror and I see red car, and I know everything behind red car is behind me. Like there's nothing between me and red car, and mm -hmm. and, I, and that's in my head as I'm driving, and that keeps me safe because there's never anything in my blind spot because there is no blind spot. Um, it, it but merging onto yeah, that's one thing where like. I don't know what would make her more confident than I mean she's taking driving classes. I'm sure I'm sure she's gonna get the hang Time of it. But the like, wheel. but yeah. like she's pulling off and a guy passed her in the exit lane. Like he he accelerated in the deceleration lane. I think really perhaps he was the dick. You know she was going the speed limit, but that happened. And it's like you know if she could if she just got a little more comfortable with the flow of traffic instead of the number on the sign, then everything would go a little smoother. But yeah. by and large, you know. She took us to the movies and back, and everything went fine. Uh, she just, you know, got to get comfortable with the flow of traffic. One I'm thing sure that always makes the thing that makes me comfortable in every scenario, no matter what it is, is to go to the extreme immediately. It's like, are you afraid? Like, like I, I feel like getting in a car and going out in the field and feeling what what it takes to make the car fucking lose control and spin out. It's like, oh, well, now I know where the edge is. Now I know where the edge is every single time. Um. I, I drove a car under a tree one time for fun. You know, it was a junk car. It was a $400 car. I wanted to feel like feel what it was like to hit a tree going 20 miles an hour. So I did. Wasn't that fucking bad? I, after that, I had a real appreciation for what 30 might feel like, though, because 20 fucking bruised my shoulder and was like gave me a bit of a headache. You know, um, but but I watched this thing on on like 2020 or something. This guy who did it for a living. He like crashed cars for a living. And, and he showed his technique. He had catcher's ge um, gear on his knees and shins. He, um, he, he talked about when, in the when he like made impact, he would take his hands off the wheel and put them like this, so that you're not, you know, so that you're not breaking your hands, messing up your hmm. wrists, your arms. They're not hitting anything. Your hands are right here. And he's talking about, you know, staying, staying in this safe zone because you know you're wrapped in a cage and everything. Um, and, and, you know, all the things that injure you in car accidents, how to avoid them so that he, because he crashed, you know, they had some number, a thousand cars. The man who's been in 10,000 car crashes <laughs> next on 60 minutes. Tick, 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 you know how it goes. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go do that. Hit the car, hit the thing going 20 miles an hour. And from then on, I had so much respect for what collisions were about, what they felt like, and all that stuff. You know, it, it's like, shit, if I hit that fucking thing, it's not the end of the world. So, like, you know, if, if, if it's between heading into oncoming traffic and just bumping a tree. Let's bump some trees. I don't know. It, little things like that. It, I always go to the extreme and go ahead and wreck or fall. I want to fall, get hurt right here, right now in practice. I want to see what that's like, where the edge is, where you can't push things anymore. I want to experience it now in practice so that when I get out there and I'm trying to race someone or I'm trying to like shoot some target that's moving fast that I've done it before and I know what it's going to be like. I don't know. That, that always makes me Trying to figure out how this. to apply this to paramotoring, I think I'd die in that scenario. I think you'd die. Oh, man. I think I, if you apply this to anything and you're not at least 10% lucky, <laughs> it could go catastrophically wrong. Oh, I'm like a Fallout <laughs> character. I've got fucking 20 or 30% luck or something You're all like in that. luck. Just I put all those charisma. stars in luck. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, I use all my points uh, that way. <laughs> All right. Let me uh, let me do our uh, our outros. last two little ad reads. These are these are some outros. Um, let you guys know about Loot Crate one more time. Just remember uh, this 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 uh, this month it's antihero. So from bad guys doing good things to the for the wrong reason to good guys with questionable tactics. August is the perfect month to, to uh, explore the M. So that's not what I'm supposed to read. It's this. 
Yeah. Oh, it is that. Yeah, I'm, I was reading the right thing. I'm reading the right thing. No. So it's the perfect time to explore the anti-hero. Walk the hero-villain line with a 100% exclusive collection of items from DC Comics, Archer, Dark Horse, and Kill Bill. Those include two collectibles, a wearable, and, of course, their monthly T-shirt. And don't forget the pin you get. Uh, you only have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific time to subscribe and receive the, this month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com slash painkiller and use opt code painkiller to save three bucks on your subscription today. I also want to uh, reiterate one more time about CISO. You guys can watch every episode of Harmon Quest on CISO right now. So go to CISO.com and use promo code Harmon Quest to get two months for free. That's an additional free month on top of the already free trial we're doing. So this is a big deal. And CISO is loaded with stuff. It's It's got lots of new comedies. Classic series and loads of stand-up specials. They also have every episode of Saturday Night Live, the entire Monty Python catalog, and so much more. So start your free trial today. I, I just wanted to say before we close out, I, I'm really glad Hutch came on the show. That was a uh, I, I really enjoyed talking to Hutch. I feel like we've all like matured, aged, you know, over the last two or three years, and I feel like that interaction went much better um, than than the last one did two years ago. Wouldn't you say so? Yep, I think that's true. Much more I think smoothly. That was my uh, first show and, with Hutch. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it too. Thanks, thanks for coming on, Hutch. We really enjoyed you. Very good. Painkiller Ready, episode two ninety four.